yeah, as, as I was talking to Chris at the show, um, basically when I did my podcast, Chris always sends you a um, sort of like a, a, a rough edit so you can check it and see if everything's okay. So here I am on a Friday night in the house by myself, gets the phone out, puts the old earphones in, quite happily starts some music going on in the background of the phone on Spotify, but just cancelled that off, started playing my podcast. There's listening, listen to it, make sure everything's all okay. I'm thinking, yeah, this is pretty good. Weird listening to your own voice, as, as everybody does, I think. Then all of a sudden, my pod, the podcast goes off, music comes back on. So automatically clicks back on, listening to the podcast again. A couple of minutes again, bang, music comes back. Ooh, what's going on? Never mind. See what goes on. Went to click back onto the podcast just to check it out. Next thing you know, the phone rings. It's me daughter, eldest daughter. Dad, get off Spotify now. Okay. I'm thinking, fair enough. What have I done? I must be charging must be charging money or something like that. Something's not quite right. So I turned it off. No problem. Later on, never really thought much of it. She comes back in. Now, actually, when she'd rang me, she'd actually been at work because she works in a restaurant. And what Amy does is she actually pipes her Spotify music through the entire restaurant. So everybody sat there eating the meals, and all of a sudden, right across this speaker system, comes you guys and me talking scale models. She's <laughs> serving this guy a dinner, and she thinks, Jesus, it's me dad. <laughs> <laughs> turn the actual, turn me off and turn the music back on back onto her account. Then she thinks it's all all right. She goes to go back to the tables. Next thing you know, here's me clicking my podcast back on. Broadcasting <laughs> 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 across the restaurant again. So, yeah, but at least they know now how to do acrylic yeah, mud. Right? And obviously, all you're doing is me talking. And this American kind of using a few expletives about how I do weathering kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> really, really perplexed. What the hell's going on here? He said, okay. <laughs> so she wasn't. And then she had to actually go apologize to everybody and say, oh, that guy you heard, that's me dad. He, he makes little plastic model kits. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't wait for the Yelp reviews for that one. <laughs> Friends, the show you're about to hear may contain coarse language, progressive attitudes about scale modeling, and in-depth discussion of technique and concept. If this is not your thing, then on your bike. Otherwise, please enjoy today's show while at the bench, on the drive to work, or while enjoying an adult beverage. All right, what's up, guys? Welcome back from your big trip to World Model Expo. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> what do we say to that? <laughs> we went and we came back. <laughs> Woohoo! That's what I say to it. Yeah, I don't know what else to say. I know you guys are still in like probably the rosy afterglow of the trip. Fuck. Oh, yeah. yeah oh, I'm yeah. Sure. Still buzzing. I'm sure. I'm sure. So, and I have I have all kinds of questions and things I want to know, and and uh, I know you guys recorded a lot of interviews, and we're gonna play those for all the sprue cutters out there later on in the show. But right now, I just want to catch up with you guys and hear hear about the experience. 
Yeah, I mean, for those in listener land, you know, Chris and I spent the weekend together, so we're we're all caught up. Will, unfortunately, <laughs> could not make it to this show, so we have so many stories for him. In, in general, the show was unbelievable. I mean, quite possibly one of the best modeling shows ever. Uh, it was uh, the, the quantity of of work. Uh, last, her, last I heard, there was... 4,848 entries. Holy shit. Certainly um, over 4,000. The, the number of, of finding out tomorrow from, from uh, Robert, the actual official figure, but somewhere between uh, 4,300 and 4,800, something like that. That's unbelievable. I think I saw a number somewhere that was in the 4,000 range. And, but, and, and, and what was the number of entry entrants? Uh, nine hundred, eight hundred and fifty to nine hundred entrants. Got it. So, so on. I know that I know that mm. uh, the deal is different there, where they do displays, yeah. and people, you know, people bring more than one thing, and you get judged on your whole sort of group of of entries, right? Uh, rather mm. than on each individual piece on a display. Yeah. Yeah. So what happens then? The judges come along, and instead of having to judge every single model. They have a good look at the models you've entered. They pick the best one, and then they judge that, and you're judged on that. Right. But, I mean, they still have to judge everything, even though a big part of it is sort of a triage process because they look at your display and go, okay, well, this one is obviously the best in the display, but that may not be obvious, right? Like, that may even take some decision-making. I would say, well, it depends how consistent you are as well, isn't it? Because if you've got, Mm -hmm. like, five or six pieces in it most armor modelers had about three i think and most figure painters would probably have anywhere up to 10 or more right on, in each category right on. and so you still got to look at them all and work out which one you're going to assess them on and, well yeah. you know me you know you know that i immediately want to ask all kinds of technical questions about the numbers but you're gonna you're gonna be uh, doing a catch up with Robert Crumbecker, right? Yeah, I've I've put him on warning. I've told him to get the app open. <laughs> they have an amazing system there, which apparently is so good that other shows are looking at buying it from them or leasing it from them or whatever it is. He's yeah, I saw to. some screen caps of of yeah. the app that they use. That's right. So go they all judge on uh, on on um, what's it called on iPads or whatever they are. Personal tablets. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. They the all, they yeah, all, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And it worked like a dream this year. So they have all the stats. They know what was entered, what was there. If someone entered something but didn't bring it, they know that. So you know the figures are official figures. And they've nice. got all of it available in the database. And it, yeah, I mean, not everything this weekend apparently went well. I know Robert had a few issues he talked to me about, a few big problems that came up with. But what was absolutely amazing was, I think, Tracy, you might agree with this, you couldn't tell if he hadn't have told me i would have had no idea they were no. you know anything that came up that was just dealt with and no one ever knew it had even happened it was absolutely incredible yeah. events <clears throat> management i've never seen anything like it anywhere in any setting well i can't wait i can't wait to hear what his uh sort of uh debrief is and i hope you're gonna you know i hope you're gonna ask him all the all the stats how many golds how many silvers how many bronzes how many entries how many entries in each mm-hmm. category how many visitors you know, all that stuff, because also we all know it's not participation trophies. And I'm willing to bet that once you look at the stats like last year, they're not that different from other shows where they do more splits. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, aircraft, for instance, was in two categories, masters and standard. That's it. No other split. Same with uh, armored fire vehicles. Yeah. 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 There was no 
like vehicles with one wheel, vehicles with two wheels, all that stuff. It was <laughs> together. <laughs> well, how props, many just props made by just, fucking right. Supermarine, props made by you know De Havilland Walker. Yeah. <laughs> well, just off the top of your head, I don't want to get too deep into it, but like, do you have a rough idea of? Like how many aircraft models, you know, versus figures? Because I know that it's figure heavy, but... Yeah. Well, I mean, I should have been paying more attention at the award ceremony because Chris was having to pack up the stand, so he didn't get to go to that. So they would list... If you got a, uh, a highly commended that was on a list on the wall, and so you knew that. But unlike... I mean, judging was different than SMC... In a couple of ways. Uh, one was, according to Renee Vanderhart, who we're going to have on the show at some point, uh, You, the judges for each category judged individually and then came together and made the decisions. Whereas at Scale Model Challenge, they the three judges would judge together uh, and make their decisions as they go along. So there's there might be something interesting in, in that conversation about um, how the judging was slightly different. But also, unlike SMC... At SMC, if you win a medal, they put a little piece of paper next to your model that says you've won a medal. At World Model Expo, you don't know. You you either got a oh, highly you don't. Com- no, you either got a highly commended, or you won something, or you won nothing, but you don't know. Wow! You so to- you have to go to the award ceremony to find yeah. out. You have to go. But to that's the cool ceremony. because it's because it's a big surprise and you it gets announced in front of all your buddies. I mean, that's neat. Also, from a practical point of view, with four thousand let's say 4,500 models in the competition. I spent two hours photographing them on uh, Sunday morning and that was literally like run around, that looks cool, that looks cool, not looking at every single model. And to look at that, you would need, you'd need all day to look at it. So because they didn't put up medals, it meant people didn't remove their models. Because the, if people don't get anything, some people will take their model and they'll leave early, they'll go home. They didn't do that because they might have won a medal, so they stuck around. So for visitors who wanted to go and see the show, it meant the models were there for longer. You got a better chance to see them. That's great. <laughs> if you could get anywhere idea. near the tables, because the crowds were like three deep on wow. all the tables trying to look at the stuff. It was it was almost impossible to look at some things. The only way I got like, the photos was because I had a press pass for Sunday morning. Yeah, a press pass. <laughs> That's yeah. cool for the show. Well, yeah, I got. Yeah. <laughs> I got. I got. I got to say, Chris. I, I mean, you've been you've been doing photo dumps on both. Uh, our own SCU page and on SMCG and on your own personal page, you did a great job, man. I, 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 I mean, I've, I've only worked my way through a few hundred of, of the photos. Mm, I think I took 530, something like that. Yeah. I mean, you, you did it. You did a great job. Uh, I mean, cause I, and I, you know, and I know you don't necessarily fancy yourself a, a photographer, but, but you, you, you did a good job. I mean, they're all nice close up photos that, that are well exposed I mean, you, you just you did good. I'd just like to say one guy from from the organising club from a scale model factory scale model challenge. One guy took all the photos needed uh, from the competition for all the winners at the show on Sunday. You know, just saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In so a show with four thousand well, plus entries. Well, and, and I think that, that and with that, participation that... trophies, that's a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and I think part of it too, as as has been seen in a lot of the photos, is that the light is so good because yeah. they because they put out spotlights on every table, 
Every but, table you know, has multiple uh, adjustable swing arm lamps. Literally so every- hundreds. They, I mean, I know we've talked. We talked about this with Robert when we interviewed him. They own literally hundreds of those task lamps that they go it in there. It has to be said they, as well. They, Sorry, it's a it's um a purpose built venue. It's at the yeah. NH uh, Königshof in um, Eindhoven, and that's a conference. Well, mm-hmm. in fact, they don't like you to call it a hotel. They like you to call it the NH. This is the hotel. It's the NH Koningshof Conference Center because it's, you know, they've got big facilities built at the back. By the way, they can host up to three or four conferences at once. This show used mm-hmm. all of that space. Yeah. Wow. Like all a few right. thousand square feet. Um, but it's got it's got purpose-built lighting above it, which is really good as well. It's like daylight lighting, so it's not the fucking fluorescent yellow crap you get at other shows. There's no natural light in the room but it doesn't need it because it's got a full lighting rig above. So yeah. that, that helps as well. It really does. It makes a big well, difference. Well, and I, and I think it is fair to point out that it's a very different situation from, uh, you know, like the, the the IPMS nationals in the United States and, and, and Australia because, you know, it is held in one place every year but run by essentially the same crew of people who have been doing it now for, what, 10, 10 years or more. I mean, they know their shit. Uh, and and they've built that knowledge base, and so, you know, it is. It's going to be tight, right? I mean, it's it's a very different situation from having a different club run the show each year. It is an unusually good venue as well. They're lucky to have that. It has to be said. Yeah, I know cool. not not yeah. every show. I know the Melbourne guy. Was it Melbourne? Anyway, the Australian Open. I know they were a bit kind of like, well, there just isn't a venue like that around here. So you know, they're lucky to have it on their doorstep as well. So, Chris, I know you didn't you didn't enter anything, right? You weren't you didn't enter. You weren't a judge. You you were occupied totally with no, with your entered. press pass. Oh, did you enter? Yeah. yeah, I entered the Churchill. Yeah, I got a highly. Oh, that's made. right. I yeah, forgot yeah. about the Churchill. Okay, cool. All yeah, right, yeah. but you probably you spent mo- you you spent most of your time probably at the inside of the armor uh, yeah. slash <laughs> SCU on the stand. Yeah. table. He was right? working, so it, it was a and I'm, yeah gutted because i didn't get to go to the workshops i didn't get to walk around and meet people as much i did a bit because tracy covered me and thank you gordon upton i have to say live on air as well because yeah. gordon covered me a lot he's a really good guy and adrian yeah. davis as well so but yeah and most of the time we, i spent on the stand we had a lot of people stopped by the stand too because we had the sprue cutters union banner up there with chris's yep. banner for inside the armor it was the inside were, the armor slash sprue cutters union stand <laughs> and there, there were loads of people who just stopped by to, to talk to us you know and so, to take a sticker. So, yeah. <laughs> so how did that so how did that go did, did anybody come by to throw rocks at you because you're you had the scu banner out you know what we got a lot of hey i recognize your voice <laughs> which i've never had before <laughs> in my life <laughs> I, well i'm gonna tell you i was absolutely floored uh and and just have walked away from this event just kind of just gobsmacked at how many people came up and told us how much they love this podcast. That's I'm cool. Ta- I mean, it just, almost everybody we ran into were just so complimentary about what we're doing. And that's one of the reasons why, aside from you not being able to see all the work and, and to be there for the buzz and the fun, like, I, I wish you'd have been there just to receive all the compliments that we were getting to. I had a couple of people say how much they love your voice, Will. 
<laughs> like I keep saying to you, you've got a fantastic voice for radio. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm, I'm glad I'm glad somebody does because I I absolutely have grown to hate listening to myself. Thank you guys for that. But I think after about a year of podcasting, you almost get used to it, right? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, it's it's and part of it is because because I feel like I'm I, I have the least sexy voice of the three of us. I mean, I think Chris. Dude, you just always sound amazing. Your sound is all, your sound quality is always good. You've always got that nice bass going. Plus, you got the sexy. Plus, That's you got a husky, the sexy fatty voice. <laughs> you got the sexy English accent. So, hey, if if anybody likes my voice, still, I'm. That's great. I'm happy. Well, I mean, even when I I proof listen, you know, when when Chris sends us the edits and I listen to it, you guys sound just like you do right now. So it, it doesn't affect me at all but whenever i talk on any of these podcasts i, I actually my head whips around and i'm like god it sounds fucking terrible i'll turn you <laughs> so down anyway, guys i, I really have time. <laughs> let's get back to the show so yeah i mean you know we had a lot of friends of the show come past peter i'm gonna murder this sorry peter lacma from um scale model critique group uh, he came Lick, by Lick, 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 I don't know how you say it. Licklima. Lick, that's Lick, how I always say it to myself. Like that. He's he's our resident chemist. Anytime somebody has questions about how the molecules of the one thing you know do their thing, he's the guy who knows. He's a really lovely guy, and we had a really nice chat with him. So thanks for coming Very by, cool. Peter. Very we had cool. Eden, uh, Ian Budelek come by with Fanch Lubin, which mm-hmm. were a right pair of terrible twins. Yeah. I'm yeah, so jelly. Fanch. I yeah. do. I'm so jelly that you guys got to hang out with Fanch and I didn't get to. He is just as lovely in person as he is uh, through the internet. It, Perhaps it was a real treat. Yeah. I'm, sure, I'm sure he is. I'm sure he is. And we had uh, Jean-Bernard Andre pop by and, and Tracy and I both bought some of his work. And it was, yeah. yeah, we just had a really great catch up with a load of people. But also a lot of people who didn't even introduce themselves by name sometimes, but just listeners just came over and said how much they love the show. I really, cool. I tried to make it a point to get people's names because people were coming up yeah. and just, hey, I don't want to disturb you. just want to tell you how much I like the show, and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, well, what's your name? Like, you're, introduce yourself properly. Yeah. So, you know, and then hop on Facebook and send them a friend request and everything. Do you know Very what? Cool. Uh, Not cool. one of them said the show was too long or that we swear too much. <laughs> so thank you, know, you everyone. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Fucking, fucking right. <laughs> just, but also, man, just the amount of, just the sheer amount of talent at that show. You, you just look around at any given moment and you're like, oh my God. Like, just yeah. everyone who was everyone who was there. Um, and just no egos. There, there really, I ran into yeah. maybe one person who was a little short with me and I was like, oh, fuck you then. Ooh, um, I want to know who that is now. Um, but everybody else was just the complete lack of egos was so refreshing and just being able to just shop talk with everybody you meet, you know? I mean, yeah. these are people well, who, there's... if anyone deserves to have an ego, it's like Taysen Harms and these guys, but they're all, at, you know, and uh, who else did we meet? Um, and Olaf P- Perl of Lund, and they're just Peril of the Lund nicest just so guys. Nice. Yeah. yeah, totally no ego at all and just really jazzed and really excited to be there just like we were. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is, I mean, it's the definition of world class because you literally have, you know, builders from all over the world coming for this thing. I mean, it's that, it's that good. It's that important. I think I met people from every continent. 
That's very cool. That's very cool. So Tracy, I know you entered your uh, what the fuck is that thing? Hetzer. That, that why, why am I Hetzer. expecting you to know what the name of the tank? Oh, is? no, you should. Panzer thirty eight T. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. Panzer thirty eight yeah, T. Hetzer. Right, and and you got a medal, right? Yes, I entered it in uh, the. I, they're calling it ordnance. Uh, the armored firing vehicle standard class, and I get received a bronze. The boxy shooty things class. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He entered his slopey boxy shooty thing into the boxy shooty things. I uh, that thing's beautiful, and I, I think that that I mean, look, you've got to be super proud of getting a, of getting a, of getting a medal. But that speaks to the level of competition there that you came in with a bronze. I mean, because I I mean. I was over here betting on you to, to get to get gold, and that just says that it, it that the level of competition there is really really high, and you can see that when you look at the photographs, man. I it's like I've been again looking through Chris's photos, and I want to talk about some of the work, uh, but I, it's just and I know Chris that you were going around, you know, getting photos of all the cool shit that you loved, but every photo I'm like, God damn. That's you know. If I could just say something about the standard of the of the competition, that's the highest. Uh, I've been to shows in Japan, Europe, Britain. I've not been to America, and that is the highest standard I've seen at any show anywhere in the world. Not just the best, but even the least best there was as good as anything I've seen get a gold at an IPMS competition or at some of the other competitions including international yeah. competitions. Usually when you go to SMC and this is not uh, you know this is not like any kind of dig or anything it sounds like I'm being elitist I'm not. Usually when you go to SMC even which is like the the top the you know for me the top of the top there's a spectrum. And at the bottom you've got kind of guys who maybe have been doing it a couple of years aren't that great yet but they're they're working their way up, you know, and it's early in their career and all that sort of thing. So you've got stuff that's yeah it's okay through to absolutely amazing. This started absolutely amazing and got better. You know, yeah. in fact, I was kind of embarrassed to put my model down, and I thought I was, you know, I could play with the big boys. No, no. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what, no. though. I, speaking kind of on the same theme, like, um, there's a certain amount of anxiety about even just entering your work. Yeah, yeah. You know, you're like, is is this good enough? Is it really good enough? You know, and then you know, it's a little a little shadow that the trout that follows you around while you're making the decision to put it in. Um, but yeah, you you you're like, fuck it, I'm going to participate. Uh, I hope I stand yeah. a good chance. And you know, then you pack up this very fragile fucking thing and, and travel to whatever destination you're going to with it, and hope that it comes out intact on the other side. And then you enter it and you go and you put it on the table and you make sure everything's just right and everything's good <laughs> give it a little if dust. you remember <laughs> and then you step back and you take a look at everything else on the table and you think what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> i don't stand a fucking chance <laughs> i mean it's it's that and that's such a cool thing it's a, it sounds like it, it kind of is a crappy feeling but it's an absolutely insanely cool feeling to look around at all the other work and, and see the standard of excellence that is surrounding you. And you think, okay, like there's no way you can fucking look at that and have an ego. Like mm-hmm. you're not going to stand there and look at it. And I know 
from talking to some of the best modelers in the world who I knew were going to receive gold medals. They looked at their stuff and they looked at what was around them and they said, I'm not taking yeah. anything for granted. Going back to it, your your thing being fragile, so you did not come out unscathed. What? Well, I saw the picture there. you posted, uh, right? Yeah, it, but it you did not there. did not did not make the return trip. What happened? No. Well, uh, my, okay, just in short, the the my travel uh, to the show was uneventful. All the planes were on time. All the trains were on time. Everything was fine. My travel back home uh, on Monday morning was the, the Monday was entirely just one of the worst days I've ever had in my life. Everything wow. that everything that could have gone wrong did go wrong. From me missing my taxi and and missing my trains and getting on other trains and having a train go the wrong direction. Uh, I I originally had uh, I was supposed to arrive at the airport three hours before my flight. I did you arrived, fly through? Did you fly through Schiphol? No, no. Actually, I threw I flew through Brussels, which I oh yeah, good okay. which I may not have done. Like Amsterdam may have been the smarter call, but I didn't make that call. Um, not on the day. So, uh, I I got I took my seat on the airplane fifteen minutes before the airplane took off. Oh, wow. Like, every step of the way, I was just looking at my watch, and, and Sam Dwyer was one of the only people, I guess, awake and not traveling themselves, so <laughs> I was texting back and forth with him, and I'm like, oh my god, Sam, the fucking train is going the wrong way. I'm on the wrong fucking train. Like, I am not going to make this fucking flight. Um, but everything was fine until I got to the Brussels airport. Uh, security line was incredibly long, but it did move quickly. I got in there, I put my luggage there, I took everything out of my pockets, I had my carry-on bag, which had my model, it had uh, a model that Marcus Lack has built for me to paint, it had the piece that I bought from Jean Bernard, and I set it in the the uh, the bucket there, the, the tray, and the security guy took the bag and slammed it on its side. From an upright position, he slammed oh. it over onto its side. And I reached over and I said, no! And I put it back up. And then he said, boom, and slammed it on its side again. And I said, it's very fragile. And he said, well, what is it? And I said, scale models. And he said, well, maybe you can unpack it. And I was like, well, the fucking damage is done. The damage is done. So get through. And I just, I because I had so much, even though I thought I was packing light, I brought home so much shit that I couldn't completely zip that bag. So (laughs) uh, whenever I got through security, I looked down and I could see the, the... uh, the model that Marcus had built was on top, and I could see that it was broken. So I just assumed oh. everything else was broken, and I I didn't have the heart to look. I didn't have the time. Um, and whenever I got home, uh, my wife said, just don't. Just leave it. Like, we'll have dinner, relax. And then whenever I got up the next morning, I unpacked everything, and and uh, Marcus's model was broken, easily fixable, and a couple of pieces had come off of mine also Easily fixable, but just unnecessary. Just unnecessary uh, treatment from the from the guys mm. in security there. So um, how so how badly broken is the is the headser? Uh, one of the hatches and one of the wheels. Again, it's it's yeah. really fixable. But That's in good. my in my head, the day of, uh, I was expecting to open open things up and and the headser. I, 
honestly, I didn't care about it, right? Because it made it there. It was presented. It was evaluated. It was seen by my peers. If it was in pieces whenever I came home, it was in pieces when I came home. But the piece from Jean, uh, Jean Bernard and and the, the hago that Marcus had built for me to paint, like, I just couldn't bear to look and see what condition they were in at the time. So do you still do you you still not like what you let like, your your piece from from Jean Diorama did it get broken it's, too? No, no, actually it was fine. It's okay. Oh, that's good because yeah. that, I've seen that and it's a very delicate piece. Yeah, that's very lucky. You know? I, I wouldn't even I wouldn't even begin to know how to repair it. Yeah, that's what worried me. <laughs> so so did that same guy did, did that, that guy come did that guy come walking in with a you know with a, a bevy of beautiful French girls trailing behind him? <laughs> no, he, he came in with a giant suitcase full of dioramas. <laughs> yeah. And then he had a bunch of fanboys trailing him around. Uh, me, oh, Chris. Everybody. <laughs> everybody I know. But whenever he talks at the bar and stuff, I was just thinking, damn he's so cool. Yeah. He's just really cool. He's just like really, really cool. cool. <laughs> everything, and he's not even trying. No, it's all just like, oh, and everything is perfect, and I do this. It's and, so uh, fresh. Yes. <laughs> he has the savoir faire. Oh, in spades. In spades. Yeah. Uh, talking of breaking, um, mine got knocked over on the way to the show. Uh, the turret came off, which made me think, why the fuck didn't I glue the turret on, you idiot? But also, I didn't realise at the time, but one of the sheets on the back fender came off. And I put it on the table, and, and you know what Trace said? You put it down, you check it, you dust it, you make everything's fine. I didn't. I put it down, I ran, because I had to get back to the stand. And it turns out one of the sheets had come off at the back, and where it had been glued down was a bloody great glue mark. Oh, no. And I didn't notice. And when I, because of course I'd super glued it on, and when it had come off, all it had done is taken a very thin layer of the putty where it had been glued on off, so I had this glue with putty stuck to it, although it didn't look oh. like putty, it just looked frosted. And apparently that's one of the things that cost me a bronze. Now, I could complain about the judging, but as far as I'm concerned, the mistake there is me. Yeah. Before I walked away from that model, I should have checked everything was correct. Yeah, yeah. And they give you they give you the opportunity to put down a little piece of paper that says damaged in transit. Well, and they said if they can obviously see it's been damaged, they won't count it. But yeah. to be fair, it wasn't immediately obvious that's what it was. And, you know, it's a kicker to know that something like that, because I, I try and get rid of all my glue marks on all my models. It's a kicker. And something, I mean, it was the size of like two centimetres long. It wasn't a small one, you know what I mean? <laughs> and so to, and that's just like, you fucking idiot. Don't do that again. So at least I learned a valuable lesson. So did you guys get feedback? I mean, like, do you know why you didn't score higher? I didn't. Yeah, I did ask for feedback, yeah. I didn't. It was that the sheets were too thick, the snow wasn't realistic, which I can, you know. It did occur to me afterwards that I never really looked at snow on vehicles. I just mm. kind of put the snow on. And um, and the glue mark, yeah. So those were the main three. Th oh, and they couldn't see the strings that tied on the um, sheets. They are there, but they're very thin and very dark, and they look almost the same colour as the tank. Maybe if I picked them out in a lighter colour, it would have made them more obvious. So mm -hmm. yeah. that's, again, on me that I didn't make them more obvious. So, yeah, it was very, very good to get the feedback. Yeah, I think that kind of feedback speaks to the quality of the judges. I mean, and, you know, you, you, if, the pictures you took of the judges' display tells you those guys knew what they were, those guys knew what they were about. 
I mean, the people judging you were people like Roman Lepat for figures, uh, fantasy mm. figures. You know, um, uh, Lester Plaskett. Lester Plaskett, yeah. For, Ivan for Cocker armor. from Malta. Yeah, Renee Vanderhart yeah. for aircraft. Uh, yeah, you know, these are gold medal winners from, uh, you know, everyone says, oh, well, what qualifies them? Go and look at the judges' cabinet, like you say. That's yeah. what fucking yeah. qualifies them. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely does. And and judging experience in, and in Bill some Horan. Of the cases, too. Yeah, Bill Horan. Yeah. Imagine having your historical piece judged by Bill Horan, right? <laughs> I'd be shitting my pants. So, uh, funny story about that. David Parker uh, won a gold for his uh, 116th scale Panzer IV. And yeah, he did. Of course he did. He didn't. He was the one who was like, well, no, don't take anything for granted. Um, so I was standing with him and they announced the, the bronze for that category. And then they announced the silver for that category. And, and to, to kind of follow back around to uh, one of the things about judging. So when you want a bronze or a silver, they read your name out. And there was a projection screen and your name was up and the name of the piece that you were winning for was up. And then everybody went up to the stage, received their medal, had their photo taken, and then came back down group for each yeah, yeah. gold so that, that was for bronze and silver yeah. for gold you were mentioned individually and there was a photo of your model as you were mentioned oh, very you cool you took the stage individually and then had a group photo taken so uh you know the bronze was announced and david wasn't in it the silver was announced and david wasn't in it and and david's partner leaned over and said i think he got gold and he said i'm not taking anything for granted and of course he got gold but as he was taking, as he was coming off the stage, Bill Horan said, "Very nice work, congratulations." So that's, so that's pretty something. cool. Yeah, that's yeah, pretty yeah. cool. I mean, that just sounds to me like a real, like like what I just think of as a real competition. Uh, you know, with all the, with all of the uh, anticipation and the production and just everything about it, just makes it seem really legitimate to me. But it. I'm going to clarify. Like I, I think it's unfair to think of this, uh, for an, to think of an event like this as a competition, because a competition to me is you competing against the people next to you, and you competing against you know other people in your class. And I feel like it's really important to underscore the fact that you are judged on what you bring and the merits of what you built. They're not. They they separate everything else and they only look at your models and they evaluate your models not your models compared to the one next to it but the models that you brought as individual things so it feels less like a competition because and i think that's why the buzz is so good and the camaraderie is so good because you never feel like you're competing against your friends you know that Mm -hmm. you're being judged on the merits of what you brought yeah i get that I get that. I'd just like to point out too, I interviewed Rene van der Haar and we spoke about judging. And I asked him how what they look for in judging. And I know a lot of people that go with the first, second, third system, because I don't want to say those four letters again, uh, will say that it's these things are done on artistic merit only. You know, they look at the overall thing and if it looks like a good model, you'll get something and everything else. He told me they definitely do look at the basics. And if you don't have the basics right, you're not going to get anything. So he looks at wheel alignment, he looks at the distance of the wingtips from the from the table, all of that stuff. And if you don't get it all right, you're not going to get something. There you go. It's that simple. But they also look at everything else as well, and you're judged on everything, not just the basics. And we've had, uh, Chris, I, I'm not going to say we because I didn't, I did make photos, I haven't posted them yet, but Chris did the lion's share of the work 
and I'm going to call it work because he did work at this show. He, he, he set up interviews. I participated in as many as I could, but he did uh, uh, live stream videos on his own. He went out. Oh, talking photos. to which, guys, go to the Facebook page. There's some live stream interviews mm-hmm. listening to this on yeah. the Sprue Cuts Union Facebook page. Yeah. Chris was a busy man. Uh, he definitely was a busy man. Um, several people have commented on Chris's photos he posted to our page about the the quality of the bases. Yeah. How the mm. how the diff and I'm using I'm not saying this on my own. I am I'm paraphrasing what other people have said, and you can go to the the Facebook page and and find them. Other people saying comparatively, it's it's amazing to them that almost every model had a really good high quality base underneath it. That's yeah. That's one of the first things I noticed is just the volume of the bases. Like almost everything is on a base of mm. some kind. Even even the token. I'd yeah, even even was. the. I mean, a lot of the aircraft were not, but even the token bases were still pretty cool. Like I saw a guy who, who put his who put his thing on a on a section of of sawed off log like it was like it still had the bark on it i thought well that's kind of you know that was that was probably kind of a token thing but it looked neat i'll tell you right? what man, took the I time. Put my model on the table and it was just a model it wasn't even a tank on a plank it was a tank on a table and then i looked around at everything else and i went out and right outside the uh the exhibition hall was a vendor's <laughs> really nice bases. the black ones yeah and i very very nice, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah the black bases very nice so did you go buy one and then go i goes? sure as hell did man. nice <laughs> one, of my, one of my first purchases was a 12 euro base and i came back in and i put my tank on that base slipped and it, it underneath there good move that's very cool and, and it made a made a huge difference nice yeah i nice. mean it's a really nice base and they're i don't know if it was their business plan to set up just outside the exhibition hall but i'm glad i didn't have to go and find them I, I passed them on the way in. So for anyone that's interested, I did take a photo of their um, stand. It's Buco, B-U-C-O, model base. And it's uh, the website is bucomodelbase.com. Those bases were... Yeah, they were light, too. I don't oh, know yeah. what they're made of. Those bases... Uh, I got I think it was like MDF, but like LDF, you know? But I was really impressed. They're really well finished. Yeah. yeah. They're... So it's an MDF, kind of hollow MDF base... Very well finished. I mean, I'm going to use the word flawless. I'm looking at it right now. No flaws. I mean, people obviously can't see. No weird it's like a black grain. satin finish, right? A smooth black satin yeah. finish with a nice sort of, um, what do you call that? Um, well, it's got a, a little relief yeah. at the top uh, for the uh, piece to sit on, and then it comes down, and then it's got all the little frame yeah, around, yeah, the, like a frame uh, around the, base. the base. So, yeah, they're very nice. I, I did take a photo of it because um, I'm thinking of ordering some. You can get some of the rebate in as well to put um, terrain in and stuff like that if you want. Okay, so I have I have two questions for each of you guys. The first one is, what was your favorite thing about the whole experience? Well, that's easy, people. It's seeing, you know, I mean, yeah. all those yeah. guys you know on the internet, and, you know, we know a lot of guys on the internet for modeling, you know, from all over the world. They were there pretty much, apart from you, you git next time <laughs> but no i mean there was very few people that yeah. weren't there there's a couple of people i missed like alex friedrich uh, and a couple of other guys that i wish had been there but um overall pretty much everybody was there and it was the biggest bro hug ever 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, Uncle Night Shift was not there. I don't know if he bad. does things like that. He really uh, should have I mean, gone, though. It would have been great to see uh, him. Yeah, I think I think he's declared I, that he's not doing those things anymore. I think when he does, he's a he's a one day attendee. Yeah. He's in and out pretty quick, just to say hello to everybody and maybe hit the vendor stands. Uh, yeah, I'd have to agree with Chris. The, the camaraderie was absolutely outstanding, but what's uh, what's really the other thing that I, I'm going to have to say, th- there's just no way you could have left that that e- experience without just being just so fucking, uh, your creative battery just charged to overflow. Totally pumped. Yeah. Like, there, there's no way you could look at the, all that work and look at the caliber of work and not just be like, oh my God, like, this is, I, I can't wait to get back to the bench. I can't wait to sit down and start working on something, you know? Well, it's just even again looking at just looking at the photos. It's just holy shit after holy shit. Yeah. I, I mean, it's yeah. I, I, it, it really I was literally. Too I started much. at the B. I couldn't even take. I, it I started at literally. the B. Okay, so all right. So next question then for each of you guys: What was your favorite thing? Your favorite piece of work that you saw, and why? there's no way to answer that no come on you can try just just it doesn't have to be the one just the one that you think of right now uh peter usher's uh uh uh, profit and loss yeah Uh, the the elephant i I saw photos of that pretty pretty moving absolutely i mean really evocative and emotional and i I posted on facebook uh, and i've said this and i'll say it on the air proudly that i i feel like peter uh does an incredible job of reminding us of what this, what you can do with this hobby besides uh, tanks and planes and, mm-hmm. and things like that. Like he's, he's constantly pushing the envelope um, and he deserves every accolade he gets for it. Um, it's that, that piece was, I don't think there's anybody that attended that show that was, if they were able to see that piece, that that wouldn't have come back being one of their top five. So for anybody who doesn't know, just a quick description is that it's a it's a picture of uh, an African elephant that's been brutally slaughtered and had its tusks taken off, and a small African child uh, kneeling next but to it. It's a Maasai warrior. Oh, is it? Okay, I, I yeah. it's I've only seen a couple of pictures of it, but it is it's heart wrenching. I mean, I mean, how often do you say that about a model that you see in a picture on Facebook? Also, I. I'd like to put uh, out, it's one hundred percent scratch built. Yeah, everything, everything on it. The figure, the elephant. Yeah. None everything. of that stuff is commercially yeah. available. And even the title, "Profit mm-hmm. and Loss," like somebody has mm-hmm. obviously has profited from this elephant's demise. And and you know, the flip side is that the, that someone has experienced a real loss of um, of their you know animal friend. And how can money ever be worth it's, something like it that? Just, yeah, that's that's a really much better way to put it, Chris. Yeah, I mean that is really look. There's just no way that you can you can debate the 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 statement that that is art in every sense yeah. of the word. I mean, 100%. it's sculpture. It it makes a yeah. statement. It creates an emotional response, and every bit of it happened because of him using his his tools, his his creative vision. Uh, and just, just, I mean, really, really phenomenal stuff. All right, Chris, what about you, man? I'm going to be cheeky. I'm going to give you more or less one from each category. 
Okay, that's cool. But that way, you that's know, cool. you get a good overview of what was there, <laughs> and I don't have to pick one. Well, I might pick one overall out of them. So uh, if I mentally go around the show, aircraft for me, there was a 135th 100% scratch-built sky crane. Which was absolutely yeah the one the for the the forest the forest service yeah the green and white one whatever it was I that that was the photo that I was on before we Mm. before we started this morning and that thing is that was that was like one of the ones that made me go back and look you know multiple I've got a few photos of that I'll put an album up of all the stuff that we talk about on the show so yeah just the level and so at one thirty fifth scale how big was that thing. Sorry. I mean, it had to be. It was 135th. Yeah, yeah. So it was. Uh, oh, right, right. Uh, but, but, but it had to be. Two feet. Uh, like two or three in, feet. in American, yeah, yeah, two right. feet. Yeah. Probably and two English. feet long. Enormous. Because that's a huge helicopter. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And about a foot tall, too. Really, Very really cool. big thing. Um, 100% scratch built? Yes. Yep. Started wow. with a block also, of wood. Also, there was a tiny Damn. little 172nd Mi2, which I really liked. And I love stuff like that because it's really easy to overlook them. But it was beautifully done, really sharply rendered. Um, in armor, uh, I'll just say David Parker's Panzer IV. I mean, there was a lot to choose from. And it was, you know, also there was a, a really yeah. nice uh, BRDM, I think it was. No, BDR. BTR2? I don't know. BDR2, yeah, the one with. By. Um, Oh Christ, Laurent Stankanwiak, uh, with a with a Zis two on the back. Oh, Zis two, you know the the two machine gun yeah. twin cannon. Yeah, I, I took a couple nice. of photos of that. That was beautiful. Um, I'm going to throw in uh, uh, John Murphy's yes. one sixteen uh, uh, scale. Uh, yeah, Stewart. yeah, that was very very nice. Was, was he, fantastic. I know this is like such a cliche. His photos don't cover half of the tones no. that are on it. You have to. This is why you have to go to model shows, and I know. You know, we took the photos, and I know you couldn't go, Will, but this is, you know, the photos are half as good as they are seeing it in live, you know, seeing it live, because mm, yeah, no yeah. sensor in the world can pick up all the different tones that are in, sh- you know, the shading and the weathering and stuff. Dioramas, I really liked. Uh, Hugh Martin's uh, destroyed T T seventy two. That was really nice. Very cool. One of the great things about. Um about, you know, just sort of being there and being able to really study what you're looking at. Like, I ended up taking photos. We were talking about Spud's uh, Stewart. I didn't take a picture of the whole tank. Yeah, details. There's going to be pictures of the whole tank everywhere on the uh, everywhere on the Internet. What I did was I got right in and I took photos of the, the dirt accumulation and all the tones on the hedgerow cutter in the front and around back all the tones that are, uh, you know, the mud's thrown up and everything. Uh, I did the same with Darren Thompson's uh, beautiful Stug, with the um, with the fashion of, uh, of mm. sticks on the back of it. Like there were just like the individual fenders had such an incredible array of tones that that's what I was making a picture of was that fender. You know, like I I don't think I took a picture of the entire vehicle. I just went around like really being able to really closely examine things and finding areas where I was like, holy shit, the texture on that is fantastic. And like, I just made a picture of the, the details. Very cool. But then Very cool. when I got to dioramas, I couldn't do that. It's, it's almost too much to, 
Yeah, I just looking at the few diorama photos I've looked at, I don't know how you'd pick one that would to be your favorite. It's that's dioramas are really, really interesting. Difficult. There was another one I really liked, which was like a Berlin 1945, which I have to say is a massively cliched subject. And if I don't ever see another diorama of that sort of thing, <laughs> I'd be very very happy. But this one was good because it had a train at the bottom which had been covered in bricks from a from a viaduct over the top that had been destroyed. On top of that viaduct was a tram. And on the bottom left, under the viaduct, the, was some Russian soldiers, uh, some German prisoners being pushed along by Russian soldiers. And on the right was a whole stream of civilians coming down the rubble, being guided by Russian soldiers. And it had every mini art and Stalingrad set you've ever seen on this thing. But every single individual figure was perfectly done. The rubble was amazing, the vehicles were amazing, and it told an overall story of the huge destruction wrought in Europe in the last 12 months of the war how you know all these ancient cities were reduced to rubble and it was really good but it was bloody massive it was like two foot by two foot by two foot it was absolutely yeah. huge but the other the, the other thing i'll throw in with on that piece was you know the the tram at the top mm. and the, all the civilians coming down the rubble and and then coming back around to the mm. the figures over on the the left hand side just the composition was so yeah, your eye was like your eye traveled it was it was you, you were literally guided to what they, he wanted you to look at um, so that was yeah that was a very impressive piece but a very impressive piece on top of oh, hundreds of very impressive a really pieces. nice little one I mean we, we I should talk about Robert Blocker but I, there's an interview with him on the show and I hope people will go and look up his work another really great one was Andy Evans which was two SAS Jeeps and it was based on yeah. the cover of I don't know yeah. if you had them in the US we had these little comic books about A5 size World War Two comics called Commando comics from the 70s through to the I think they're still going actually but they almost died out in the 90s and it's real like what ho chaps let's stick Jerry up the backside and all this and you know and all the Germans say Achtung Gott in Himmel Schweinhund English a pig dog and all this stuff you know it's proper like but he's got he's done it like a cover with these two jeeps they always had these amazing dynamic covers these two jeeps exploding off a sand dune towards the viewer but because it's him Everything on it is absolutely incredibly rendered. It is really, really beautiful. But the whole thing was six inches by six inches. You know, tiny. You can imagine how small it is yeah. with one thirty-fifth jeeps. And I feel a bit sorry for people with small works and dioramas because guys turn up with these massive things, and you can barely see the little ones in between them. But if we're gonna, if I can go back and and kind of applaud uh, the setup of mm. the show, there were there were multiple yes. tiers that you could put your work on. So. Andy actually put his work up on a tier where it was Yeah, he was at level. standing eye so level, and the big as, ones were at sort of waist level or a little bit higher. Yeah. Right. So what what he did intentionally was to find a place to put his work where you were viewing it mm. the way he intended you to view it. It, it. It's exploding out at you, and you're not looking down over the top of it. You're, you're It's coming right at you. So is there no categorization to the way that the models are put on the tables at all? Because the photos gave me that impression, but I would you know, Yeah, I mean... The- like, like it, like, do they group all the aircraft together yeah. at least, or all the... Yeah, they're, okay. all, they're all together. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, they're in categories, so just one side do... of these big long tables was aircraft standard, the other side was masters, and the same with armor. Although standard came okay. around the corners, and masters were sort of in the but middle. But they don't they don't break it out. They don't break it out between like jets and props nope. or any of that th- stuff. That that all nope. happens. I mean, I know they say it's participation uh, that... trophies for these things, but they don't have they don't split it down until there's twenty things in each category. So you end up with the same oh, amount right. of models. I mean, all 
80, say, standard aircraft were judged together. You know, they weren't broken down at all. I mean, it, in reality, what's closer to the truth is that you've got the same amount of, of models being presented at, at a as at an IEPMS show, and most likely the same, close to the same quantity of metals if you combined all those categories at an IPMS show and just said, okay, aircraft standard, aircraft masters, uh, instead of splitting it up the way IPMS does. So I, I mean, participation trophy is, is a such a bullshit term. Well, it, it is. It's just, it's just dumb. I mean, I think we, I think if when we went through the numbers last year, when we were, yeah. when we were talking about all this and we were comparing uh, the IPMS nationals from last year to SMC, that that ended up that about the, the same, amount right? of to- total amount of medals was either really close to the same or actually a bit higher at the IPMS thing. So you know, again, it is it's it's a it's just a really baseless argument to call it participation trophies, and I think Tracy's right. There's you know a case to be made for the one other thing being more of that. Anyway, so. Yeah, in fantasy, there was a really nice... Uh, I, I spoke to quite a few people about this. They really liked it. It was like a weird sort of alien camel thing with a guy riding it. And it had one of those bases that comes up with a backdrop behind it. And that was really beautiful. I, I saw that mm. when it was... I, I thought maybe that was from the Star Wars universe. It kind of looked like it. it. Beautif- yeah. Beautifully done. Yeah, but be- beautifully done. And, and again, like a real cool presentation... Yeah. yeah, because he, because obviously, I mean, it takes talent to paint that kind of a backdrop and make it work as well. Uh, there was a lot of those this year, actually. I think they're, they're a relatively yeah. new thing in the last couple of years, but everyone's using them. But it really helps to put the piece in context. You know, and you can imagine that thing walking around under an orange sky, and suddenly, it's it adds so much to it. It's really a good thing. Did he scr- did he scratch build the creature, the camel or thing, whatever it was? I believe so. I, I don't know enough about Pro- it. So Probably. that that thing came clean out of his imagination, is what you're saying? I mean, because if, if it's not Star Wars, well, it kind of looks like something from the Mobius universe as well, and you know, it, yeah, yeah, or it could be from a fantasy yeah, painting or something yeah. like that. I mean, but uh, the other thing that that little backdrop did, uh, in addition to sort of setting the the scene, it also isolated the piece from the noise of everything behind it yeah we should point out with thousands of pieces entered in these categories these guys these things were base to base so it's quite hard visually to separate something out so yeah that really helped yeah i mean when you're talking about the fantasy figure and historical figure section you're talking about you know pieces that are probably let's say maximum five inches high and there's within your your field of vision when you're standing there looking at the table there's probably a hundred and that table is as long as... I think it was eight two-meter tables, so 16 meters, that section. Something yeah. like that. Just huge. These huge long tables, three three or four, three tiers, plus the, the tabletop itself, and all just absolutely crammed mm. with, with figures. The last one I mentioned, it's not the last category, but I don't want to take up the whole show, is David Lane's Kaiser Wilhelm, which was absolutely fantastic. Did you see that one? I haven't. I don't think so. Is that just a bust yeah. of? Okay, it, like, got you. I think was it you said Tracy? He looks like you could just have a conversation with him. Oh no, it was Robert Blocker in the interview. <laughs> he looks like you could talk to him Blocker, and he talk yeah. back. It was that lifelike. It was unbelievable. Uh, the HMS Warspite was really yes, really well yeah, done as well. Yeah, by Matteo. I'll get the name. I do know him. Um, I'll, I'll dig up his name and put a link to uh, you know put the photo up with it on the on the show notes. That was beautiful. Every one seven hundred. 
and every detail on it was perfectly rendered. And of course, Peter Rush's elephant. But it was just, just far too much to yeah. look at, really. Well, I can't wait to go through the rest of the photos. That's just, it's a lot, but I'm definitely going to take the time to. And I hope that everybody else will too, because Chris, I know you worked hard to get those photos and they really are good. And, uh, you know, if you've never really, you know, exposed yourself to what shows uh, in other places are are like and the level of, of quality, I mean, you really owe it to yourself to, to check it out. <laughs> yes, yes, I could not say exposed yourself without Tracy riffing on that. So now that now that we are now that we're taking the show, uh, you know, downhill as usual, and I can't be, I can't be completely blamed for that. I have a question that I want to ask you guys. And we may decide to completely delete this little bit. I don't know. But I have to ask you guys. Okay, you know I'm going to ask you this. You know me by now. I'm going to ask you, what is the fucking deal with the diorama that's got the German half-track and the stormtrooper on the speeder bike? Well, the title says Because I am completely mystified. Axis of evil. Okay, right, right. But I'm like, okay, this, okay, if I should just preface this by saying that I think any combination of Star Wars and uh, Nazi markings is just weird at best. I, I really think it's derivative and unimaginative. And I mean, we've all seen it, right? Yeah, but Dudes usually it's just sticking... they paint it gray and stick an X on, uh, a cross on it. This, this was different. Uh, right, right. It's, it's, right. It's a gunpla with a, with the Hawk and Cruise yeah. or whatever. And I'm just like, come on, seriously. And, and, and part of why I think it's weird is because you just almost never see the opposite thing. Like you don't see, you know, X wings with, invasion stripes and and stars and bars i mean i've seen it once or twice occasionally but but you have to agree that the the other thing is is Uh, far more numerous adam culler did a really fantastic i think it was adam unless it was you did a fedex x-wing that was fantastic i think yeah and that's (laughs) you know and and, and to me that at least (laughs) right right fedex wing that to me at least (laughs) at least is some some (laughs) some it, you know that's worth it. That's a, that may be eye roll worthy, but, but at least it's kind of funny and it's you Definitely know. But to me, the, the right. But to yeah. me, the the German thing is just cringy because for me, like Star Wars is its own thing, and the 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 Empire was evil in its own way. And yeah, he took inspiration from the Nazis yeah, they were and all that space stuff. Nazis. Right, but the, but they don't but they don't need any any explanation, right? Like they're evil enough all on their own, and so to me, when somebody puts a Hawking cruise on an AT-AT, it's just gratuitous. It's like but, I mean, people need to see the picture. Uh, to, to me, that, that wasn't what this did. I mean, it was a normally painted okay, German so, yeah. uh, two fifty new or whatever they're called with a normal right, painted right. crew and, and, and a um, uh, Imperial Scout trooper uh, with his. Leaning on it, uh, stood on his speeder bike, speeder bike. leaning on the side yeah, of it, the, giving directions uh, yeah. to some enemy position or whatever to the commander of the, of right. the 250. And and I or, and I want to really well done base. And I want to say, I my initial impression of it was was that it was not that well done. But I went and I spent Actually, literally like ten minutes looking. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I yeah, spent I really spent was. like I spent like ten minutes looking at it last night on a bigger screen, and it really is well done. Especially the interaction between the figures—that's really good. it is. It is the the interaction between the stormtrooper and the and the and the and the German commander is is pretty good. But beyond that, I was just kind of like, why? And I was mystified that so many people thought it was really cool. When a lot of these are the same dudes who would be shitting all over the other, you know, the the Hawk and Cruz on the AT-AT. And I, so help me understand, what am I missing here? Well, it's it's not a Hawk and Cruz on an AT-AT. It's not, it's not uh, Nazifying a, a Star Wars vehicle. It's, uh, I think it's a pretty clever combination of, of the two. I mean, the, the, uh, they're both scouts, right? Mm-hmm. They're yeah. both scouting out something. Um, the execution, I think, is what sets it apart. Yeah. It's really, really well I'll be done. honest. I found the and concept a little bit weak. I mean, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't particularly anything that... I didn't think it was anything that clever. But the execution was superb. It really was. It re- yeah. Uh, yeah, and I and I give it that. And so I guess my, my, my sort of automatic then reaction to that was, okay, wait a minute. So now it's cool because it's well done? I... See, I that's tough for me, and and we could you know we could riff off that and go into a lot of. I know other... what you're thinking about. I think you're thinking about that figure where you we said it doesn't matter how well it's done; it was still horrible. I I was not going to go down that rabbit hole, but I you know it's it's a similar thing. No, really, because the stormtrooper was still painted as a stormtrooper. There was nothing offensive about it. If they'd had a Nazi, if they'd had a swastika on his speeder bike, and he'd been painted in SS camo, I'd probably find it a bit there. But because he was still being a Star Wars thing, he wasn't being a Nazi thing, I was okay with it. I think that's an important detail. It might be a distinction without a difference for some people, but who knows? I you know, I, I just genuinely, uh, I mean, I, I really am not trying to, you know, stir the pot. I genuinely was like, okay, what am I missing here? Maybe I'm just obtuse. And, and so, you know, that's why I'm asking you guys. To be honest, though, I found it really strange that people had such a strong reaction to it as well, a strong negative reaction. Because I didn't think it was that oh, great. I'm not I thought it was good, all. but I don't think it was that great. Yeah. But the people that hate it don't seem to hate it because it's oh, that's, they're sticking a cross on a on a stormtrooper thing. They seem to I don't know what it was, but there's some Italian guys that hated it. They were really rude, like you know, he sucks <laughs> his mother's balls and all this stuff, but never actually said why they didn't like it. So I don't know why they didn't like it. I wonder whether maybe they were offended that Nazis won't be taken seriously and they like Nazis. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you never know, right? Or, or maybe they they really hate Nazis and they're they don't like the fact that they're being sort of uh, right laughed about, l- yeah. not being taken seriously yeah. enough, or, or lumped in with the you know. Yeah, I mean, for those, them, those, for those, them, the fact of its existence may have been enough. I hate to know, say it, with some modelers, they yeah. just might have thought it wasn't that good and hated the fact that the judges liked it. It's just <laughs> unless they're actually going to use their words, we don't know. Well, here's here's one thing for sure. I mean, we're talking about it, and so yep. you know, if 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 one of your goals with the art you make is to get people to talk about it, then whoever made that thing should be happy because. You know, plenty of people are. Uh, so, and I, you know, I don't want to waste any more time on it, but I was just genuinely curious. I think it, you know, I think it's part of a larger conversation that we don't have time for here, but, you know, it's all, it's all interesting to me. So, 
I mean, I mean, the, the most interesting thing that we could possibly do would be to go through every photo that we took and talk about each model. Also, we wouldn't have to think of another subject for the show for the rest of the year. <laughs> we, cover all we would have. <laughs> we would have. We would have a if whole. People year's think our work. other episodes are long. <laughs> <laughs> so, on the next episode of the Sprue Cutters, fifteen hours of photo photo number three hundred and forty-seven <laughs> from last year's World Model. three hundred and forty-nine. <laughs> <laughs> like the Encyclopedia Britannica. <laughs> Your guide to every single model at the two thousand. Yeah, it is. Yeah, but it is. But it is cool, and it is. It is. You know, it is compelling stuff, and uh, I just. Yeah, I'm super jelly. I don't know what's got to happen to get to get me there, but yeah, I want to go. I do. I do. I know. So I thought about this a lot because I, you know, like we're, we're serious. We missed you not being there. And every time I turned around, there was something I wanted you to see. And I think for you, you've just got a plan on taking each leg of the trip and then being able to, to stop and rest and then take the next leg of the trip and stop and rest because it's, it's a long journey mm-hmm. for anyone. Yeah. It wiped you out, right? It's so worthwhile. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely did. Um, it's it's doable, Will, and we'll work on how to do it. Well, uh, sure, anything we anything is doable. It's like I said to you, it's it's a lot like my trip to Panama for stem cell treatment uh, four years ago. You know, that for me, I, I, I had a travel buddy going both ways, uh, you know, so I had to drive from my house to, to Lubbock, which is an hour and a half, get on a plane, fly to Houston, fly from Houston to Panama City. It, you know, it is. It's it's just stages and and you just yeah. got to you just got to break it down and it's just a question of, you know, how much pain that I'm willing to put up with. So, but I I, I would I would love to do it. Um I wish, you know, that I could I mean, we also uh, I think should talk about what it takes to get you two idiots to Texas next year for the IPMS thing. You know? Sorry, I mean, I, the motivation maybe, issue there. <laughs> I, I should be enough motivation. You fuckers should want to just come hang out with me in spite of the rest oh, well, of it. Well, do that I'm as long saying. as we don't have to go to the show. <laughs> we can just, I can, I can just take you guys to Whataburger and, and, and Franklin's Barbecue and all the other cool shit Absolutely. in Austin. Ooh, come visit I mean, your look, shed. If you're going to go, if, if you're going to go, <laughs> If you're gonna if you're gonna come to to something in the United States, Austin is a great place for both of you guys. So you know, just yep. thinking about it, just saying. Uh, just one last thing to say about World Model Expo. I think it's broken me. I don't think another show is ever going to live <laughs> up to it. I'll be honest. I'm worried about that at the moment because it was that good. You've been ruined. Yeah. Well, I don't think that's going to be the case. I mean, I. You know what? I've had, and in my life, I have had the best steak I've ever eaten in my life. It did not ruin me for other steaks. Yeah, there you go. I, I, and I still know, eat burgers. Still steaks, but, <laughs> yeah, but I think, you know, I mean, that was a culmination of three years of pent up, uh, uh, just anticipation. That's why I think play. it was special. <laughs> yeah, it was the SMC and it WME really together. Was, you know? But then that, the three years of everyone waiting for it. And waiting for yeah. it being cancelled twice and everything else, it was really yeah, big big. I mean, 
and what I'm going to, I'm going to kind of close out my thoughts about uh, world model expo with something that, that kind of encapsulates like the, the absolute joy that people felt at being there was that after the, 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 um, the award ceremony was mobbed. I mean, there's, I've got a photo of it on the, on the phone that somebody posted. It's there, there are hundreds of people in this little auditorium. You're, you're crammed together elbow to elbow as, as much as you can get. Because again, like I said, they didn't tell you what you want if you want a medal. So you had to be there to see if you want anything at all or nothing. And it's at free all. to be there. It's not an awards but, dinner or something. You just, everyone goes to it after. No. Yeah. Yeah. And so at a certain point, you know, I, I didn't, the way they did it was, you know, they, they did the, uh, the standard class bronze for every category. And then they did the standard class silver for every category. And then they did the standard cast class gold for every category. And then they did bronze masters for every category, silver masters for every category. Well, that's different. And, uh, so I, I didn't, uh, maybe not, maybe not every category. I could be, I could be mis misstating that, but all I know is that I didn't, once I saw my category and once I saw David Parker win his gold, and whenever I saw, um, gosh, uh, Andy Evans win his silver, uh, I mean, just everybody, I, I stuck around for everybody that I was close to, um, to see Spud win, and just to see everybody, like, take the stage and have their moment. But then it was just too much, and I had to, like, get out. Uh, but you couldn't go and get your uh, model until the award ceremony was completely over. So I went outside in the courtyard, sat down with David Parker and his partner, and and we were just sitting there talking. But you could just hear inside when when somebody won an award, the place would erupt. I mean, it was like a roar of of just people cheering for their friends winning. And I don't think it's like that over here. Like I don't think that level of enthusiasm. And it could be because. Again, three years of anticipation and everything building up to a to a just an explosion, to the point where when your friends are winning medals, you're not just clapping; you're just you're roaring and cheering. Uh, it was like a sporting event to, to hear that kind of reception. You know, you know what it reminds me a lot of the way you describe it is like watching the X Games, and you know these skaters and and you know motocross freestyle guys, they cheer each other on just as hard as the crowd does. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Every and that's the other thing that I think may set this type of show apart from another type of show is that everybody is genuinely uh genuinely pleased at other people's accomplishments. Like wh whether it's just sitting there talking to your buddies over your model or their model or whatever or whether it's at the show and and the awards are being announced like Everyone is genuinely ecstatic for their friends' successes, which is, again, because you're not competing against them. You're not, they didn't win the medal you should have won. They won their own medal. You won your own medal. Like, it's, it's, well, it's I hard think, to be, uh, I, I think it's not a zero sum game, right? Like, like, because you're being judged on a sort of an external standard. And everybody's going to get awarded accordingly to that. It's not like, oh, well, that guy got the medal that I should have gotten mm -hmm. because there's only three medals available, right? So right. 
there's automatically no, I mean, you might, you might, you know, if you're going to have some resentment, it's resentment at the judges because they didn't understand your piece and blah, blah, blah. But you're not going to be resentful of your buddy. That, that'd just be silly. Right. <clears throat> That's one of the many reasons I, uh, I love you, Hancock, though. You take so much pleasure in other people's success. Yeah, absolutely. It says a lot about you. Oh, my God. It's great. It's great. I mean, look at what we're doing. We're building fucking plastic models. Right? <laughs> like, we're, we're not, you know, we're not in a race to cure a disease or anything. We're, we're, it's a hobby that we all enjoy and we all are very passionate about. And we put a lot of time and love and energy into what we do. And you know how much time and love and energy you put into something. So you know what somebody else puts into their work, too. Like, they put the same amount of time, love, and energy into what they're doing, and they're proud of it. So why wouldn't you be happy for them? Yeah, absolutely. Like, man, when they succeed, absolutely, man. They put so much work into that. Like, fuck yeah, I'm, I am over the moon for them. You know? I'm absolutely, again, like Chris and I both said, I don't know, because David Parker is a very modest man, he did not expect to win a gold medal for his 116th scale you know, he spent Kansas seven years on that. He took seven, seven years, years. <laughs> only because he's slow. Where every de- <laughs> every detail is, uh, yeah, he is. He's a like a snail. The, every detail inside and out is correct. Like he, he posted photos today um, of the finished model back from you know uh, any kind of little minor repair to uh, transportation damage. He's got a funny story about that, but I'm not going to tell it for him. But. Um, he put photos up today and I'm just looking at these photos and I'm like, it, it's flawless. You know, like everything, there's not one part of that model that you look at that you, you, you would say, well, that doesn't look right. Like every fucking thing, whether it's the, the sheen on a, a that, the wooden handle on a barrel cleaning rod and the, the silver, the tip where it screws together, the bucket, the exhaust, the, the scrapes on the shirts and hangers, like everything looks exactly like it's supposed to look. But even he didn't take, uh, you know, he, he didn't um, take it for granted that he was going to be winning anything, you know. And that's a lot of, a lot, almost all of the people that we know who were there had the same attitude. Like they're, they're humble, you know, and they're, they're appreciative when they do win something. Um, and so it's very easy to be happy for them. If they had an ego, eh. Maybe not so uh, not so easy to be happy for them, but <laughs> again, that just wasn't the case. But also, like, God, come on, getting to see Marion Van Gill's pieces in the flesh. Oh yeah, those and he's like the nicest guy those ever. Boxes are a lot smaller than you think too, which makes them even more impressive. Well, the you know, well the 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 uh, what's the figure with the scaffolding and all? What's it oh, called? Uh, Van Gill's construction, yeah. Yes, the the you know the Highlander with all the figures building it and uh, painting it. Mm-hmm. I do, yeah, yeah. It's like this big. Um, it is. It, it's it's so it's small. One fifty four. Yeah, so I, it's. Yeah, it's it's on. I remember. I remember the first moment that I realized what scale it was, and I was just like, "What the? That's not even possible." But also, so, you know, the guy yeah, yeah. Um, being caught in the wardrobe. The front of that yeah, is maybe right. what seven inches by seven inches, something like that. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And the again, I've, I've got photos to upload that um, 
But the guy sitting on the couch, obviously mm. watching TV with the glow of the television reflected on him, he's built a little wooden television for that yeah. to sit in. And just, you know, and again, to have guys like that just pop by. And interrupt your recording. While we're sitting there. And, <laughs> yeah. But uh, you know what? We always just made them introduce themselves. If, they're, if they were there and they popped over, we would have them introduce themselves. Because that's what it's like being at the show. You're having a conversation and someone comes over and, you know, and it's like, oh, it's, it's this guy, and you know. Yeah. But again, I, I think to me, I, I was just really floored at how many compliments we got from people about the mm. show. Yeah, that's gratifying. Again, that's gratifying for I sure. Mean, we do it for ourselves, but but to hear so many people just enthusiastically telling us how much they really, really enjoy what we do, um, that was a huge takeaway from that show. Well, I know a lot of them did not think our show is too long, but we've been prattling on yeah, for a I bit. I said today we uh, talked for half an hour and it's only two. <laughs> right, yeah. right. So, Chris, what are your sort of final thoughts about the show experience? Well, that was it. That You know, I'm not sure any show is ever going to top that again, but I'm still going to look forward to going to shows. The next SMC is in October 2023, and the next World Model Expo is in Versailles. Ooh, ooh la la. In 2025. So I'm already planning that. I'm already planning, hopefully, to hook up with Jim and Barry from Small Subjects and maybe uh, do a couple of days in Paris after and stuff like that. So that's going to be a good one, I think. Very cool. All right. Well, thanks for the download, guys. Thanks for making me feel even shittier about not being able to go. But I'm so glad you guys got to have the experience. The only thing we missed was you. Yeah. I would have just been a pain in your ass. I promise you that. It would have been awesome. So... Yeah. Maybe, maybe we'll figure out how to get it done. But uh, in the meantime, we've got lots of good stuff for the sprue cutters to listen to, uh, interviews from the show. And well, and then we're going to be doing a, also, we're going to be doing a sort of uh, podcast from the show at the IPMS Nationals. Oh, so yeah. we're going to kind of get a little bit of that back to back. Uh, we've got an interview with Sam Dwyer planned for that deal because he's coming all the way from. Down under. See, I'm not going to try to do the. Ah, gonna, thank you. Not going to try to do the thing this time, uh, but he's going to be here. We're going to do an interview. Uh, hopefully, I don't. You know, I don't think it's going to be. I don't think I'm going to be able to do nearly as much cool stuff as Chris did for this one. But I'm going to give it a whirl. So join us for that. Fantastic. All right, so we've got some interviews now from uh, World Model Expo. Just a note on the sound. The sound quality on some of them is not great. We. Uh, because I was running a stand and I couldn't sort of set up a booth, proper booth, with microphones and headphones and everything else, we got one of those um, portable recorders, a really good quality sound recorder, but uh, there's a lot of background sound on it as well. I did try and edit some of it out, but honestly, I kind of feel like it gives people a real flavour of the show. So uh, I hope you enjoy these interviews. The first one is going to be with Penny Mayer. Hi, guys, Spree Cutters. This time we're joined by Penny Meyer. Penny, welcome to the Spree Cutters Union. Thank you. Uh, now, you're all, you've been associated with World Model Expo and, and shows like that for a long time, right? Yeah. Yeah. How, what, what number World Model Expo is this for you? Let's see, I did Toronto, Boston, Hirona, Montreux. I know 
So how does this compare to the other? Well, this this is mind-boggling. I mean, the, the other was were big. You know, they were at the time they were probably the biggest ones that I had been to. But this is uh, there's it's incredible. It, I, you can't. It's almost like a blur of figures. You know, it, it's, uh, it, it's it's information overload. We said a couple of times already that there's almost too much of it. You can't take it in. There's just so much. No, it's it. impossible. You can't. It, there's. I heard there was four thousand two hundred models in this show, and you can't possibly. I, I've been busy with business and uh, taking classes, giving classes. So I've only been in there for ten minutes when I put my own models in, and I looked and tried to pick something out that um, I would want to look at, and I couldn't even get near things. I mean. It, so we're, we're going to spend, after we talk to you, we're going to go in and, and focus and see what we can see. But there's no way you can see 4,000 models in two hours. No, not when everyone else wants to see them at the same yeah, time. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. But it's, it's very inspiring. I mean, even though it's mind-boggling, it's, it's inspiring. I feel like you, every time you, you know, move with the, the line and take a step, then you just have to pick what interests you in your field of view right there. I and, think so. And get a good look at that. I think so. It's so like, it's a kind of easier for me because I tend to go towards the flat figures first. I try to go around the room and look for the flat figures first. And then while I'm doing that, then I see things that I can come back to yeah. that I want to look at a little bit more. But the, the fantasy section is um, it's quite crowded with figures and quite crowded with people. So I'm actually enjoying looking at people's pictures online today that, are, that they're posting. The fantasy is even bigger than SMC. Yes, absolutely. It's, I, I've never seen it. I, I've never even imagined anything like it. It's crazy. I, I think so. Just on that one table. Yeah, I feel like we're we're uh, guests at a fantasy show, yeah. at a fantasy <laughs> figure show, and, and happily here. Um, but my God. The, the quantity and the, a lot of really great manufacturers. That's what I've noticed in the, with the vendors as well. The, the fantasy figures far outweigh historical miniatures or, or anything else. I mean, quite honestly, I think that these people are helping to bring in a younger crowd. Uh, I think that, um, and especially in the States, um, you know, there's a lim limited audience uh, for models and figures and things, and the, the, the fantasy people and the war gamers are helping to uh, bring the young people back into the hobby, and some of them then see historical, and some of them, they'll, they'll notice the airplanes and the tanks and they'll get curious, so I, I think that they're helping to carry us for a while. I think so as well. We, we mentioned that when we were talking to Rick Baller. It's, it's, a, it's a more diverse and a younger crowd that, that that's bringing in. So you hear people moaning about how the hobby's dying, and they're just, they don't have a clue. Exactly. It's not dying, it's, it's just, it's, it's younger. It's evolving. It is evolving. It's evolving. In a really, really wonderful way. You know? Absolutely. I mean, when I started doing this in the mid-80s, you know, there, there were limited choices as to, especially for women's attractions, you know. I mean, thankfully, I'm a historical uh, scholar, so... You know, I was interested in, in what was going on in the figure industry when I first got into it, but um, 
you know, now there's just so, it's almost too much choice, you know, it's like, how do you pick? I was like, oh, I want that, I want that, I want that. And she, even she, this is my, my granddaughter, she's, look, this is her first time at anything like this, and so she's like, wow, this is really awesome. Well, you've started at the top. It, it really is probably one of the best shows you could possibly see. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Some shows you go to, maybe you get a bit bored by the day, or it's a bit more fun than this Oh, absolutely, and there's not enough, for me, there's not been enough time to do what I want to do, which is a good thing. It's, it's keeping me busy, I'm, and then my mind is going and going, and I, you know, I try to lay down and go to sleep, and I keep thinking about things, and so, but that's a good thing. I'll, I'll sleep next month, you know. Unfortunately, I couldn't make a workshop, it was good. It was intimate. There was just a few people. Um, people tend to be intimidated by painting a flat item because it's, it, you know. So what I try to teach is uh, how to get over the hump and, and um, just get started. Just to, if you just get started with just some techniques to get to know the figure and um, and you know finding the, the problems that you might need to work out ahead of time and uh, it worked out really well the the people that were in there felt that uh, they had learned something and that's all I really care about I take a poll at the end and uh, ask them are you are you going to continue um, if you would like uh, a different choice of a figure you know I send them over to Benedict and the flat, uh, British flat figure guys and um, so I feel quite satisfied, and, and uh, I feel that it was a success. So, and it's what I love to do. It's, it's what my purpose is: is to to get people to try something different and uh, and uh, introduce them to a different concept. Why write for a graphic artist? I was, yeah, yeah. Graphic. I'm a trained illustrator, graphic artist. I worked in the uh, military contracting field, so for a while I was doing. Uh, tanks and planes and bombs, and then I, I switched over quite radically to uh, biological field work for uh, research and development. So I went from doing planes and trains to, or planes and tanks to uh, uh, molecular biology <laughs> illustrations, which is a little different. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, it, you know, it, it, it's interesting. I mean, we're working with engineers is uh, pretty similar to working with scientists, you know, and it, it's quite gratifying for me to be able to sit with someone that is so smart and intelligent with what they do and try to make a visual concept of what it is that they, they are trying to explain. So it was a gratifying career, and I, I enjoyed it. I'm happy to be retired and uh, enjoying what I'm doing now. I think so. It, it lends better to uh, you know what comes easier to me. However, um, I, I'm I'm ready to break through and uh, try some different things. I, I took Jean Diorama's uh, diorama class yesterday, and I, I want to start doing um, some creative statement type things, which means I'm going to have to sculpt or convert figures or. or Use plants and animals, and so this is this is a good thing. I'm I'm uh, I'm also evolving, and it's time to to break through the wall of what I've been doing for the last 20 years. They're fantastic. I put mine out. I'm like, what am I doing here? This is insane. <laughs>
You know, they're they're just fantastically beautiful, and there's some really creative original uh, flat pieces in there as well. And I'm happy to see that because for years it was just um, it was almost taboo to do your own, and uh, you know, you yourself doing one. Uh, um, I'm happy to see these sorts of things because it gives me more choices to uh, to choose from to express myself, and it's just like anyone else. Um, this is very relaxing for me when I go in my workroom and pick a piece. Let's say uh, the one like what you sculpted. Um, you know, this is doing the research and deciding exactly how I'm going to paint it and approach the illustration process. That's all very relaxing to me. It sounds intimidating to other people, but it's how I relax. Absolutely. Yeah. Where did you go to school? Out of curiosity. I lived in San Diego and I went to a trade school that was um, part of a junior college there. So I went to um, technical and scientific illustration school that was associated with the Cuyamaca College in the Grossmont College District in the East County of San Diego. That, that doesn't sound like there's a lot of that. Is that uh, it was the very thing? first year that they had it and they didn't have computers at that point, right. so as I started on the board. Yeah. So and then, eventually, it was one of the better things for me was to work contract jobs. So when I got out of school, um, I worked through contract houses and would go out and sometimes work through two or three contract jobs within a couple of days. So I, I was doing you know almost 24-hour shifts, but I was working at different companies. And uh, I, I really learned a lot, and uh, and I really enjoyed that sort of thing. So it was it was good. My it was my, my father's suggestion that I go into more because I was going to do fine art, and he was like, You're, "All you can do with that degree is teach." Right. And we know that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> exactly. So that when I was listening to you guys talk on your podcast, I was like, "Oh, well, they know exactly what I went through." So it was it was an interesting career, and um, I was able to. Uh, my specialty ended up being where I would go and if a person at the last minute, which it's always the last minute, that they needed a presentation and they had to get on a plane, I would sit and work with them to do their slides and, and presentation pieces. And then I started working for more proposals and contracts and marketing type things. But it sounds like you. One of the things that's probably. Uh, I don't know, pushed your, your hobby work is the fact that you hit the ground running working with your hands in, yes. in, in school. You, know? yes. I mean, you mentioned there were no computers then, and I almost feel like oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's helpful to, to break the barrier of trying things because you, you have to work with your hands. Right, and you use, in that sort of industry at the time, you use whatever was available to get the job done. If they had crayons, I was using crayons. Yes. You know, and I, I carried a briefcase with tools in it, but oftentimes, sometimes, you know, I didn't have what it was that they needed, uh, you know, to complete the job, but they had it. So I just used, I learned to adapt and use what they had available. I mean, I've seen beautiful things done with a ballpoint pen. Absolutely. She does, she does beautiful ballpoint <laughs> pen drawings. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, yesterday in, in the class that I was in, the, the gentleman that was uh, instructing 
cut himself with an exacto blade, and I said, "Ah, hey, don't feel bad. I got them all over my legs from the knives rolling down the drafting table and sticking into my leg. I'm lucky I didn't like puncture a vein or something. Or hit, hit the artery. Hit the yeah, artery. I've got, you know, I sliced off my fingers a couple of times, so I've got all the battle wounds. <laughs> That's yeah. right, very distinctive fingerprints, yeah, absolutely. Oh, and toes, too, because, you know, the exacto blades go through shoes quite easily when they're new. <laughs> absolutely, it's the Murphy's Law. Well, they finally came out, they came out with these little, it was like genius, it was like one day my boss came in and he had this baggie that he had bought at the drafting store, these just little pieces of plastic with a hole in them that were tri- kind of mm-hmm. triangular, yeah, I remember and those. it kept him from rolling off the table, it was like, thank you God, you know, no more scores, well, maybe not so many scars. <laughs> yeah, it's only hands, absolutely. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a very quick lesson to learn when that thing starts rolling, to just... Yeah, exactly. Tuck, all the because extremities, the tuck them back. Is to stick yeah. your hands into yeah. there and grab, and so <laughs> it works. Oh yeah, exactly. It was like you know, you don't you don't want to like get other parts involved there. Yeah. <laughs> but in the kitchen too, it t- actually taught me. You know, if you drop a knife in the kitchen, you don't you don't want. Yeah, just let it go. You yeah. Know, you can wash it off. <laughs> yeah. Tuck, tuck your feet. Yeah. Yep. I sometimes will work with a, a, a clamp on apron to my desk and lay it in my lap. Oh, that's genius. And then if anything falls, it catches it. Oh, that's, that's a brilliant idea. See, I learn something new every day. I, I had the ones where you put it around your neck, uh, and then I, I got up to do something. <laughs> <laughs> cleared the that desk. That would be me. Like the guy with the, the tablecloth top the shirt. Absolutely. <laughs> so I, very quickly, I, I learned to cut that part off and just lay it in my lap. And if I stand up, it just drops. But it, it does, especially tiny parts and dangerous parts, it catches them pretty well. That's a genius. Yeah. Oh, see, I never even thought yep. of that. That's where I learned it. My, my wife's family owns a jewelry shop. Oh, wow. And her, her uncle is notoriously a very sour man, but he's the one who does all the work. And so the first time I went... Obviously, you know, everybody's looking at the jewelry, and I'm, like, looking in the workshop, yeah. and I'm like, hey, Ray, what's that? Yeah, like, I'm going you... for the tools. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I need something a little smaller than that with the hook, and he's, like, uh, digging around. He's like, like this. Yeah. He's like, here, there you go, like that. And instantly, he was like, eh, I think I like this guy. He doesn't like anybody else in the family, but he liked me. I collect minerals, too, and um, my dentist, I... I we, we haven't really had much luck finding a good dentist, and we really like our, our friend in San Diego, so we drive from Vegas to San Diego, but he, he's a, he does lapidary. And so, and so on top of when I go to, visit, to, go to my dentist, I get extra tools because he saves them. And then we go in the back and he's got his lapidary shop set up and he's showing me the things that he's making in between patients. So I love dentists. Yeah, my, my dentist growing up was a, a model. He's one of the people that encouraged me to model. Yeah. yeah, but every time he would come to check my... my my teeth out. He's like, what, are you building anything? And, oh, nice. You know, as a kid, just slapping glue on parts and sticking them together to have an adult take an interest in it. And he would say, also, keep going. Um, that was great. 
uh, everybody's been so kind because um, they knew that I was bringing her and she's going to go to art school. So people like Michael Contreras and Mike Blank and uh, Modern um, stopped us today and talked to her and encouraged, especially Michael Contreras. I have to thank you so much because he really had, a, he, he made, he kicked me out. He said, you go away. I'm talking to her. And that was just absolutely fabulous. And Alan and Marion talked to her. So it, it's been really good. I, it, it was it was a great idea to bring her and show her something that she might not have thought of. This is her her and her family have always gone to the Comic Con, so their vendor areas are not exactly the same, but there's similar you know fantasy stuff to buy and that sort of, that sort of thing. She she has a familiar familiarity of. To her about what's going on here, but then there's even more, and so it's opening up her mind. It was a, it was a brilliant idea. Did she did she really Yeah, well, I was going to ask. Did she do the workshop with Jean Diorama? That had been really show neat. him. Yeah, well, she. I'm so proud of my granddaughter because she probably will not build a model. Mm ever and do groundwork and things like that so she took the she took the tools and made her own diorama that fits in her sketchbook yeah so she used the the textured paints that we were using to create the foam and the water and she made her own pond the you know the greeneries and things like that yeah that's fantastic his i mean his use of color can transcend the the medium Absolutely. Um, that's yeah. one of the things I really like about his work is he, he uses bold color to direct the eye. He's a, he composes wonderfully. He's totally inspired me. That's the direction I want to go. Yeah. Those pieces. I, I even I, I'm going to make a list of the ones that uh, that I like. I, I kind of want to buy one. I kind of do too. Yeah. Yeah. But the, fantastic. I think one of the things that he's done, which is really clever, is he's. He's limited himself to one size, and that's just you know one. And aside from being stackable, it, it challenges your composition, but it's also it's almost like a sketch, you know. You don't it's have a vignette you, sketch. Right. So you don't have to. It's not as big of a commitment uh, to get to the to the final product. And they're almost you know it's almost like spring of consciousness painting. You know? and, and there's a couple, and I, I watched one of them evolve, but I don't know if you remember, there's one, I don't think it's in the case, but it's a gal like on a ledge outside of a building, and mm -hmm. she's yeah, reaching region. like that. Yeah. Originally, he didn't have, there's flowers that she's reaching for mm -hmm. now, and he said that, you know, she was, it, it looked like she was reaching for something in her life or something before, and it just wasn't cohesive. So then he put that little bouquet of flowers in there, changed the whole concept, and it's brilliant. It is. Absolutely it's brilliant. It came to be a dream. <laughs> he does. He says that all the time. But that little pop of color, it, like her arm, the pop of color, it all directs your eye to where where it needs to go. He, we, we've had him on the podcast. We were looking at specific works, and there's one of a girl on a ladder hanging... Uh, stars. The planets and the stars, yeah. And I talked to him about how the, you know, you go up the ladder, you follow her arm, and then there's a round window and it brings you back around, and it's just this circular composition that keeps you, like, engaged and looking. And he says, oh, I never noticed. <laughs> well, we, he, uh, at breakfast today, um, he was sitting with the, the woman that does the, um, the, the winged 
pieces that are scratch built here over near the judges stand. Mm -hmm. She was a judge. The, they look like um, oh Chloe Platner. Yeah, Chloe Platner. Yeah. Oh my God, I saw those things yesterday, and I was like, my God, that's the most original thing that I've seen in a right. long time. Presentation. Presentation. Right. That's that's it. It's she absolutely fabulous. And so I, I was showing her. I was like, look at this. This is fabulous. This is like one of the greatest things I've ever seen. And then this morning, I, I wanted to talk to Jean. And um, he was sitting with Chloe, and so I was introduced, and we sat down, and, and so then we found out she was a judge, and then uh, I said, you know, so what, and, and she said, and I said, that was the best ever, so it was just great meeting people that have, and she's writing a book, by the way. She should. Yeah, she and she's she's doing, like, she showed us the pictures, uh, she does, she does the layout as she's going along, she does all the historical research, it's, it's a brilliant book, it's like a museum book. Right. It's fabulous. So I'm just so... Absolutely. They're, they're so... That's right. And she, I guess she was a, is a, she just retired from being an architect. And it makes sense when you look at it, at what she does and then the illustrations that she was doing for the book. It's, oh my gosh, it's just perfect. And it's such a wonderful thing, you know, to introduce uh, Ariel to people like that too, to show they've, they've had a career, they're retiring, and but she just keeps going. She's making this fabulous book. Oh, it's just been so great. If, if, even if I never make it in there and see the show, I've, I've had, I feel like I've had a successful show. You know, just meeting and talking to people, and uh, it's, it's just been great. I, I feel like uh, it, it would be almost impossible to leave this show without the desire to push yourself Absolutely. in multiple directions. Absolutely. Yeah, and then. Oh yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm, I'm dying to go home and get to work, but I also just committed to going to Combach, so I'll, I'll get her home and take a nap and jump on another plane and go to Germany for two weeks. So uh, you know, I'll just sleep in September. <laughs> I catch up then. Well, they should be ready for the heat in Germany in summer. Oh yeah. No, but ours is a dry heat. It's different, you know. It's Much 120 is tolerable, and a, but 195 percent humidity is kind of crazy. Well, yeah, welcome to North Carolina. Yeah, and that's why I don't live there. <laughs> I actually have family that has just recently moved out there, and, uh, and high school friends that retired and moved to North Carolina. And we almost moved to South Carolina one time. My husband's jo uh, job. Um, Columbia. We almost ended up in Columbia, and I'm and but then he got another offer in California, so it's like, yay, thank you, God. I mean, not, nothing against Carolinas or anything. I've lived in Alabama, so I, I had to get, get a feel. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I grew up in Birmingham. Oh, did you? Okay, I've got a good friend in, in Birmingham. It's a good place to be from. But I live here. <laughs> and I not be. <laughs> I lived at Fort Rucker. Yeah. Yeah. So that was really <coughs> out there. That was a real cold. I was 18. Whoa. And yeah, work, working shot. in a VFW bar in, <laughs> in uh, Daleville, Alabama. You know, the only county that had alcohol, everything around it was dry. So on the weekends, all these people would come in from the dry counties and start fights. And it was great. <laughs> yes. They're fewer and fewer, 
but the, the, the county where my mother is from in Tennessee, um, just outside Chattanooga, was dry up until 10 years ago. You'd have to go to the next county over to buy... Yeah, you couldn't buy anything. Not beer. You, you couldn't. I was telling someone yesterday, I was, you know, I had a baby, and on Sundays, everything would close. They'd close off the liquor, and they'd close off things that weren't essential. essential. You could buy a head of lettuce, but you couldn't buy diapers. That's strange. It was, it was. I went to go to go buy baby supplies one day, and they literally would rope off the aisles on Sunday. You couldn't, you couldn't go down there. It was so odd. It was, you know, being from Southern California, I'm pretty liberal right now, and I'm like, what is this all about? What's wrong with you people? Okay, but yet, they had drive-through liquor stores. Right. Those yeah. two things go really well together. Right. I think by law what they can't give you wrong? a straw. <laughs> they, they can give you a cup full of beer with a with a lid on it, but they can't give you a straw. Because <laughs> right. then you're drinking and driving. It was just so bizarre. It was, it was like matter antimatter. Every time somebody would throw a concept at me, it was like, why? What's what's up with that? But we know. It was kind of awful subject that was amazed me that U.S. Navy ships are dry as well. Royal Navy ships definitely yeah. Well, I think that kind of pushed the problems that happened when shore leave happened. Yeah. If they, if, if they had... Absolutely. Every, every, including my grandfather. I mean, every sailor I knew have, has, this, has that story, you know, especially like from San Diego going down to Tijuana. So anyways, I digress. Yeah, yeah we should talk about it. Right? <laughs> Is there anything you've seen here? Although we said that didn't Well, I think the fantasy pieces that Michael Contreras is doing are, are pretty spectacular. Um, the one piece that I saw online that I promised I would I would buy here, I'm kind of limiting what I can, you know, and what I can carry and take home. Um, Ariel, can you hand me the piece that I bought? It's. Uh, right. Is this the Muka piece? Yeah, Chris bought one as well. Yeah. Exposition um, So, anyways, you know, the these sorts of things. I, I like historical stuff. Oh, we stopped there. Yeah. <laughs> Daniel, Daniel, uh, Ray, please go to the exposition <coughs> cabinets. Somebody waiting for you there. Thank you. I like historical stuff, and I actually kind of consider that this is a historical piece. Well, I think so, yeah. But on the other hand, you know, we were, we, the discussions I've been having with Ariel, um, one, of, one of her statements kind of really touched me is that, you know, Grandma White. Call for Daniel Ray, please go to the collector's uh, cabinets. Daniel, go to the, Why to the collector's cabinets. Is somebody <laughs> waiting for you who has to catch a flight today? Why do you all buy the same figure and paint them all the same? Yeah. Like she was using the gorillas for an example. You know, here, you know, Dieter's got all of these beautiful pieces that have been donated, but quite honestly, most of them are similar. And, you know, and, and, and so she said, you know, if I did that, I would paint the gorillas purple. And then they would stand out, you know, and, and they would be your own unique piece. And you know what? She's right. She's absolutely right. So this Mooka piece, the the original is in the the muted colors, you know, that they used in at the time. But his display piece that he has on display is vivid, and it's this. 
Yeah, you should you should go and look at it. It's quite spectacular. I mean, it's really bright in blues and things, you know, and just so it, it's actually very. So my granddaughter has inspired me to kind of break break out of the box a little bit, you know, because she's right. It, it, why why should you paint the same thing just like anybody else? Well, there's nothing historically tying you to that color. Scheme. Exactly. You know, I've, I've spent my mindset for the last 20 years to it was to be able to learn the mediums and and paint. And so yes, I've been copying. And what I tell people is, if you want to learn to paint a flat, pick one that has a good reference. You know, like a David painting or you know whatever, and then just copy it, mm -hmm. and then you'll learn how to paint a flat. I mean, honestly, it's that easy. That's how painters love to paint. Yeah, that's yeah, that's right. They sit in museums and yeah, and make copies of the masters, and and so that's pretty much what I've been doing. Well, now it's time for me to take that to another level. So, um, so it's quite possible that the piece that I'm working on now, it is uh, Muka's daughter. That may be the last one that I'm going to, you know, try to make historically accurate. I'm going to start finding my own idiom at this point. So we'll see. Fun thing is really like to get through Absolutely. Well, actually, for for a tutorial, I have three um, of the flower fairies that Mike Taylor from England had designed, but there it's. Um, I think it's willow, so it's a it's a little fairy with the willow leaves. So it's, the illustration was predominantly done in greens. But to illustrate how an underpainting affects the colors above it, mm. I painted it one in completely in brown, one in blue, and I can't remember the third color, maybe green. And then, and then I'll use the same palette to overpaint them because I want people to see how an under, you know, the different colors will, like, say, for example, the blue will influence the greens, how the brown will influence the greens, etc. And then you can put them side by side and see the differences. They'll be painted exactly the same except for the underpainting. So I'm, I'm doing that, taking three of the same piece and painting it differently just to show, you know, the, the subtle differences that you can create very easily. Why you choose from pretty Exactly, exactly. Yeah, some things can push colors warm, others can push it cool, right. others can ship them in Old masters way. used to use the grisailles that they did under the skin tones were oftentimes green because the greens would help pop the skin tones out. So, you know, that's one of the things that we talk about in my workshop is how colors can influence each other and, and what you're doing in an underpainting can influence the final painting. So that we talk about That's another thing that I, I don't, I will only use pure black and pure white at the very end of the process because sometimes you need contrast and if you've already gone to the farthest reaches of contrast somewhere in your work, you, you don't have that tool anymore. It's already there and it, it may not work out. So I say black plus black and white influence your colors in ways that are not necessarily useful. 
So I use off white, and I mix my blacks. I use like a you know a burn umber and a and Prussian blue or something to make it very very dark. And then you can you can change proud of the look of those darks. You can make them warmer by adding more brown or you know the shadows a little more blue. And, and so that's that's another thing that I teach is that you know you don't want necessarily to use black all in very very much at all because it does it doesn't color. Sucks the life out of it. Well, I mean, yeah, in school, uh, I was, you know, obviously you buy paints and, and bring them to class. And, you know, if you've got a good instructor, like I did, he just takes the black and says, all right, don't bring that back. And yeah. Said, well, how am I going to get my dark? And he said, look, he puts a lizard crimson and Indian yellow and ultramarine blue. And he said, there you go. Yep. Your three primary colors, mix them together in equal parts. It'll be black. It's and a beautiful you, dark. You can push it a little red. You can push it a little blue. You can warm it up just by shifting how much you're mixing. Right. And but it, it also makes you, you have to think ahead as to when you're using that color and what it's going to be going next to. And then, like you say, you can warm it up, cool it up, cool it down. And like you say, it's the it should be your final touch. You know, your... I, I was always taught to, to work from the middle out. And you build things up and build things up and then... So at the very end, you only need sometimes a touch of black or a touch of white in, in the right spots. So at that point, it's easy to know which way you need to push that black because your whole palette's right there. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I tell people, you know, save save those things for the very end. Save it. Save the white for the little tiny dot, a highlight in the eye. Mm-hmm. Save the black maybe for the pupil of the eye or that just that one spot under the arm that needs to have like a little black line to separate it. If you use it ahead of time, even in blending, it's it's not a tool you can use anymore. It's like we're already at a level. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's a really good analogy. It's really. Good it's, like, it's a lot of camera time. Like, it's really black. It's like, well, how are you going to shake it? How are you going to like, delineate it? Well, because you're already at black. Like, you're black yeah, you have to you have to work backwards. I'm never using grey because that's dead. That's why when I do a, a grayscale uh, drawing of any kind, I, I don't use I don't use black and white. People will say, "Oh, it's you know you're, you're using a grayscale that's done in black and white." And it's like, "Okay, yeah, but not." That's the thing, though. It's effective because you can really work. But if you, people don't do this very much. If they zoom with their eyes and to one little section of color, almost kind of separate from the other. You can see the other color. So there you have it. That's all about me. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. I had a great time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll have a long conversation. I've really been enjoying the podcast. It's now, I, I had never listened to podcasts until Jim and Barry were doing theirs. So, I, of course, I listened before I did mine so that I could know how, how to speak. Yeah, what to expect. So then I got hooked on them, and so now I love you guys because I can go into my room, and sometimes it seems like you're concerned with going over time and people's attention span. Like Marin, you could have talked to Marin for six hours, and I would have listened to every minute of it. Yeah, because you probably go to work. Right. Like yeah. Already, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Our time constraints, if we were sitting in a room, would be absolutely different. Yeah. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. To, to talk to Marin all day like in to see his pieces here in the flesh 
is absolutely incredible. But that's that's one of the things that's really great about this is like you're talking about zooming in on seeing the color, but here, you know, and we talked a little bit of, to Rick Waller about how in, in magazines you're presented with the whole and you're you're given whatever detail shots you're given. But here I find myself looking at at an area of the model and, and just studying that area. And then I feel like I've I've gotten what I wanted from that model. And then the next one I look at it and I'm like, oh this oh look at that. And then I study this and then I make my photos and everything. And then, and then you I, realize also that the composition that these masters are using is what draw, drew you in. Yeah. To that little spot that you really oh, it should to be, yeah. yeah. But it's like you know, we were talking about Chloe and her presentation. That's that's one of the things I've taken away from this is like presentation is really more important than I've ever given a consideration. It's and, always been important. Yes. They say you don't have a lot of their expense again. Yeah. You know, the idea that you can just come up with a tank on a table, a tank on a plank. Yeah, a tank on a plank. It's at least give it a little game time or something. You just, you know, yeah. You spend all that time working on it. It's like, I've said it before, it's like a little bit maybe on a paper plate. But even in the, in the historical figure section, there's someone who's brought a box and a, and a, a piece of velvet cloth and then presented it on that. And I'm like, that's so simple, but it elevates it. It, it, it makes it important. They take the visual Yeah. So you can see it properly. Yeah. I used, uh, I brought a student, I have a, a young man who's 13 and that I've been mentoring, and I brought a couple of his pieces in. I forgot a, um, a stand because it's in a frame without without one of these, you know. And so I took my stand that I was going to use for the gorillas and elevated his piece. So then when I put my display together, I was like, gosh, what am I going to do? How am I going to deal with this? Especially with the space component. Oh, I, I just looked at my box and I had a piece of velvet. And so I built a platform and raised one piece up behind the others. Instead of, you know, the problem is with some of them out there is they've got frames stacked like this, you can't see them. Yeah. So my velvet tower kind of saved the day. Yeah. I have not been in there to see if they moved it. Because I you know, I know that they were shifting things around because they had to they moved as they can. Yeah. Someone wants to build a beautiful I just I put my children out there and hope for the best that they're in good hands. So we'll go look and see what's going on. Yeah, we'll have to accept you. Oh yeah, well just getting them. Yeah, just getting them. Honestly, I feel like if I if, if it gets here in one piece, it's great. a success. If it gets home in pieces, uh, I'll worry about that when I get home. Right, as long as I was able to present it, I'm all good, and I'll just fix everything when I get home. Yeah. I've got one piece that's still sitting on my workbench. That got damaged coming back from Kombach a few years ago, and it's it's still sitting there waiting for me to repair it to put in. You know. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. It's like no offense, Woodland Indian, but you know I'm working on Mooka's daughter now, and I'll fix your nose later. I, I kind of feel that way too. Well, let's do a selfie. We got to do the selfie. Yeah, we need one. Ariel, can you be a photographer for us? Then we don't have to do selfie. Just finish up the recording.
coming as well. I say thank you very much for joining us. Hi, it was my pleasure. Thank you for asking me. I, I feel very honored. I'm so happy to meet you guys and see you in the flesh. Made my day. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Gangsters, let's talk about the details, because I think you'll all agree, the details matter. And if you're as obsessed by detail as we are at the Sprue Cutters Union, you should be buying parts from Anna's. Look, I've known Tom Anna's for a while, and I can tell you that he is a man with a single-minded dedication to improving detail, whether it's 3D printed parts like knobs, switches, connectors that you can use in cockpits, decals, braided lines for your engines and hoses, or even 3D files that you can print at home on your own 3D printer, Tom's got you covered. He's really thought this through because he's a model maker and he uses this stuff himself. And now, Anis is also the European Union seller for the new book from Inside the Armor called Perfect Pits. So, not only can you buy the stuff you need, you can read all about how to use it in this neat little volume that our very own Chris Meddings has produced, and it includes articles from Tom, your own Veen, and myself. And, don't forget, you can get a Sprue Cutters Union exclusive discount, 15% off when you enter the code SCU at checkout. So. If the details matter as much to you as they do to us, head on over to Anyz, that's A-N-Y-Z, dot I-O right now and arm yourself with everything you need for your very own perfect pit. Our next interview is going to be uh, a pretty fantastic conversation that Chris and I were lucky enough to have with Rick Lawler. Uh, to sit, first time meeting Rick Lawler uh, at the show. And my God, he's just so much fun to hang out with. Um, he's so down to earth and he's such a massive talent. Uh, he is somebody that, uh, like all of these interviews, we, we plan on having these people back for a proper in-house uh, interview. But uh, for the for the meantime... Uh, enjoy what we had to save the show. Welcome everyone to another wonderful interview from World Model Expo for the Spring Cutters Union. Today we have with us the man, the legend, Rick Lawler. Say hello, Rick. Hello, Rick. <laughs> <laughs> ah, tradition satisfied. Uh, yeah, exactly. So, morning, Chris. Good morning, Tracy. Good morning. It is morning, isn't it? It is morning, yes. The morning of the last day yes. of World Model Expo in Valdehoven. Yeah, and what an experience. And I'm surprised you guys are so bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. I was out to dinner with you guys last night. Uh, the Finns tried to kill me afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, we shouldn't have interviewed them. <laughs> yeah, but they love us. They yeah. love us. Well, they, they love everyone when they're drunk, to be fair. I'll take that. I'll yeah. take it. Good enough. Imagine if the Finns hated you. You must be a real Ooh. asshole. I imagine you got hell to pay too. Yeah, Jesus. I imagine they can dish it out. Yeah, it was a rough crowd. It's gonna be a rough crowd. Yeah. 
So how did you find the show, Rick? How did I find the show? I had a map and Boy. directions. I know. Welcome to the podcast. Now, absolutely fantastic. This is my first experience, my first visit to the show. So you know, everything's bright and shiny and overwhelming and. Um, Really, it has. I've been to some of the other major shows, but the first time I've set here, and it's certainly exceeded my expectations. Um, you know, I guess I expected the level of competition and the models on the tables and things like that, but um, this time it seems that the social experience has been just upped like crazy, and, it, and that's been really exciting. Very, uh, very nice, very fun. A lot of really good experiences. Have you been to Scale World Challenge? No, the other, well, it was on is the other. Your big European and your American, yeah, back yeah, in the day. Back in the day. Yeah, I think you're a second template, but um, honestly, I think the Scale Model Challenge and this World Cup Expo have taken that. Pumped it up, yeah. Well, it's still on my bucket list. I've got a few more years in me, I think. Of course, the last couple of years, we could go anywhere and do anything. Right. No. I, I think that's kind of enhanced this experience a little bit. Everybody seems to be, you know, just chomping at the bit to get back at it and, and see old friends. And I think that's part of what the buzz is that I'm feeling as well. Yeah, I think so. I, th I think that's also responsible for the, the heaving weight of the tables. Yeah. The, the, the amount of work is... It's over, literally overwhelming. It's, it's there's no way you can look at everything that's on the tables in there. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't. It was just like a wall of really good stuff. Yeah, yeah. you can't pick that single thing out. It's okay with ordnance, as they call it here, with the, the aircraft and the armor, because you get a little space around them, and it's a relatively large thing that you can look at. But the figures, it's just you know, so close. Yeah, in, in every square meter, there's just so many fantastic figures, and it's you know. For, for the people who aren't here, it's on multiple levels. It's three levels, yeah. about 24 inches deep on the bottom level, and then they kind of stair-step back a little bit. It's, it's absolutely amazing. I, was, I hadn't been able to look at the figures. I went in there just right before this interview. I was able to sneak in and do a little bit of picture-taking and videos and such. And was able to see because people were just starting to come in. It wasn't the crowd like there was yesterday. Yesterday I tried to look and there was no way I could even get close to a table. But you're, the, the talent like we're talking is absolutely mind-blowing. And the great thing is too is, and this happens at every show, but you're sitting there admiring a piece, which I was absolutely flawless. It was this soldier on a horse and of course his blanket is decorated up and everything else. And, and then um, one of his club members comes by and he starts giving me a little history behind who the author is of it and how long it took him and all this stuff. And the next thing you know, the author's coming up, so I'm talking to the, the artist about it as well, which is one of those enhanced experiences that happens all the time here, and I've had a number of them when I'm just looking around at the, at the tables and the composition tables. It's really very cool. Yeah, it absolutely is uh, just, like you said, it, it, it quadruples the experience to be to be able to, to stand here and talk to the people who created this stuff. And also, like every contest, you see things in magazines and, you know, like I was looking at Robert Blocker's work, his, his display, and to see it in the flesh is completely different. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Another nice experience I've been able to have as part of the social thing here is I've met a lot of people that I've worked with, like, such as you guys, for years and years, and and um, this is the first time I've met you and others face to face. Yeah. So you have this almost immediate kinship, and you just like 
like cousins who haven't seen each other for a long time, and there's no small talk. You just start. Yeah, there's no strangers start, here. Right? Yeah, you yeah, just yeah. you just start talking and have a good time. And through that, you know, I'll go over to, you know, like John Murphy will come over to me, and then the two of us will go to the, the room for a little while, and we'll, we'll go together around the tables and take a look at things and talk about, critique them, and just bullshit our way through stuff. And then someone else will come by, and we'll go back and do the same thing. And then you start getting these, you know, what I find very interesting is we'll maybe look at the same row of models, but each of the people that I'm with will have a little bit different perspective. Of, and, and that's always interesting, too, because I might like this one, they might like that one, or we both like this one. The last person that was with me noticed these things about that particular model, and the next one noticed these other things about that same particular model. So it really helps you get a well-rounded uh, understanding, I guess, of, of what is really being shown there. Because, like you said, it's overwhelming. Like we've all said it's overwhelming. There's so many models there, and you feel like you kind of have to keep moving along, otherwise you won't see anything. Yeah. But being able to come back and get perspectives a couple of times, I think, just uh, really deepens the, again the appreciation that you can have for fine caliber of what this on display. Yeah, that's one of the, maybe one of the only unfortunate downsides is that you really, because there's so many people here and there's so much work and it, it really is just, you know, everybody steps one step to the right, one step to the right, and look, and then the next step to the right and look at what's in front of you. It's much harder to, to actually study any single piece. Um, but like you said, with the ordinance, there's less of it than there are of the, the figures and the fantasy stuff. So I found myself actually studying a couple of pieces, and that was quite nice. Well, I just found out I was, I was not following the rules correctly, because apparently we're supposed to be stepping to the right, and I was stepping to the left, <laughs> which is probably why there was a big yeah. roadblock where I was. <laughs> we drive on the left and step on the right. Hi, guys. How you doing? Well, how have you guys found the show? You've been doing the vendor thing here, and yeah, it's mostly Chris. I, I'll step in and give him a break, um, but it's, uh, it's it's everything I wanted it to be. You know, it's, it's everything I missed about uh, not being able to go to SMC for the last couple of years. But it, it's interesting. One of the things you said, I feel like there's no strangers at this show. Everyone knows so many people through Facebook, and they interact and. And, you know, you get to see people's work and you know, interact with them on Facebook so much that whenever you do meet them, you, there's no um, awkward introduction, you know? Like, you already know each other and you just start talking about, you know, how great the show is and what have you seen, what do you like, how's your trip, let's get pissed. I recognize your voice. <laughs> no one, you know, before we started doing this, no one's, we haven't really done events since we started doing this. No one's ever said that to me before. Yeah. Well, now you really hit superstardom, right? Yeah. Voiceover work. Facebook radio. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, this this podcast has uh, brought me more recognition than my own work. I feel like when I walk, oh, I love the podcast. Hey, I love the podcast. I'm like, what do you think about my mother? <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, we so never seen him. Never saw Very secondary, yeah. Uh, yeah, not that I'm unappreciative, but it's a different experience than the last time I was here. But, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Getting to see uh, David Parker's finished Panzer IV. Yeah, I caught that on Friday. First slip, or slipped into the, the rooms just as they're starting to set up the tables Friday afternoon, and his was already on display. And uh, that is quite the, that's quite the piece of work. Yeah, it, really it really is quite the piece of work. The only shame is you can't see inside the top of the turret shop. 
Yeah. Pretty good. Yeah. And he did an awful lot of work inside that time. Yeah, I wonder if he would have just wanted to display it, you know, a little bit on an angle at least. Or... But then he probably wants people to see the top as well. So well, if you I mean, and then you put it on a, you know, a, oh, a mirror. Turntable. Turn <laughs> <laughs> yeah, put it on a mirror. And just have someone stand there and dust it at all times. <laughs> exactly. It was quite disappointing as well. There was a very nice, I think it was a Frank Impression walk over based on a painting with a load of French guys inside the church or something. Uh, looking up through a very sort of uh, yeah, high up window. There, yeah, yeah but unfortunately the light wasn't working when I went to look at it. And it's a real shame because the painting works because the light could be in the window. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's a occupational hazard for Fox Tower Arts working through the show. Yeah. yeah. I think the other thing that's, that's really, uh, that I'm taking away from this show is I really need to work on my presentation. There, there's some presentation here from some people, not just the, the judges display, which we can see from where we are, which is really fantastic, but people have put a lot into uh, how their work is viewed when it's on the table. And that's just something I think I'm taking away from it where I'm like, okay, this is, this is important. You know, it's, it's a different aspect of modeling if you're doing the work for presentation. I know that in my world, you know, most of my work gets into magazines, nice one. and so that's such a secondary, what, what, what yeah, does the sides of the base look like, right. it's such a secondary thought, you know, it's yeah. like paint it black and it looks good in photos, yeah. and here they're all finished up, they've got decorative you know, borders and frames, generally the name tags, um, and all very well done and fitted perfectly and, and looks clean. The other part of it that I really enjoy too, that I'm overwhelmed, again overwhelmed, is going to be overwhelmed used word here is the fantasy class. Um, how large that category has become. Yeah, I remember at Euro, fantasy was really starting to take off a few years before Euro finished, but still the, the by far the majority was historical figures. Mm -hmm. But this year, fantasy is well, it has been the last couple of years SMC. Yeah, it time, has. But, but it's, it's the biggest still. Different. Yeah, I think they had to add an extra table for the They did, yeah. Year, so. And the other thing, which, you know, it's for everybody who's worried about the, the state of the hobby, when you come to a show like this and you see categories like that growing and growing, okay, well, we're okay. Yeah, also, I hate to say it, but the crowd here is younger and yeah. it's more varied. Yeah. Than most, you know, by which of a gender or anything Yeah. Gender and age, then you get a, generally a, an armor to show or finish the hour and you know, scale model show. Yeah. And it shows that there's a lot of, particularly on the fantasy side, there's a lot of young people Right. Yeah, it's definitely not dying. It may not, you know, it may not be the hobby people wanted to be from the sixties, but it's no, it's a different hobby, but it's still a hobby. But there's still kits, glue, and paint being sold, and, and the work's being done. I've seen actual kits here. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm staring at a whole wall of them right across the hall here yeah. from us. <laughs> kids, not kids. <laughs> oh, kids. Yeah. Children is what I'm staring you know. at a wall of children. I'm sorry, it was, it was that voice of radio and their English accent that's so recognizable. Can't the voice talking all night. Voice. Yes, uh, exactly. The gravel. Makes it sound like Denny Moore. <laughs> Don't look like you're on that. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's certainly another aspect of, of this weekend is... Everything that happens after the show doors close and you head to the bar. It was there was so many people there last night. Really it's a giant one of the social really big Yeah. <laughs> Even in the vendor rooms it's like that. I mean everybody just kinda of mills about 
you know, and, and chatting all day long. And quite often had a crowd here at the start, yep. just friends talking, yep. looking at my books. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything you've seen Rick that really jumped out? Uh, I did get to see um, the Pete's Elephants, and that, that was pretty striking. It's another very poignant um, piece by him, very thoughtful, and well, it's very good. So that one I saw this morning for the first time. I'd heard about it, and I saw a photo online, and I was able to kind of view it in person. That's, that's, a, that's a good, it's a very simple scene, but it's very strong and powerful, so um, that's, that, that one really strikes me. As you were mentioning earlier, nothing in, not, I can't pick out one in particular, but again, seeing in the flesh the models that I've admired you know, in the magazines on the internet from the modelers that I admire is that that's where it's really special because you know you talked about presentation, but when you see them in life, you, you can understand their techniques so much better. You can see how they, they paint, you can see how they. There's just so much more nuanced work going on there visually that that never can come through the pages. Right. And when you see that, you realize the level of proficiency and expertise that these people are bringing to, to this hobby at the highest level. Um, Particularly on the painting side, the, the skill of what is such a level the subtleties of painting, the camera sets of color really detects a different shape. Right. So when you see it, it's like seeing it in front of the TV. Yeah, yeah, it's it's it's, a, it's totally yeah. You, you hit the nail on the head right there. The, the subtleties come through, and that it's so rich. You know, some of these these models are just so rich in terms of just the depth of what's going on. And people are paying attention to things like changing the the uh, surfaces from some of the satin to a mat here and there, and, and so you, that doesn't translate on the magazine pages very well at all. But in, when it's under the lights and in person, you can see these subtle changes. So these effects really do keep piling on until you've got these beautiful scenes. The other thing that I've really noticed is what's been called kind of an armor modeler. How many, like we're talking about the diorama bases, how well armor modelers build bases, like their dioramas, the buildings, and the, whatever's in the backgrounds. Those level, the dioramas are just absolutely striking. The level of detail and, and how beautiful they are. And what I've noticed is, you know, even scenes that are have like a bombed out sort of a theme to them, they're still using vibrant colors, like the stuccos or greens and pinks and things like that. Like, oh yeah, they were civilian buildings before they got knocked down, and everything doesn't have to be gray. And that, that's always really nice to see as well. It's a beautiful diorama. I don't know if we did it. Coming yeah, down the rubble. Top of it is trampled and a bit trampled. Yeah, yeah. Think, yeah civilians are just building rubble. On the civilians of that, because I hate to say it, but I've seen a lot of Germans surrendering to Russians with bayonets. But to do civilians really well like that. And it uses the height really well. Sometimes with these dioramas, they just want to make something really big with a lot in it. And it doesn't, it starts to become separate scenes rather than yeah. an overall story. Yeah. But that one, it, it comes together beautifully. 
Well, he, you know, he uses the slope and the figures coming down the slope to, to guide the eye back up. Yeah. And then your eye comes back down through the left Yeah, to the other side where the prison is coming from the left side over. Yeah. And even though it's huge, everything moves at once a long time. Too many dioramas have things like that don't need to be you know, dioramas may be an exercise you take away that necessary to come back and find But that one, even though it's huge, everything really works. Yeah. As, as we were going through, just myself and my friends, that was one of the critiques that we would make on many of those, especially the larger ones, you know, that should be broken up in two or three, two or three different you know, dioramas. The editing part, that's always a struggle for models. It's almost like a montage of dioramas on a theme. Yeah, it's editing. Like in one dioramas. But we all have that problem with editing. You know, we have this idea and, and we're trying to put it all in there, what's in your mindscape, and, you know. But there are, that one included, which is probably the largest diorama out on display, I would guess. It's certainly convenient for it. In, in terms of just physical size. Was it must be what? Three foot by three foot, a couple of feet high. Uh, two it's foot by two. about two feet, so, yeah, yeah two, two by two, something like that. And um, nearly two high. Yeah, yeah, it's about equally high. And what, what's really striking, you talked about the, the figures. What would you guess? 30, 50 figures on that? Something like that? Yeah. And you look at them individually, they are all exquisitely done. Every one of those, which is absolutely, from the furthest one in the back, or at least the way that's displayed because it's a little bit up high, it's difficult to see them, but you get a look up there. They're all painted very, very well throughout the entire scene. And I can't imagine that. The amount of time and work that would go into something like that, just to make sure that you maintain that level of consistency for all those figures, that's absolutely incredible. Yeah, everything gets it's the same amount of attention. Same yeah. amount of attention. Nothing is neglected. Yeah. There's so much skill across every element of it as well. Yes. Sometimes when armor models do dry rolls, just figures that they down when every single element of I think that armor modelers are pushing themselves on that front. They, they understand that it's important. Exactly here. Yeah. I hate to say it, I was looking at the... I might have to edit this bit. <laughs> I was looking at the um, photos from Las Vegas and looking at the dioramas and I don't think they really compared. Even the winners there didn't compare to anything. I, I feel like that's one of the unfortunate things about the way the IPMS judging is structured, it doesn't encourage you to push the base work and, you know, if you, I'm, I'm just, you know, what, what, a blanket system. statement, but... Steel quality steel, if you come to a show and that's what the, the level is, you start, not even thinking I have to to win or whatever, but you, you start wanting to do the same kind of thing. Yeah. Sort of a good peer <laughs> Well, there's examples there. And so if you don't have examples, like you go to a show or contest and there's no example of that top flight on display, you don't know what top flight is really supposed to look like. I did talk to see that one, yeah. yeah. That was the way dirty snow was on the line. Yeah. Figures on it, and it was absolutely. And it's one of those dioramas with a load of space with nothing in it. But it, for that scene, that's what you need. Yeah. Work. Did you, speaking of flight one more time, did you see the Sikorsky helicopter, the green one? Oh, the yes. fully scratch-built yeah, sky crane. Fully scratch-built sky crane, yeah, exactly. Yeah, every time I looked at it, in any area of it, there was so much. Yeah, I got to talk to that artist as well. And, uh, it's a, who was I with at the time? It was, no, it's, uh, 
Oh, it's a club mate of um, John Murphy's. Yeah, he's an English dude. He, um, maybe, I, I can't remember, but he's actually a aircraft helicopter engineer, which, which figures if you yeah. look at that, you know. And uh, I was, I was, John and I were looking at it together and he was telling me, oh yeah, this is my guy, he's telling the whole story and I'm going like, I'm making jokes, you know, it's like, yeah, he probably just got a kit and you know, put a few wires here and there, and knowing that John has told me it was totally scratch built and stuff, and here we, this fellow walks up behind us, <laughs> and then we start having the conversation, then he has, I hadn't noticed that he has the booklet of showing the progress shots of, of the model as it went through the, his build, and he literally just started with basically a block, a square block, and built this helicopter, just one piece at a time, and basically whittled it down, rivets all over the place, and wiring the engine, the rotor blades, everything else, it's absolutely beautiful, and it's finished beautiful too, because oftentimes scratch builders are builders, they're finishers and painters, has hit the mark all the way across. It, it, it occupies a good size footprint on that table too. It's yeah, it's it's, it's a sky grade in what one thirty fifth. It's one thirty fifth. Yeah, no. it's not a small helicopter. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, not at all. <laughs> We've been interrupted by Ian uh, Bulek and Frank Panchlubin. <laughs> Say hello to the listeners. Hello, guys. See ya. Yeah. Morning. Say hello to Will, who's not here. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> We're still Sorry, waiting Will. for you, Will. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get him here. We'll get Will here. By, by crook or by hook. Or by airplane, preferably. Yeah. yeah. Get him off the ranch. So we were just talking about the uh, the aircraft in the sky crane, but the general sound of aircraft here. Quite often. Uh, morning, Barry. <laughs> hey, are you live? Yes. Yeah, say yes, hello. Yes. Okay. Rainbow Gills has just showed up and crashed our party. <laughs> See, this is what it's like being a World Model Expert. You know, yeah. it's like you get interrupted by I don't know people like Rainbow Gills and Fancy Lee being. <laughs> right. Yeah. But you can't can't hear properly because uh, oh, Roger, Roger Herman's talking to to, uh, to uh, over there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's t- you can't throw a rock without hitting some serious talent. Now speaking of Roger's work, looked at his out there as well. Absolutely, that's that's one of those you see in the magazines or online, and, and doesn't do it justice. And so I think the, the magazines, the only thing they can do is present you an overview and and whatever the author gives you. For, for I think yeah, that's what the author gives is, is a lot of it. I mean, I'm guilty of that as well. You know, so you take the shots from what you think are the best angles or whatever the case may be but that's only basically a single shot or two shots of the final image where here you get to look at the whole thing it's just such a different experience it's also the you know the experience of scale like we were talking about um, about uh, Spud Murphy like his 116 scale Stewart. Yeah. Oh, photos. I know it's a cliche, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It's also a Yeah. But the, the, the sheer size of it. Yeah. You know, unless you have one in your stash, you don't really get it. Yeah. Yeah. I've talked a lot. It was fine. Where were we? I think you just called us the Devil's Castanets. I'm not sure. <laughs> we were being interrupted by Marin Van Gill's the last time I remember. He was 
But which is a great interruption, believe me. Yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. one of the people that I... And he gave me money, so yeah. And he gave you money. He gave me more than even you wanted. Yeah. yeah. And then Fancy nice gave me a gift. And, and, and Tracy got a gift. Secret admirers. So so my butler's does my too busy uh, to, to our friends. Yeah. There's been a few, there's been a few stops in the, in the process here as uh, the popularity of the podcast is drawing people to talk to this famous podcasters. Well, there's there's something say, going on here where people are slowing down. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it's the guys next door. Let's just explain, we're next to Auto Miniatures for Korea. Mr. Yuhi runs Auto Miniatures, an incredible sponsor, really amazing stuff. Those of you that know Alpine, it's a very similar kind of quality to Alpine. Very, very cool. So, yeah, that's why we're going to go Yeah. People uh, queue in front of my stand to get tickets. <laughs> <laughs> and they flip through your books while they're waiting in line. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. <laughs> as far as things to take away from the show and literal physical things to take away, I find that. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, I bought some stuff. It's uh, so many figures. Like, there's so many really good figures, and so many manufacturers are doing really pushing uh, the sort of realism and, and you know, body language and things like that. It's things that are not toy soldiers. Yeah. Um, and here they are all in one place. And I, you know, it's amazing how a small paper bag can, can be, you know, a couple of hundred euro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so today's, I'm, I'm leaving today a little bit later. And so I was packing my bags this morning. I have probably... I literally have one entire side of my suitcase is full of resin right now, and the weight of my suitcase is now 300 pounds, and, it, and it's got one of those extended sides, and I had to pop the thing up in order to get everything in there, and my clothes are s smashed into one side, because uh, there's a lot of stuff here. <laughs> Someone told me you should always bring old clothes to these things. Throw them away, <laughs> yeah. Just throw them away. Well, I did throw a lot of stuff, so I brought a lot of things over here because I did a workshop yesterday, and so... A lot of that, a lot of those supplies, <laughs> got rid of those, so I had some extra extra room, luckily, for that. So what have you bought? Excuse me? What have you bought? Actually, a lot of it have to be, uh, turned out to be um, generous, generosities, gifts, and, and things like that. So I haven't really spent a lot of money, which is, is nice. Um, Thomas from um, RT Dioramas, he talked to me earlier on, and he had some things that he wanted me to take home that he wanted me to try out and just perhaps do some reviews on. Uh, just a few knickknacks like that, but it sure adds up like you're talking about. Yeah. It does add up. And I still need to do my own shopping. I want to go get a set of tracks over there, and there's some figures that I need as well. So it's still... Actually, from the here, get what you can. Shipping is a Yeah, exactly. Passed them right when I came in the very first time, and I was like, got to get back over here. I have to say he's not the world's most cheerful man, but he does have any <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't have to like him, I just have to buy him. Yes, have to buy yeah, no. Uh, he'll take my money, I'm not worried about that. No, so, no there won't good. be any problem there. Yeah, my, my shopping list was surprisingly small, but very specific, and, and I think I've, I've got a couple more things that I need to pick up, but... Uh, and then I, I see Jean-Bernard Andre walking over here, and now I have to... Reminds me, I need money. to talk to him. Yeah. <laughs> it's, he brought, he's got a whole display case full of his pieces and he's, he's selling them. Yeah. And, yeah, 
to be able to come home with one of his pieces would be absolutely stunning. I know Chris, you've already so done prolific. one. He just doesn't have room. Yeah. 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 I like the fact that he builds them in a way that he can stack them in on a shelf yeah, just on top of each yeah. other. He's not daft. He just yeah. gets those uh, same size frames. Yeah. <laughs> but that also makes it really good for transporting. Right? Oh, yeah. It's you're, fantastic. You're buying something relatively small. But also, in from an artistic view, Sometimes it's good to places like uh, what was it that they filmed a group a while ago, the last one three, Dogman. And they set up some arbitrary rules and then all the Sometimes putting constraints on it increases your creativity. So because he's got that single frame, that shape, he then does everything he can inside that to do something a bit different, to make something new and exciting. It's really, when you see them all next to each other, yeah, it's a wonderful collection. Yeah, well, speaking of Jean Bernard, again, this is the first time that I've met him in person, but we've been working together literally for 15 years, and every time we spent a lot of time together on Friday nights, um, just like two, like I said, two peas in a pod, just hit it off and stuff. And, and people who would know me might come over. Not, not many people here recognize me. They all recognize him because you know he's been to the shows before and things like that. He'll always, when people come over, he'd make the introduction. You know, this is Rick Lawler, and Rick Lawler gave me my start. I would not be in magazines. I would not be doing this except Rick Lawler found my pictures and says, we need to put you in magazines, and he kept bothering me, and he kept bothering me, and now I'm famous. <laughs> <laughs> and I hated boys. <laughs> I was like, oh, gosh. I don't need you to be tell telling you that. You, you did it all on your own, buddy. You were worth it. But, uh, He's a real artist, an actual genuine artist. Yeah. And that's what's, you know, sitting down with him all evening long, he stood me up at the very end, but um, <laughs> we, were, we were sitting outside and he, he decided he wanted one more beer and I was getting cold and I said, okay, I'm going to go up to my room and get my sweatshirt and I'll be right back. And he says, okay, I'll, I'll be right back here, right here in this chair where we were. I come back down, two loops, two loops around there, two loops around the inside, around the dance floor, back outside, could not find him yesterday morning. I said, what happened to you? He goes like... Where were you? I waited for an hour. <laughs> Where did you wait for me? <laughs> like, and he goes, oh, I don't know exactly. <laughs> I was around. It's <laughs> like, great, thanks. <laughs> I went back to bed. <laughs> so, those are great stories like that. But you asked me earlier on one of the things that about the show that totally spaced until just a second ago. One of the primary reasons I came over here was I was invited over here by Robert uh, to do a workshop. And, you know, that's... That's quite the honor to be yes. to be in that position, and so we were talking about all the stuff that goes into the baggage and things like that. So coming over, I had all the supplies for the workshop in my in my luggage, which luckily got used up yesterday. So it was really nice. But the theme of it was groundwork and dioramas, and so I had a room full of of people of of course various skill levels, and who just wanted to learn a little bit more about doing dioramas and groundwork and things like that. And it, it, it was very, I thought it was very successful, and the people at the end of it seemed to really enjoyed it. And they all walked away with a small piece that they made on their own. They got to choose their own subjects, and I was just there to kind of coach them through and help them make some decisions and show them some techniques that might pop them up to like the next step a little quicker and things like that. And so, it was, you know, four hours, that's not a lot of time to try to put a scene together, especially it when sounds you sounds like a lot, but you know, yeah. You, you know, you've got drying times and yeah. things like that. It's, it's, it's not a lot at, at, at all, 
you know, well, we all know the bench as well. If you do an hour, you do an hour. If you want to hurry up, start two bits together. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was thinking is that in that four hours, you've got, you can't progress. You know, at home you can procrastinate, you can get up and get a cup of coffee and whatever. But if you're, if you're in a room and, and you've got somebody helping you uh, work along, it's, I, I would imagine the momentum is pretty good. Yeah, I, I kind of threw him a curveball at the very beginning, and I did this kind of intentionally because you're going to be blindfolded, <laughs> <laughs> blindfold in your hands behind your backs. Everybody work on the person's piece to your right. <laughs> yeah, now switch. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I, I handed out the bases. I brought some examples. I made some small bases that were the same size or comparable sizes, and kind of threw them around as examples: a desert scene, a swamp scene, things like that. As it. Here's some ideas of things that I put together in about the same time frame that you guys will have. But I'm not going to let you, I'm not going to tell you what to do. You can pick your own theme. So it could be a desert, it could be trees, it could be whatever you want to do. It doesn't matter to me. Once you get started, I'll help you do whatever it is you want to do. That blank look across the room was like, I mean, I have to think. You're not going to show me. We're not going to follow along with you. Yeah. Oh. yeah. <laughs> it was like this is. You I mean this is like school? <laughs> we got We're going to be tested. And uh, but you know, it's. I would say that blank look happened for about 15 minutes. A few questions, like you know, constraint things. Well, can we cut it? Can, you can do whatever. You know, I had extra foam. I had knives. I had all sorts of things there for them to use. And of course, the terrain paste and things like that, and leaves. And once. Like you're saying, once one gets started, then the others start going, okay, okay, okay. And then a few of them ran back to their rooms because they had pieces that they actually needed bases for. So they would start making bases specifically for like a figure that they had or something well, like that. Yeah, that's really good. It was really good. And so I kept pushing, you know, and then we get to certain parts and a couple, three of them might be at a certain level and I, they're kind of starting to sit back and like, okay, now let's go to the next level because it was important to keep moving these guys to, towards finish. So they might have the groundwork ready and kind of be ready to call it quits. And then I would, let's go do the foliage now. Because then it would kind of lead the next wave of people going, okay, we still got foliage, we still got this to do. And, you know, and then towards the end, like I said, we had, you know, 15 basically completed bases, which is absolutely, absolutely incredible. Yeah, again, like there's nothing like having somebody just pushing you. Yes. Yeah. Okay, this is good. Let's do this now. And then. If, even if you're intimidated by taking the next step, you've got somebody there who's, who's willing to help you, you know, to, to get that done. Yeah, and, and you know, in the case of this one fellow, he 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 was doing stuff that he wanted shaped, and then he cut it out backwards. So he made one of those mistakes. It's like, how do I fix this? You know, what do I do now? And it's like, well, you've got two choices. <laughs> <laughs> I said, you've got two choices. We could try to fix it, or we could start over. And, you know, we were about 45 minutes into it at that point. So, did a little, he did a little combination of both. A little starting over, a little bit of fixing, a little bit tweaking. And his came out, he was one of the ones that finished first at the very end. He came out, excuse me, came out beautiful. So, it was it was a lot of fun. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I was nervous going in, wasn't sure what to expect and what I could do. You know. It's really funny, people don't realize this. They think the, the, the demos are tired, you must be super confident. So, you are nervous, you step up there and do it, and you think, what if I fuck this up? Well, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, the first thing when Robert invited me, I'm going, what? Why me? Who, who am I in the oh, world? Stop. Well, no, no. I, I'm, I'm saying that. In all, I'm saying that in all, all honesty. I'm, who am I in the world? 
And then when I get here and I start looking at the contest tables and I'm seeing the level of the people who are here, I'm going, I can't, what do I have to teach these people? You know, they're already doing it, it's out there on the tables. Well, that's a good introduction. Let's talk about some of your work because that's why you were a So, uh, why don't you tell people a little bit about uh, propaganda, about the various <laughs> Propaganda. So, I started prop propaganda years ago. Just the name propaganda means nothing more than just toot my own harm, showing off my own work, whatever. But I didn't want to just call it Rick Lawler. I don't know why. I just wanted to brand myself propaganda, just because it was like I, I was literally just kind of toot my own harm, showing off my own work, sort of thing. Started as Blogspot way back in the day. Oh, yeah. It's only oh, yeah, Blogspot, yeah, yeah. and that, so that's where it all started. Um, then over the course of time, tangling up in the wires here. Over the course of time, yeah, uh, guy. I began a website, a propaganda website, which I've had for a number of years. And then, most recently, uh, about a year ago, almost to the day now, I started a YouTube channel, which I had no concept of trying to do, and had no interest in YouTube or video. Video in general, YouTube in particular, just wasn't for me. Um, but had some COVID time and sitting around and my kids, I've got two boys, uh, 34 and 27. And they're of the Those age. are adults. Well, yeah. they're my kids. They're my kids. <laughs> You're like 40, right? So how does that work? I've got a birthday next week and I'm, I'm turning a big one. You guys want to guess? 50? Want to guess? 80? <laughs> what an asshole. <laughs> Chris is about ready to get water spilled on him. Seriously, though, I, I, yeah, I didn't think you were old enough to have a kid that's really easy Yeah, no, I'm going to be turning oh, six, 60 next week. So anyway, they said, you know, Dad, you're you're doing this work all the time, you know, the magazines, and they're taking the photographs and stuff. Just throw it out there. And I had no idea how to do it. Um, like I said, no interest or anything else. And after, you know, a week or so, just kind of, you know, when your kids tell you you should do something, sometimes you can sort of listen to them, you know? It's like, oh, I don't know, maybe they're right. Sometimes they know stuff. They know stuff. Um, and so I thought, you know, what the heck, I'm going to give it a shot. And I didn't have any equipment. I had my you know, DLSR, which I realized can shoot video. That's a step in the right direction. I had no equipment, no lights, no anything else, no editing software. And so first thing I did is I took my tripod and flipped it upside down over the top of my workbench and started to do the first video yeah. trying to work around the legs of the tripod and trying to get desk lamps to go in there um, did a little bit of editing on uh, what was it? the Apple one whatever that is iMovie learned a little bit about editing learned that I needed some lighting learned that I needed some sort of a camera rig and stuff like that and then decided to go ahead and take that plunge Got some equipment, set up a proper studio bench, um, started using proper editing software, and been making videos and putting one out every week since I think middle of August of last year, except for this week, which I'm here instead. But I'm shooting this entire event, and so that will be a, a video upcoming. Basically, this event through my eyes. Yes. YouTube's kind of got its own culture of what works and what doesn't. What's your, what kind of stuff work, you know, is most popular in videos? Because a lot of people find that they're like, I make these really great videos and this one I just tossed off a year ago. What, that's the one that sort of clicks. What is it that you guess it is? I wish I knew what the secret to the algorithm is. I don't know. And even in one video over the course of time, 
it will do something weird in the middle and you don't know why like something some got traction somehow whether that's someone shared it and went to a big group or whatever the case may be I know in terms of so the way that I do the video series is more or less as a magazine article that's kind of my style that's the way I do it which is you know not necessarily revolutionary but generally starts with the opening of the kits I don't generally show a lot of the construction of the kit because you know gluing two pieces together isn't that that exciting at times but I'll get into something a little bit a little bit in a second about that generally it starts closer to the painting and the weathering and then I found that the dioramas are important part of the video series now too because that in terms of the entire entirety of the series those last videos especially when I'm doing the base work and the groundwork are the, the best received the most viewed or whatever um, the subject matter matters in terms of popularity put a t34 into the process views go up you do something panzer two views aren't quite as good so it's that whole thing if it's a tiger it's a panther whatever then it's more popular in that, that regard so back to the videos and content creation and you probably had this conversation I know you guys probably have been talking to modelers but one of the themes that keeps coming up to me on this weekend and these are from people who are the high low, highest level of modelers so you know, Marin and people that I've been talking to all weekend is that the the need or the the appetite that there is in the general world for people to help them work with those basic steps of modeling. How do you start as a modeler who wants to progress, but then hits those little walls where you can't quite, it's kind of like I was talking about the workshop. If you have someone there to kind of help you think of what the next thing is and look at it with a little bit fresher perspective. So I think I'm going to try to do some sort of, I don't want to say back to basics types of videos, but more fundamentals. (laughs) Fundamentals, but in terms of allowing the mistakes to happen and you know I make mistakes all the time and generally I show them on the videos as well but there are times where you know you'll make a mistake and you're just going you through think it, about it. You, just, you, you just fix it or you know fix it. but I think there's a lot of times when I could purposely make that moment a, a, a good learning experience moment not that that's what the video is going to be about but I think if I can pull those into the incorporate those into the videos a little bit more I think there's some real value in that in helping people kind of move past some of the things you know it could be simple things like you just applied the wash too thick and it's running down the side what do you do about that you know I do that all the time so instead of just applying the wash and then you know edit stop edit and then the next shot is you doing something different well Oops, look at that, the wash is running, and show that process and figure that out. So I'll be working on that a little bit going forward on some of the projects, just kind of making sure they're a little bit more in, in the time. Because in articles, you know, it's always going to how you have a big fixed You know, you just want to get through the process. Do things to a lot of magazines, they six pages. Yeah. So I do wonder whether we've made a culture of those things to write articles. Intending that mistakes don't happen. It's not intentionally, but unintentionally. And I think maybe a lot of models need to know that we make mistakes in the time. Oh, yeah, all the time. A good model maybe is someone that knows how to work with company. Yeah, it's who, who can, if you can fix your mistakes, that's that's the whole point of, of being you know, good or better or whatever. Um, that, but that point about the magazines versus the video, that's probably one of the biggest. Um, 
eye-openers once I got into it and, and started looking back at my process and, and other videos and things like that. There is a lot to be said, and I know people said it before, by watching someone watching someone do it um, rather than having just, you know, we're talking magazines, you know, I do magazines all the time, and it's a set shot, you know, so you, you, you do your little section of work, then you take it to the photo booth, you put your three bottles of paint there, and you put your paintbrush in the corner of the picture, and then you come back later and you write your caption. Go well, painted this, 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 and this on this stuff, you know. That doesn't really tell you how you did it and the, the motions that it takes to do it. It's it's it doesn't hard. tell you the consistency of the paint. Yeah. It's quite hard to communicate in a photo how to do a lot. And even those tutorial photographs for like packaging and things like that where you'll have like six shots of showing the thing, it still doesn't quite quite get it because you know how fast is that stroke going down what is that paint texture you know how what's how far is it dried before you pull those strokes down if it does a rain marks or something like that that that's the part that i think the video really captures in a way that the print can't um, and so it's also it, it sort of goes hand in hand with the demos you're doing here it's yeah when you were talking about that earlier it's like, because there's no school for that there's not a can't enroll in, in a week's worth of classes, and, uh, and yeah, that is an idea. There's, there's no <laughs> modeling academy, and, and I think uh, demos at, at shows like this and YouTube videos are—they're physically uh, interactive in, in some ways, yeah, more so the demos. But in a, in a video, you do get to see how that how what the consistency of the paint is on the wash, and, and when you lay this. Uh, down on the whole side, do you, do you leave it for a second before you start blending it out, or do you, do you need to get in there right away? And those are the questions that people really have about how to do these things on their own models, and there's never going to be a way for a magazine to show that. Right. Yeah, that's that's exactly the case. And just to kind of put a finer point, especially for people like myself, you know, I'm used to going to shows where they would have seminars, so you'd have and I've done a ton of those where you have basically an hour, someone's up front, and you have whatever the theme is, the technique. Maybe it's oil paints, you know, how to use them, or how to use make mud splatters. But this is a demo, maybe with the audiovisual screen behind, and you have your audience. So when I was invited to this, this is the first time I'd really heard about the workshop concept, where it is the hands-on, longer form where I had the four hours and in a participatory format. And I, I was just like. This is, well, one, it's intimidating, but secondly, what a great idea. Absolutely fantastic it's idea. If you want to teach something, do something the lowest level is to tell them how. The second level is show them how. The highest level is to get them to do it. Yeah. And here you're showing them that again. Yeah, so. It's going to take so much more. Yeah, so that, that, that's, that's really exciting. And, you know, back to the magazines and the videos and things like that. And, and, propaganda just in general part of what I really like you know part of what I like doing you know as a modeler is not it's not about getting in the pages for the sake of getting in the pages I enjoy I love scale modeling so I love sharing my passion for scale modeling and the teaching part of it and the sharing of those techniques and things like that that's the part that keeps me really motivated to do this because I can build models in the dark by myself but that's not helping anybody else and I know there's a lot of people out there who, I hope there was a lot of people who would find the same amount of enjoyment and satisfaction in building models if they can just 
find that building models is a great fun thing to do. So. Well, I mean, we've all, uh, you know, in the course of beginning and, and getting better and reaching whatever level we're at, the, the most frustrating part is learning how all of these things behave, you know? But once you have the skills, you know, your fundamentals, and, and you've got a little bit of experience with them under your belt, so then it's, it's a different journey. And if you can help get people to that point where they can sort of take off on their own, then that, I think, does increase the enjoyment of the hobby for them. I think the cool part about what you just said, too, is, you know, once you have the fundamentals, I think part of that, that learning process at that point is learning how to break the rules. Because you get taught a certain number of rules. This is a sequence of events, or this paint doesn't work with that paint, or whatever. But then, if you start thinking about it and start trying to break a few rules here and there, what you know, what happens if I do do that? But now you have a basis, so you know, kind of your groundwork is there, so you can always fall back on that. But you know, I found some very interesting things. For instance, like putting oils down and putting while well, the oils are still wet, or putting acrylic washes over the top of it and just let that dry. It beads up because of the surface tension, mm -hmm. and there's some absolutely fantastic effects that can be had that way. And it's just, you know, one of those things that's like, why not try to see what happens, you know? Just letting things kind of go on their merry way. Now it's like one of those little things when I'm weathering, say, like, it tends to be on, like, equipment and things like that, because you could do really nice rust effects with it, because it's got that kind of a pitted appearance. Um, but, you know, it's one of those little happy experiment accident things. I also think once you, once you get the skills for assembling and painting and then you start looking at presentation and groundwork, and then that's a whole nother sort of journey where you, like you say, you, you learn how to do it, and then you start thinking, well, okay, well, how much of it do I need? Like, how tight can I make the base? Like, you, you know, originally you might start off making your groundwork, but your base is way too big than it needs to be. But at least you don't have to worry about learning how to paint a tank as well. Yeah, you can, that can be the next part of the journey that they're focusing on. Is like okay, tighten up the base and you know, elevation and, and things like that. So there's each step you take. You know, it's, a, it's an unending ladder. So you take the next step to be able to get to, to the step after. Yeah. Uh, our fan clubs here too. We've got Marcus taking pictures of us. Hey guys, this is what happens when you do podcasts live. Let's say hello, Marcus and Mike. Come on, come on. <laughs> no, Marcus, no, no interview. Marcus says no. You know he's picking you up anyway, right? <laughs> you can just say hello. Just literally hello. Hello. All right, there, there you we go. go. Now get out of here. <laughs> hello. <laughs> All right, well, Rick. Uh, I'd like to thank you for um, I'd like to thank you for interviewing us today. Um, hope the listeners have enjoyed this conversation. Um, really, please do come back on the show at some time. Yeah, and we'll have a much longer conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. I've totally enjoyed myself. Thank you, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Hi. I'm Scott, the creator and owner of the Scale Modeler Supply, Australia's largest manufacturer of hobby paints. Our premium airbrush-ready acrylic acker paints are designed specifically for use on plastics, with a comprehensive range covering all popular modelling subjects including military, aircraft, rail, auto, sci-fi and more. And not only that, but we also have a wide selection of essential hobby tools and now, infinite colour, 
and new range of water-based paints for miniatures. So to check out our range and to find your closest retailer, please visit our website at scalemodeler.com.au. So when quality matters, choose SMS Paints. Uh, we were very, very lucky to have uh, the time to sit down with the very talented Robert Blocker uh, at the World Model Expo 2022. Uh, Robert is uh, is afraid of nothing. He is a modeler who will tackle anything. Um, he's super creative and and absolutely uh, prolific and just one of one of the nicest guys you'd ever want to meet. Um, so we enjoyed our chat. We hope you do too. So, hi, we're here with uh, Robert Blocker at World Model Expo. Uh, Roberts, uh, how do you find the show? Well, I think the show is quite good, actually. It's, uh, there are really a lot of models. The uh, level in the contest is ridiculously high. Uh, but yeah, and even the trailer, there are a lot of trailers that I've never seen before. They bring really nice stuff to the table, so yeah, pretty awesome. Have you brought anything for the competition? Uh, well, yeah, I bought a few items. Yes. A few bits of box. <laughs> what have you brought? Uh, well, since I'm not being hindered by uh, air travel, um, I brought 18 projects <laughs> <laughs> to sign into to the contest because they said, well, if it hasn't been on a WME, you could sign it in. Well, so I cleared my display. But, uh, the old no, I, I throw shit at the wall trick <laughs> to see what sticks. <laughs> Well, yeah, but you know, it's like I'm I don't I'm not making any illusions because you know there is so much good stuff and yeah, well, I'm I'm still proud of what I made, obviously, but I'm putting it in more for displaying and showing it to people than anything other. So I brought most of my World War One dioramas. Uh, I brought a whole load of figures. Um, yeah, I'm, adding, I'm, I'm in four categories uh, in total, so uh, we'll see what uh, we'll see what happens. I think readers of models for Ukraine would recognise your duckling diorama. You that one. That one is uh, part of the the World War One display in uh, the Orama Masters. Yes. What have you? Is there anything you've seen here that particularly has caught your eye? Anyone's model or a new release from someone? Or uh, I bought uh, the Muka print from uh, the, the Muka model from Ouroboros. It means that we are going to close the second day of the World Model Expo. We are kindly requested to leave the halls. It's 5 o'clock, time to end the show for today. Tomorrow is a brand new day and we welcome everybody uh, from 10 o'clock onwards. And you can also visit Sorry, carry on. No, I bought the, the, the Mooka print, and since uh, the, the Mooka red, the resin figure from the Mooka print, and well, being in the sign and design trade, caught my eye immediately. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. Beautiful figure. In the contest, I saw, I haven't seen it live yet, I'm going to check it tomorrow, but there is a bust of uh, Kaiser Wilhelm, the last emperor of Germany. Man. 
he looks real enough that you could have a conversation with him. It's amazing. It's so well painted. You know, the, the, the big Millennium Falcon uh, with the diorama with the big rocks and such and the landing platform. My God. You know, it's just uh, one spectacular model fest with the international top crossing swords here. So, yeah, absolutely stunning. A big thing for me this show has been catching up with people that I haven't seen for three years. Yeah. You could connect with some old friends you haven't seen for a while. Yeah, well, I've been to a couple of events, so it's not 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 completely my first event this year. But uh, especially because of the international alertness event, as yes, you will meet your friends from Finland, from well, actually all over the world. You know, uh, Tracy from America, um, you. Obviously, but it's like you know, I know, but it's always it's always a great gathering, and when you are in the bar and raising glasses, you know, and there's always good banter, it's always chat, and even it's not all modeling related what's talked about because you know it's it's good, it's, it's nice to be around such people. For me, that actually is the biggest award of the show itself, the social aspect. Yeah, that's that's so much fun seeing the work. You can everybody's going to be making photos of everything that's here. And you'll be able to see it on the internet. You should see it in person yeah. to, to yeah. really see that quality of work in the crowd. But just walking down the hallways and running into people you haven't seen in years and, and catching up—that's the best part. What, what I like, what I like so much, and well, well, probably there is arrogance in our hobby because you will find arrogance everywhere you look for it. But but what I like is, you know, if you see a model on the table and you're absolutely gobsmacked by it and you find out who made it and then you meet it in the bar or in the halls or here in the event or when you're outside smoking you know and then you say well, but you oh you made it that's that's awesome you know and everybody's always very modest about what they do you know even if they made the scale equivalent of a Rembrandt or something but it's always really nice modesty I like that yeah yeah I think everybody is, is, enjoys everybody else's work and they think they're obviously proud of what they do, but when you see something really special, it's maybe different for you seeing it for the first time rather than them having worked on it for a while. And they're like, "Oh yeah, it's good." Yeah, and you're like, "No, no, it's really good." Yeah. <laughs> it's exceptional. Wow. But also seeing everybody else's different point of view—that's it's really great. Like there's some some of the some of the models, uh, some of the dioramas, the scenes. There's. There's nice innovation and, and storytelling is is really nice. Uh, and, you know, maybe is not even in a way that you think about things, but being able to see it, like, oh, that's great. I need to I need to remember to, to think more about like opening up my space or, or telling a story with something that's not there rather than being obvious about it. That's that's one of the greatest things about the shows. Yeah, absolutely. Whatever. I have a question for you, but uh, because you're from America, and do you take ideas that you find here on the contest tables? Do you bring that knowledge with you, and try? Do you try to incorporate it in your own work? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How does the American crowd react to that? I wouldn't know. Okay. I, I come here. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so you go down to compete in America. No. Ah, no. Okay. Okay. No. I'm almost curious how that. Uh, I think cross contamination works. I think that people, you know, the people who are 
look at modeling globally and, and see the work from shows like this and, and the Monson show, and I think they recognize really exceptional work. So I hope that, I mean, that was me years ago before I ever came here was just seeing it on the internet and in magazines, yeah. and it influenced me. So I hope that, that America's not so much an island that it's not being influenced by but what people are showing here. To be fair, though, this is an American show. Well, what Pex spoke. Yeah. It started by, uh, by Champagne and by Bill Moran and those guys. And, yeah, it, so the, that is available over there, but I think it's, it seems to be silent almost entirely into the, uh, the figure side. And even then, I think you can see a difference in American figures and European figures. Yeah, but I, I think that's that if you look, if you look at, at the figure, you can almost say, oh, well, this is done by somebody from Asia because they have a totally different style than what the Europeans have. Yeah. And you also can see the same difference from somebody from America. It's a difference you just see. Yeah. Because the style is very apparent for, for per country. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm, I'm always wondering if there could be some sort of cross-contamination that you see styles flowing over from, from uh, continent to continent. I think if you're willing to break out of the way you do things and push yourself to do something in a way that you've seen somebody else do, yeah. yeah. But I guess that's up to the individual. Yeah. And I don't know that in America that if you're if you're doing what you're doing well enough to win the awards at the show you go to, maybe you don't feel the need to change. <laughs> Shitty funky county bollocks. That's it, that's the, what we need. That's, that's the cold open. No, yeah, yeah, it's the equivalent of Shitty bollocks. bollocks. Sweaty, sweaty bollocks. I see you're a bottom fan then. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so I can't remember what we were talking about, so let's just start over. I think the last of the subject we had was with cross contamination between styles uh, on different continents. Uh, yes, probably so. Yeah. I think we're kind of close then. Yeah. Yeah, we can start fresh. So, uh, well, we've had the competition results now. How do you feel? Um, overwhelmed, to be honest. I'm always photographing. I try to photograph as many, if not all, the contest entries, and this was the first yeah, time no I'm absolutely <laughs> stumped how to do it. Because uh, of 4,200 items on the contest table, Contest tables are incredibly cramped. There's absolutely no possibility that you get good close-ups of single figures, uh, for instance. But yeah, it's an absolute joy to see. I saw the uh, the Kaiser Wilhelm II bust, where his arms crossed, looking arrogantly to the side. Pretty much one of the most amazing pieces I've ever seen. I want to know who, may, who, who produces that bust because I want to have it. Did you see the Robo Trump? The robot Trump in God we trust. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Trump with four mechanic, no legs, but like a spider four the, the mechanic. Big, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh no, no, it's like this big. It's, no. it's and he's got like this fan behind him on his thing, made of like the American flag. Yeah, yeah. No, no, that's, that was an awesome. That was funny. Well. That one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but you see it. You I've see got it a photo a lot. of that. I'll put it on the on the podcast. Uh, you know, the FB page. It's, uh, but you see that you see that more and more, uh, like the, the politically messages into uh, the Iran. It's funny you never used to see this stuff in modeling, but people have really gone quite. You know. It is the, the model of the 
of the parade floats of all the political. Oh, you, yeah, the. Uh, oh, uh, so one of the KMK guys. Uh, yeah, yeah, thing, yeah. Dirk van Geel. Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah. yeah he that's... also did a really nice one of uh, Hotel Baghdad or something with uh, uh, Max Pro Park next to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that one, yeah, it's like, a, what is it, a Belgian parade float workshop sort of thing? Yeah, it's for the carnivals, yeah. uh, then uh, usually they have some, some political mockery in the parades. It's and almost like the old uh, uh, Genesis Land of Confusion video from the 80s. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, you, you, you can compare it with that, but, 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 but the carnival parades in the Netherlands and Belgium, and I think also in Germany, they always try they, they, they always try to do some political mockery that's, that's with, with current affairs of the time. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that that was an awesome piece of work. I love that. Well, you see it more. I mean, with with uh, Asher's uh, the, the kids standing on the pile of garbage uh, bags yes. and such. You know, yeah. you see it. You see it more and more. Well, I think there's place for that. Yeah, I, I welcome it. I think it's really good. There's no reason why. You know, why are we saying to mothers you can't talk about certain subjects? No, and it's if if if, if it's if it starts to get people to talk about it, then then that's always a win. I think. What's, uh, you've had a good look around now, anything that especially stood out? Uh, what, in the contest or yeah. trade or, or overall? Or even trade or the show or anything. Yeah. Uh, well, there are a lot of good companies, uh, figure companies that I never knew of. Yeah, um, yeah. It's I was, a new one every week. I was in the Kilgore uh, HD stand and, uh, well, being Dutch, I really couldn't pass over the beautiful Matahari figure that I saw. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's well, a beautiful matter. Is that the one that's yeah, well? yeah, yeah, that's the yeah. box art, but it's like... Uh, but it's really captured the, the pose and everything. Yeah, but also the likeness, the face, it's yeah. like, it's, 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 it's picture perfect, so, uh, yeah. That one was, uh, I, couldn't, I couldn't skip by that, I had to have it. So yeah, plonked some dosh and uh, ran away with it. <laughs> I just know we'll see it painted with you as well, because quite often with, including myself, People go, oh, I've got this great figure, and you, you never see it again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but with you, it's on Facebook. Like two days later. <laughs> well, well, not, I, I'll try to limit it in two weeks. Or That's something. Rolls, fast, isn't it? <laughs> well, you can work wet or wet, which is an amazing quality of that. So, uh, yeah. Well, you, you never know. I might get the spirit. But there are other projects that I need to work on. You used to paint the Humbrols, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why uh, is it you've not, I mean, you know, obviously because you like it, but what is it you find is better than acrylics or oils? Or uh, it's the it's the color depth you have. It's the fact that you can get a smooth, non-chalky finish. Uh, and even because you did it with, with turpentine or other spirits, the drying times are also not that bad. But you can work wet on wet, which is really fantastic because yeah. you can do amazing blending with only three colors. And you can do them in one sitting, yeah. which is great as well. Takes a bit of time to master, but... Really smooth transitions as well. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and it blends almost instantly. So, lovely stuff. I difficult with acrylics, smooth transitions. Um, Basically, it's just lots and lots and lots and lots of glazes. Like but, yeah. it, but instead of taking the more sensible route, they continue to try with acrylics. Probably pick up the enamels and the cheap results. She said, you know, that um, why persevere with the material you just can't get on with? Yeah. Just because it's what everyone else is doing. If you like it, yeah. do it. You know. Well, I, I, some years ago, uh, some years ago, when the um, 
there was there was talks with new uh, chemical regulations on transport that Humbrol uh, was not going to be available anymore uh, on the European mainland, and that was uh, a moment when I switched over to Vallejo, and um, it was probably one of the most miserable months of my life, <laughs> and actually and actually made me almost quit the hobby. So uh, then I switched back to Humbrol, and everything was good again. But uh, but yeah, it's uh, I've been. I mean, the thing is, I've been painting with Umbro for over 25 years, and if you use one product that long, you eventually least, uh, become good. Assuming that you are, well, I think you are. I don't know. Who do you think I am? Hmm? <laughs> Sorry, we've got uh, Dennis. street bottle deliveries from uh, Dennis. Logan. <laughs> <laughs> Say hi to the listeners, Dennis. You're on the Spree Cuts Union now. I'm on the Spree Cuts Union now. Yeah. Right? <laughs> well, I hope to, see you, hope to hear you soon. <laughs> You'll hear yourself soon. Yeah, I'll hear myself soon. Ah, <laughs> uh, feedback. That would be feedback loop. Oh. Hearing your own voice is like... Right, ah. right. <laughs> my, de- my name is Loop. Yeah. <laughs> He's Dennis oh, yeah. the feedback loop. No. <laughs> 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 oh. uh. But uh, yeah, it's 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 really fun, and you know, uh, I, I got done the, uh, the unexpected award already. But there are still three categories that I don't know the results of. So you know, it's waiting. I have one model, and I know I got commended. So uh, no, well, congratulations with that. About the others. <laughs> well, <laughs> I think I think I think that's awesome. Like, to be honest, I was a little bit at first. I thought, oh, but look at the rest of the competition. I'm like, oh, highly commended. Yeah, yeah, yeah well, exactly. Yeah. But Woo. that's. That's, that, that was the same with, with, with my highly commended for for my uh, fantasy figures uh, display, which are like five figures. They are not even on a wooden pedestal. And if you look what's around it, I think, well, some judges must have been drinking here. Or they, you know, I mean, I think one of the things that's great is they, they really look at what you brought, not what's around. Them. Yeah. You know, you're not competing against everybody else. You're being judged on your own merits. Yeah, it's 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 quite different from what we are used to here. I think on the European mainland, because generally it's like, the, of course, you go to a point system, but then you still come to a point where it's like, well, that one is just a little bit better than that one. So who is who is earning silver? Who is earning the gold? But here, apparently, it is it's. Some, some system that I, I've never experienced that it's looking at what has the wow factor first and it's like so I think there will be more medals or less but I actually you know I, I'm, I'm, I'm theorizing here but actually I have no clue what to talk I would be surprised if, if the number of results isn't quite similar to how it normally is I think but I think it's much tougher to get something I think so too yeah yeah I absolutely think so too well we, we'll see at 3 o'clock the old circus uh, goes off. We'll just pause there for a second. It's fun to say yeah. goodbye. So, uh, uh, and we're back. <laughs> Saying goodbyes and hellos and everything else. Yeah, yeah, it's a good gathering of friends here. All weekend already. We were saying this, uh, I can't remember uh, who we were interviewing at the time, but we kept being interrupted. Because Marine came over and uh, right when we were, talking to, we were talking to Rick, yeah. There's constantly people coming over and saying hello. <laughs> I mean, anytime you get interrupted by Marion Van Gill's... You're going to stop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's a good cause for an interruption, yeah. yeah. So what have you got planned next? Uh, Other than coming on the spree card, you know. <laughs> For a proper conversation. Uh, well, obviously, there's a DRM in the works for a publication. Oh, uh, yeah, that thing. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you, you'll, you'll probably get sick and tired of the updates, but uh, yeah, that one is coming. Uh, I got some more, well, one dioramas in the planning, a lot more figures, uh, of course, uh, some 3D printed stuff uh, that I do every now and then, so yeah, pretty much my business as usual, just uh, trying not to resort to drugs in, in my spare time and doing models. I admire it actually, you have a huge output, really creative all the time, and it's really good to see, really um, inspiring. But it's only on the basis of one hour a day. How? <laughs> I'm wrong. <laughs> well, yeah, no, that, that, that's a big part of it, you know, it's, it's like I, I just watch uh, one hour of TV less yeah. and do some modeling. And, you know, if you do uh, that every day of the week, at the end of the week, you have probably one whole work day you've done the modeling, which is a lot of time. Yeah, you can make a lot of progress if you schedule and generally if I'm sitting at the bench and I sit there for two hours then I'm only productive for one hour and the rest of the time I'm, I'm just turning things around, watching things closer, for watching things dry, which, yeah. I do about five hours a day. <laughs> and I think probably I get about one hour out of it. <laughs> no, it's, a, it, 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 it's kind of a proven thing that with everything you do, you're one hour, you are productive and the rest of the time it's just, you know, moving about a bit. Sorting out audio books or looking at Facebook. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, but you're, you're doing other things. So I said, well, then I cut it down to that one hour and do one every day. And that works. Focus on it. Yeah. I think the important thing to doing good work and, and uh, being productive is to, um, to give it quality time as well. You can only give it 20 minutes here and there. Yeah. It's hard to really get going. You know, it's, it's hard to get much done because you're just getting into it and you have to stop. And sometimes there are some things you can't stop. Yeah. So right. Once you true. start it, you have to but see if it. If you only have 20 minutes, then that's 20 minutes you can, you can sand and, and glue a something. Yeah, you can always do something. It just makes it harder to be. Yeah. yeah. I, I find if I... If I I'm at home and, and I'm not doing anything, and I, I look at the bench and I'm like, what? okay, I've got 20 minutes, what can I do? And sometimes it's just picking up something and cleaning up the seam, uh, dry fitting this, that. I mean, it's everything you do is pushing it forward a little at a time. Especially with the sanding and whatever, you know, every like, little bit you do on that is a step closer to the front, fun bit for you, right? Paintings. I, I often make the mistake just that <laughs> just before while, while my wife is cooking and I walk in the kitchen and how long have you, how long do you need? Well about uh, 50, 20 minutes. Ah okay. No what's the best? Oh yeah I can do that and that and I'm mm, busy and busy and suddenly the food is on the table and my wife gets more impatient by the minute, you know. <laughs> my wife will testify to that. I'm worse, I have to cook dinner and my wife's like So you cooking dinner tonight? I'm like, yeah, and then at five thirty, okay. I can start at six. It'll be alright, I'll start I'll, I'll do it really fast. I'll start at six. Excellent. I think on sun, Sundays is the day that I get my, most of my modeling time and, and my wife has figured out if we're gonna start making dinner at six, she just comes in at five o'clock or five thirty. She's like, Okay, what are you how are you doing? What are you working on? And then but the, the easiest way for her to get me away from the bench is you know, she'll come in and she'll be like, Oh you're almost finished? And I was like, Yeah, I'll just need a few more minutes. She goes, I'm gonna go ahead and open a bottle of wine. Ah. Oh, okay. All right. yeah. So she's losing. Turn the lights off. She's using a lure. Yes. it under your nose. No, great show. Really enjoying it. Yeah, that's, I haven't seen this many people. You know that I like this much for so long, and it's just it's been phenomenal. Yeah, it's already. Uh, and we love the competition and everything, but you know, 
I just go with a big smile on my face after a show. Like that. You can't you can't walk away from this not recharged. Yeah. You know? Creativity, ready to go, you know. Your oh. Social energies recharged. Yeah, the social aspect of this of this show is, is so incredible, and also where you go to the bar in bars in the evening, you you don't see that by at many shows. No. That 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 social atmosphere, and you're standing in, on on a terrace, you know, being eaten by mosquitoes while you're chatting to Italians, British, uh, Americans, you know, from all the corners of the globe, you, you're you're chatting with people and and, and sharing ideas and bantering about everything. Every continent, I think. Yeah. I've bumped into, I've spoken to guys from New Zealand, Australia. There's guys here trading for Korea. There's yeah. you know Americans, Europeans, everybody's here. It's a real international. Show. Yeah. Yeah, and everyone speaks the same language of nerdery. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely true. Very enjoyable. And we've said it a lot, so it's going to get boring now. I might even cut it, but it's the most diverse show as well that we probably go to in the year in terms of age and sex and everything. Yeah, because that's uh, with, with, with all the chat of the hobby being uh, dying because there are no uh, youngsters. Well, if there's one show that's uh, able to prove that wrong, it's probably this one. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah, you know, I saw kids walking out with stacks of Gundams uh, yesterday, you know. Uh, so if they do that, you can hardly deny that the opposite is true. There's quite a few Gundams in the competition, actually, and I never see them in the competitions here. No, but 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 it's it's also for for the for the Netherlands. It's it's quite a recent uh, uprising because they were they were hard very hard to get here in the Netherlands. I just now, wonder if it's a good distributor that's taken over. You actually can get them now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is uh, there, there there's actually a shop that's quite close to where I live with uh, stacks of those Gundams, uh, and, and and they're really popular. Suddenly. Well, sci-fi and fantasy generally has it. It's not just taken off its skyrockets, it's really has. Yeah, well, Gundam is, is I think, going to be responsible for young people cutting and gluing and painting plastic. Yeah. But you know, it, 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 it's like when I got introduced uh, to the scale modeling hobby, you didn't have that, 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 that click and play stuff. Uh, it, it was not available. But I started with really cheap, simple kits. And that, and, 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 well, yeah, but no, yeah, I think the first kit I ever bought was an Airfix Tiger mod or a Soppit Camel. I think, so, I think it was a Soppit Camel. And it was like probably <laughs> the most difficult kit to start with. <laughs> I, they say they're great for kids. I'm thinking, yeah, if you want to put them off the hobby. <laughs> yeah, but there was there the, the, the was there was really not that much else. Uh, no, certainly no, not it. available yeah. close to me. I mean, there was a shop that sold some old Matchbox stuff, but it was uh, the, the, there simply wasn't it wasn't much available. So but also, it didn't really start. matter if you made a real mess of it. Uh, yeah, but I, they also don't. Nobody prepares you for how how tricky some of these kids can be when you're starting, you know? Yeah, but that was not an issue either, because, you know, at that point I was not even with my mind that someday I might be competing in international shows. So I was, I, at that point, it was just modeling for fun and it didn't actually matter how it looked, you know? I, I, I probably don't think, think I even painted it, it was just like assembling it, no wiring, because, you know, the... The stress and the top of weight were already difficult enough. I was going to say, yeah, pipe plates were there. Yeah, yeah, Just yeah, getting them yeah, lined yeah. up was a chore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I was already happy that I reached that point. And further, I slapped some decals on, and that that was it, you know. But I had a lot of fun doing it, and that was what started my hobby eventually. 
and seeing then later on the dioramas of my uncle who was also a modeler and that was the point that I said yeah I, I want to do that but still then it was never that I was going to be a competing modeler at all it was just for a hobby yeah so what you want to do for yeah, but and, 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 and you know, it's like with, with all these these uh, snap-tight kits and such, and, and Gundams that are pre-colored and such. Yeah, I don't mind if, that's, if that gets kids interested. Well, they snap it together, they can play with it after. Yeah, but, but if that's... I glue my model together and the glue wouldn't even be set. I'd be flying the airplane around and the wings would slowly fly. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But, 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 but if that's, if that's what nece- what's necessary to, to get gets interested in working with their hands again. That, that can never be a bad thing. Yep. Well, I've actually said it, and you suggested it to IPMS, not the IPMS, but members of groups and stuff in the UK have been shot down for it. I said, you know what you need to do at Scale Model World to bring kids into the hobby and to, to see you know, the hobby get younger? Get rid of the airfix they can take and bring in the games workshop they can take. Yeah. Kids would much rather sit there and build a space marine than build a, this one seventy second Spitfire. And they look quite cool as well. Yeah. I always like the look of them. They're like that. They're like they're like a fat Star Wars stormtrooper, you know. <laughs> oh, fat stormtrooper, you know it. <laughs> no, it's With like flash. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they, they, they're absolutely. I, I think that that's for a kid an amazing starter to get into a hobby. But they're really easy to build, and their new stuff as well. Case workshop is uh, the engineer beautifully it just yeah. clicks together. In fact, they've got some push fit. Yeah. There's bound to be a lot more other people their age who yeah. are doing the same thing. If you come out with an airplane Spitfire, the, the kids of the same age probably. Yeah, but even but, 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 but these guys are saying when it's not scale models, and it's like you need to be less precious about your hobby. Just yeah. what they the problem they've got is they want kids to go through what they went through in the sixties. It's like it's not the sixties anymore. No, no, no. Why should they have to go through the same? But but what the, the problem what I also have with with, with, with with giving models to kids, especially aircraft kids, is that um, you can only do just a little bit of parts yeah. before you have to paint. Because you have to button up a cockpit and that's at this point When I was a kid though I never painted. I didn't even paint one. Yeah, okay. But 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 if you if you would be a a stickler to say that you, you want don't. to be a scale model. Yeah. <laughs> no, but, Air quotes on but, radio, but, that really works, but, right. <laughs> but, 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 but the attention span of kids these days is often quite short. Um, well, this, yeah, not even the painting part, but you have to glue it and then you have to leave it for 10 minutes yeah. before you can glue something else to it so it doesn't fall apart. And they just want to go blah, 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 Yeah, well, and if they, if they, if they can get enjoyment and, 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 and interest in what we do, Fire that. I uh, paint sometimes I'm my son and using maximum is about 30 minutes and then he's had enough of it. And, you know, he wants to come back to it but he wants to go do something else. Yeah. 30 minutes, like you say, you can do a bit in 30 minutes. No, that's, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's mostly figure related here but there are, uh, yeah, there are some beautiful dioramas. There are some uh, amazing vehicle models, <laughs> nice ships too, there are not many, but there are yeah. quite a few very good ships. The ones that are here are pretty good. Yeah. So, yeah. All round, good weekend. Yeah. And this beer. 
Yep. There's beer. There's there's you're surrounded by everything you love about your hobby. And people that are really, I'm not talking like you know, we like modeling. People that are really positive about it. You know, that, that do it for the joy of it. I love sharing that joy with people. It's like being in. It's like being in a room full of ambassadors yeah. of one case. Yeah, <laughs> it totally is. Ambassadors is a great way to be. Yeah, yeah, and almost no egos. Modest, modest people. Yeah. There's a few, kind. <laughs> but not many. Well, yeah, in the, and uh, I've been, I've never, I've never been that big of a fan of, of, of rock star status in a hobby. I mean, I always thought it was a bit ludicrous to be a hobby rock star. No, but in the end, there's nothing less rock star than building plastic ones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In, the end, in the in the end, we are all most of us are, you know. Balding fat middle aged man who are building plastic tanks, so you know, there's not much of a rock star allure in that. <laughs> but, uh, hello! But, uh, no, it's uh, so, yeah, you know, act, act normal, do your thing, and be nice to each other, be decent people, it's not hard. Have fun, right? Yeah. All right. Well, Robert, thank you for joining us. Yeah, no problem, it was fun, man. Yeah, absolutely. Great job, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And well done on your um, your uh, award. Yeah. Maybe awards, let's find out. I've got I, a funny feeling in dioramas, you might have something. Uh, I, I have no clue, I'll wait. And, when uh, I say funny feeling, I don't, I don't, that's not some hint I have an inside track, I don't actually know. But <laughs> no, no, but no, you know, I'll see. And if it doesn't happen, I pack up my stuff and still take it home. It's not like I smashed into the wall. So I'm still proud of my stuff, even if it wins. And well, if you did it because you love it, and you still love it. Yeah, so. of course. Yeah. Yeah. What, a, what a place to present your work. Right? Yeah. Well, yeah. Work. If you can, it's an opportunity to have your work seen with the best work in the world. Absolutely. Yeah. And who wouldn't want to be on the same table with David? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's even a joy to see other people's work. You know, just. Yeah, I generally find other people's work boring, but not here. <laughs> no. <laughs> on the internet, yeah. Yeah. No. And it inspires me also to, you know. Create new ideas and create new concepts. Sure. All round win this weekend. Tetra Model Works are a leading producer of premium photo etched sets for all kinds of modeling genres. From armor to ships to aircraft and more, they make some of the best PE you can buy. And I know because I use it myself. I love it so much I even sell it in my own store. The design is outstanding. Sharp and clean detail, well-designed folds and easily constructed assemblies. Easy to use, their high quality brass is just the right thickness and strong so it won't break on you. Their sets provide the maximum of detail but never with parts you don't need or can't use. Instructions are clear and very easy to follow. Sold in hobby stores around the world, just look for Tetra Model for the very best in photo etch and accessories. You can find a full list of their distributors at tetramodel.com. That's tetra, T-E-T-R-A, model.com.
Okay, so the next interview is a group interview with five of our really good friends from Finland. I hope you enjoy this as much as we did. This one was recorded outside in the bar, and it's got that real essence of Finland. So this is the fin. This is the finterview, is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, this is the finterview. <laughs> Hi, Spirit Cutters. Tracy and I are here with the famous Finns. We're outside in the bar at uh, World Model Expo. The uh, famous Abdi Bar for Abdi? Abbey? I don't know. Abdi. Abdi Bar. Abdi. 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 The famous Abdi. Belgian beer, I'm drunk now, thank you, bar, uh, in the courtyard. So there's a bit of, of noise over the top, um, but I think it'll be okay. It's so pretty mild it's considering when it's going to be in a few hours. Yeah, if we don't do it now, we'll be out of carnage later. So. Okay. We're not going to do it later. We're not going to do that. <laughs> so we've got five of our friends with us here, and I'm going to go around and ask them to introduce themselves. Uh, so we'll start with you, Mika. Yes, I'm Mika. I'm uh, 60 years old. And, uh, I like blue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I used to be an armor modeler, but uh, I'm, now I'm a uh, you know, aircraft modeler because uh, that's why I can you know, uh, you make, make, make people more angry. <laughs> <laughs> Me especially. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pekka. Hello, I'm Pekka of Finland. I'm kind of the grandfather here. I'm not the oldest in the group, but um, of this group I am. But uh, you know, they uh, ten years ago they started calling me, calling me Fafa. That means grandfather. I don't know why. Look at the mirror. Thank you. Thank you. I was born old. Born wrinkly and stayed that way. In quite many places. You don't know what I know. Okay. Hello. My name is Kai Lindemann from Finland. Also working with the name label Miniatures, building mainly AFVs, wartime trucks. Uh, heavily scratch build, that kind of stuff. And most of them are really fantasy. Is it really? Do they all look the same? No. Uh, yeah, they could be looking <laughs> a little bit the same. <laughs> Patrick. Hey, hey, hello everybody. My name is Petri Kovanen, and uh, I'm a, uh, I consider myself to be. Um, Mostly, no, a beginner model, you know, a small (laughs) couple of figures, maximum three uh, dioramas, uh, and always try to find something new uh, and which haven't been done before in my works. For a beginner, you win a lot of medals, (laughs) (laughs) a lot of gold medals. (laughs) Yeah. He's famous for waking up for in the in the award ceremony. Yeah. He sleeps to the ceremony and wakes up to pick up the gold. No, no, no. that's the old pe- uh, uh, Petri, the new Petri. Yeah, He's yeah, not yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. I, I, I my other hobby oh, is uh, okay. running long distance uh, half marathons and marathons. So. Those who think I'm just a drunkard model are absolutely wrong. <laughs> That's only at shows, right? Only at shows, yeah, twice a year, maybe. <laughs> who have you passed the mantle to? Who's the drunkard modeler now? 
And there's your introduction. Uh, another, <laughs> another female, of course. Uh, just look beside me. <laughs> Hello, gangsters. I'm Timo Lux. Uh, I will mainly tanks, occasional truck, maybe, but no wings. Hell no. No way, Jose. <laughs> Right, so thanks for joining us. Uh, you guys are pretty legendary at model shows. Um, we're going to do the jokes about being drunk and stuff, but because you always stick together, you're always a group, you know, a real tight band of, of uh, friends to avoid the brothers cliche. Uh, so how long have you all known each other? For me, 90s, 90s maybe. the old old geezers have known them. So the, for not from the 90s. 90s. The 90s were like six years ago, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it feels yeah. like it. Yeah, just last week. Early 90s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me and Leepu have yeah, been around five. from like maybe 2011. Yeah, I think so. But we took the crash course <laughs> and we've been taught by the best. But I have known Mika and Petri from maybe middle of 90s. Also, uh, I think early 90s, 90, yeah. 92. Could be. 92. Yeah, yeah, so around that. We have a, this dark secret. <laughs> we used to attend IPMS contest. Contest and, uh, and Ooh. No, no, we, I mean we were members. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. And I'm still a member. How, You're still a member. How dare you? <laughs> Get the fuck out. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was the dark, dark ages, so we didn't have any. I support any modeling activities. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. But when when we grow, grew up, so we decided to travel a little bit. And, yeah. and it, it was like a Pekka led the way, uh, going to Euro military uh, in in. Uh, I think it was eighteen. It was yeah, in the nineties. Oh. Late 80s, maybe, yeah, yeah. even that early. Back in yeah. the heyday for Europe, the term. Yes, yeah. when it was, it was the, the thing. But after that, uh, more and more uh, friends would join him and uh, come yeah, together. Peter went to Euro Militaire 18 years in a row. straight. Yeah. In a row. He didn't miss one. Yeah. That's more than people in Folkestone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, I think it's still my favorite show. You know, I still miss it. Yeah, the moldy hotels, the <laughs> excellent uh, English food. Yeah. <laughs> I'd just like to point out for the, for the sake of listeners that the, the great rest of England would like to dissociate itself from the food it puts <laughs> And the mo morning, morning fry-ups. Yeah. Uh, okay, but there's uh, good things also, like the great terrace view over the ocean with dolphins. Yeah, it, South it, Cliff. Uh, Bar and terrace. Yeah. The, rooms, the venue no, was the amazing. And the, bar. Yes. Yeah. It's, it and the people. <laughs> and the people, of course. Yeah. I great. think what it had. The old stewards in there. This show has, well, SMC has now. It's where you went to see all your friends yeah. and all the people. Because Euro, that was it. I mean, that was the one big show. So if we're going to go anywhere, they go there. Yeah. But unfortunately, in the last few years, it really trailed off. Yeah. I went uh, once after it kind of folded yeah. as an international event, so and it was nice, but I, j I just missed the old days. You know. The excitement was gone. Yes, yes. I mean, it used to be the place as well. All the 
it, it was really huge in the 90s at a time, and early noughties, I suppose, at a time when really... Before the uh, time of internet. Yeah, yeah when, when a lot of the guys that are really well-known were starting to come through as well. And also all the big companies released their latest uh, stuff in, in the event, and uh, there were like uh, so many... Uh, Sellers that uh, they couldn't fit them in inside. They ha had a tent outside for the for the extra. I mean that was uh, like '89 or something like that. There were so many sellers that they uh, applied tents outside. With the English weather. <laughs> yeah, well, well, but the strange thing that with all the English weather, you know, classical rain. In Folkestone, usually it always signed. It was always really nice. It was always uh, fall, but 25, 26, you know. For you guys, that's tropical, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But you, you were asking uh, how we are so you know, tight crew. Yeah. What makes it? So the answer is we are from Finland. We always go to this very small and very, very hot room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Naked. It's because you've all seen each other's dicks, right? <laughs> More than we don't have many. So, we are kind of, we are not shame of anything, except the little. You know. yeah. <laughs> and also, we've been taught in the military, the mandatory military service in Finland, that you leave no man behind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's that's true. Yeah. So, yeah. If, if somebody drinks in. Mozon too much palinka. So we what do you mean if? <laughs> yeah. when. Who, who and when is the question? So we don't let leave uh, anybody else. But the Dutch, they leave the people sleeping in the toilet. Right. <laughs> that yes. happened uh, two days ago. No mention of names. No, 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 no names. No names. No names. We're letting them out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I've heard that one before. Just turn the volume up on that bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Palinka. Yeah, yeah. Never go there. <laughs> that, the Mosin's another show you guys always go to, right? Yeah. Of course, yeah. What is it you love about Mosin? Cheap, cheap beer and cheap <laughs> food. And also that we are related to them, their language, a little bit. Very long time ago, and we had uh, ancestors. They also have models in the contest. Oh, Did you hear? Yeah. 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 I've yeah. never yeah. been to the yeah. contest. <laughs> Apart from that, uh, it's, uh, of never course, friends and... Uh, other models who come there and we have a blast and it's affordable for everybody yeah yes, that's very important yeah. that uh, in this is like it, it, that, that country that we go to that the beer is cheaper than in Finland because Finland is expensive you <laughs> keep okay. constantly mentioning beer yeah. <laughs> what, what the fuck is that <laughs> well I remember one one occasion when one was left behind in a way, in Euromilitar, we had this uh, first timer, and ah. we, we were enjoying the weekend a lot. And and, and uh, uh, Sunday afternoon, he comes to us and said, "I'm a little bit disappointed. There's so few models here." I said, "What the fuck are you talking?" The downstairs, 
yeah. full of them. Yeah, yeah. All right. Downstairs. <laughs> so he had one hour. Not one hour. I felt bad for him because yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, it's been looking at the historic stands. Historic stands, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Few, few painted up figures in the historic stand, and he he thought that was the competition. Maybe Pegasus yeah, or something. Oh. But I, I was the one who guided him downstairs. Here is the competition, and it was a funny feeling seeing his jaw drop to the ground. And <laughs> look at his watch, I have one hour left of uh, time to. The thing that blew me away the first time I went to Euromilitaire was I've been to a few YPMS shows. This is the obligatory part of the podcast where I get hate mail from YPMS. <laughs> and I thought, oh, this is great, these are great models. And, but you went in Euromilitaire, and it was like going from a pedal car to a Ferrari <laughs> just yeah. like, suddenly you thought oh my god models could be like this yeah. and that's something that Mosin and SMC have picked up yeah. the quality in um, East Europe is very high do you remember what year was that uh, first year I went was very you'll be thinking I stopped going then uh, uh, I remember uh, I, I just met, after Civil War Actually, he was really late in the game. They had many, many civil wars. So yeah, we, we were many them. years before him. Ours oh, has yeah. never really been settled. <laughs> <laughs> the Scottish are still ready for a fight. Uh, Freedom! They're always ready for a fight. Uh, That's why we love them. More hate now. <laughs> I think it was about 2004, 2005. Oh, wow. okay. like so for me, well, an eon ago for you. We've been going there for 10 years. Of, Already, yeah. and Actually, you know the golden years. The first where time I met you, you walked into a door frame three times. Carlton <laughs> <laughs> <a> Hotel. Really? <laughs> and then someone I can't remember who it was eventually sort of steered you away. <laughs> I think there's a, there's a plaque there though yeah. to commemorate it. I thought he was right. Oh my God, he's a legend. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for telling me this story because I I have to admit I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, that'll be the head injury. Kind of strange. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then, you know, some of the models you saw back then, I mean, uh, I'll tell you actually that the second year I went was when Chris Clayton did the Dragon Slayer. So oh, that yes. might tell you which year it yes. was. And the first year I went, I think Moraine had put in the um, Van Gill's construction. You know, the high Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that that's, that's classic. And it's always on display on SMC, yeah. you know, on the club stand. And it never, even though modeling moves on, and you don't think things are always improving, you think, standards relatively that still holds up even years after he did it yes, when other exactly. models don't look so good anymore but that one's still yeah to look at that and not be impressed well the like thing is as well so every time small. you're not it's like as a magic trick whenever you're not actually looking at it it seems much bigger than it is and then you see it and go shit that's small yeah. every time you see yeah. it yeah. when you see it on a club stand it's okay it's there and it's, it's like yeah. this high you think yeah. it's this one time uh I don't recall the show. I don't know why, but I don't recall. I bought a book for the Danish masters, which uh, illustrates that Marine Van Gill's piece. Uh, Dutch Ch- masters. Oh, Dutch masters. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. yeah and uh, Dutch, Dutch, <laughs> touchy, touchy <laughs> masters. Are there any masters Danish, in Denmark? Danish. No. No. Sorry. Fantasy classics. They are here. But the point is, uh, I bu- bought a whole book just to show that piece to my friends at home because there's a picture uh, with the piece on the palm, on, palm of the hand yeah. so you get the size uh, and when, when, when it was in Euro military it, there was a, like a slide 
of it blown up on the screen, uh, uh, you know, yeah. which was constantly on, and you could see all the details, and it, it didn't look bad. Yeah, it was 54 millimeter, and it was like a huge slide on. on and back in the day, there was like a projector, you know, on a on a silver screen. Stage to get your medal. <laughs> yeah, and really old geezers giving them out. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, uh, cast like members from from uh, from, from Sharpie. Bean, from Bean. No, from Sharpie. You know. Yeah, Sharpie. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Sharp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah every year, for those that don't know, every year. Rifleman Harris from Sharp. Exactly. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Uh, about the circles. Okay, we are tight circle within our, you know, things, but we also uh, have good connections to the other Nordic countries. Yeah. We love the Norwegians and the Norwegians, and we we hate the Swedes. <laughs> no, 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 I love the Swedes. No, <laughs> no, 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 not really, but. Because we used to go to Stockholm IPMS Open every year in April, and it had to be, it, uh, it happens to be my uh, birthday time. So, Hello. Uh, the Hungarians, they always. <laughs> Hungarians, they always welcome to Hungarians. They always <laughs> never know when they're not welcome. <laughs> <laughs> if tra trying to look uh, for crazy, more crazy people than the Finns in the modeling world, the it's the Hungarians. <laughs> Behind me is the SBS Shaba, yeah. one of the greatest guys in the world. And uh, again, as well, they yeah. really punch above their weight for model skill. They're yeah. so they really, do, really do, great. Yeah. 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 And their products are fantastic. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. In fact, <laughs> we need to have a chat with them sometime. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out for SBS models because I would have that, bought that's something from their stand today, but there was no one there. <laughs> <laughs> they were. Sleeping, under the yeah, under the table. <laughs> 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 so anyway, uh, about this uh, Nordic uh, cooperation. So we used to go to Stockholm uh, Open, and they would give out prizes called Lillebror, so little brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we are. They always, um, you know. They love us, but they are always above us. A little bit patronizing. As we as you mean. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, a good I rhyme, though. Love us, but above us. We've been um, waging their wars for centuries before we became part of the uh, Russia. But, you know, they... Wait, they part of NATO. Yeah. Well, Both of us. Yeah. Thank you for being Thank the sacrificial lamb on our front <laughs> 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 well, You're welcome. Thanks You're welcome. They are part of NATO. Yeah, well, uh, Sweden is like a, always been like a big brother to us Finns uh, uh, in uh, every way, but uh, I, I kind of always hated Swedish hockey players, Swedish hockey team, and you know everything. <laughs> <laughs> but and, and this being uh, ice hockey, not yeah. your kind of you know dry land yeah, but, hockey. Yeah. But anyway, uh, I still love the Swedish. Modeler friends, you know, they are really dear to me. Yeah, uh, they're great. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah. they do actually uh, in uh, Southwick Bar. They did the best helicopter ever. Now remember, everyone, this podcast is tagged explicit, so please don't. Come yeah, <laughs> and the guy who did it is uh, sadly uh, I haven't seen him in a few years now. But. 
Yeah, he's in hospital with a really serious sprain. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah, the local ladies they didn't appreciate it much, but you know. The last time I went to Folkestone, there was a free sex show on the parade, so, you know, the local yeah. ladies seem fine. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe they were. Uh, Yes, that was loud. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, ow! <laughs> what is that sound? But it has to be on, on tape, you know? <laughs> That's the most Swedish... Uh, Swedish Jesus, sorry. That's the most Swedish thing on this recording. <laughs> talking though of... Uh, get serious again for a minute. Talking of uh, brothers and no man left behind. Unfortunately, you lost a friend a few years ago now. A couple, yeah. 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 I think you're meaning Yoni. Sorry, and, yeah, and, and also Nico. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that's too bad. We lost too many brothers in a row. Yeah, like uh, three guys you know, over five years. That's devastating. And uh, what can you say? You know. Yeah, part of the brotherhood. I can tell you an example when. Yoni, Yoni hit his head in Hungary due to an accident with a bathroom door. He slipped and hit his head on the bath, uh, toilet seat. So he had to be in a hospital for three days. So uh, all the guys were leaving home on a flight and I, of course, decided to stay with my friend. So he hasn't, doesn't have to be alone in the hospital. Because they wouldn't give him an, uh, flight a, clearance. a flight clearance yeah. for the head injury. And the last day on the Sunday dinner, these guys and other guys who were there, they, uh, it was actually Petri who took out glass. And here's a tip jar. Everybody puts in some money for the guys because they have to reschedule flights and it's going to cost and another hotel room and eating and whatnot. And the glass goes around 16 people and Petri handles over to me and I don't look, I just take the money and put it in my pocket and uh, after that I went to the hotel, to hotel room and cried. So after a few days Yoni uh, was released from the hospital and uh, six and a half minutes after that they, you were at the Corso. Yeah, beer. yeah, <laughs> uh, th just about like that, yeah. And the money from the jar almost covered it. Yeah. <laughs> lucky, lucky, lucky enough, uh, he had insurance and uh, I consulted Joni's wife and insurance company and they they uh, covered both of us flights. Uh, because, yeah, because uh, he had a head injury and he needed an escort. So I also got a free free ticket. And of course, uh, after maybe it was the starting point at Yoni's uh, terrible disease, ALS, and that yeah. the, the accident at Timosan uh, bathroom. Uh, maybe how many years? I uh, two, three. Two, two years after two that, years after he that, died. He got really seriously ill with the most terrible disease in the world, if you ask me, ALS, which is death sentence. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I'm really uh, proud for Temu who, uh, you know, took care of him uh, and brought him to with us to. The we had a 
great feast. And Shows. He was, yeah, he was yeah. a guest of honor, and at that time he couldn't uh, speak anymore. So he was there, and I, I think he appreciated Yeah, He was more right to the end. I visited him maybe a two months before he died. He couldn't speak, he couldn't eat. Uh, all the functions were minimal, but he still had a modeling magazine and model kit in front of him. He couldn't do anything about it, but it was there. It, Passion. Passion, yeah. But it really touched me the way you know a lot of people talk about every modern group ever goes, Oh yeah, we're a band of brothers, but you guys really do look after each other and I think you know it says yeah. a lot about you basically. You you've seen Mandalorian? Yeah. Yeah. This is the way. Yeah. <laughs> the Finnish way. <laughs> Maybe so. That and we don't, naked in a hot room. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we don't have funny funny helmets so. Well, you do when you get <laughs> do when you get naked in a hot room. <laughs> Another Finn behind us making funny faces, trying to make us laugh. He can't help it. That's just his face. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, we would of course uh, welcome uh, another Pekka. Too many peckers. 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 Too <laughs> so, if, if you want to know uh, a thing about Petri, that he doesn't realize, but he, when when he needs to go to the toilet and take the, the pee, he, he does yeah, yeah. jiggle, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and, and everybody notices except him. And yeah, we yeah. said, Petri, toilet. <laughs> so we take care of our. We, we call it call it the pissing jazz. When, whenever ever Petri starts dancing, P, it's time P for bathroom. P -jive. <laughs> we all got our little oddities, if you will. Foibles. Foi what? Foibles. Foibles. Okay. Strange little habits. Okay. Yes. Petri also is, is widely known in the modern, you know, uh, world. Deeply respected for his, his very religious nature, is that right? Yeah, <laughs> he, he does, the, especially on Mozon, late night, uh, around uh, midnight, 1 a.m. Yeah, in the Corso yeah, yeah. bar. He takes, a, he, he takes a nap in the restaurant table. Yeah. In no, a position... Don't call it that. He takes the, how do you say, uh, confrication of... Uh, it's, it's more or less prayer. The, all the, the bivili, true believers, yes. and they join him. Prayer. Yeah, he brings them together, and they take the prayer on the table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, in the spirit of spirits. Yeah, yes. in the spirit of spirits. Yeah, and and it, uh, in fact, uh, I think the KMK guys who are just next to us at the moment, they have also done this modelless prayer, according to. I mean, uh, following the Petri's way. Yeah, yeah, they actually, people keep asking me for the photos of Petri doing, so they know with this, with this, uh, how it must be done. The correct form. Yes, <laughs> yeah. yes absolutely. The Pope of modeling prayer. Yeah. 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 <laughs>
and yeah that would be cool but uh, Petri is well known around the modern world and he knows everybody and everybody knows Petri and yeah, yeah. He, he's just a fun all-around guy and if you want to meet somebody just ask Petri he knows them also though Petri you're known for doing really unusual you know you like to find the uh, different idea like the wall of death uh, how did you come up with the idea for wall of death well it was a uh, memory from my childhood uh, when you were on a motorbike. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, tricycle, tricycle. Uh, I spent uh, all my summers uh, with my grandmother in, uh, in, in a small town in close to Russian border called Imatra, where I was born. And 10 kilometers from the Soviet Union border. Yeah, exactly. And uh, one of those summers, uh, I noticed that in, in, the, in the small... Uh, Town, there was uh, coming up a really cool wall of death show, you know, a barrel where guys are driving with a motorcycle, yeah, right? Yeah, 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 and I have to go there, I have to go there, and uh, me and my brother with our bikes, we just drove there, and uh, you know, it was an amazing experience. It was like a stuttering barrel, a smell of gasoline. And really exciting, a lot of noise. And we were standing on top of the barrel, it was shaking, and we felt like it was going to fall. And it was just something we never said, never even saw, seen. And uh, it was a very uh, lasting experience. Uh, and I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know, but yeah, yeah, obviously left a really deep impression. Yeah, and uh, I just, you know, remembered that one day and uh, wondered if I could do a model of it and uh, googled if I could find a suitable bike. And I called my brother and my mother, and you remember when we were there, who was the driver? And yeah, when was it? And they filled me in, and uh, I started from that, and you know started researching, you know, uh, finding old newspaper articles uh, and everything. And and then uh, I had trouble finding a suitable bike, but my friend Pekka supplied me with one. And thank you, Pekka. <laughs> yeah, I remember the day when you rushed to the, our metro station. Uh, <laughs> and I had to give you the, the rims but, <laughs> but it was like one of those poses where, where it kind of built it by itself, you know, I'm so excited and, you know, motivated to doing it. So I finished in quite a short time because I, I was really uh, excited by it, you know, it's, it's a rare occasion nowadays for me. I've seen it all, I've done it. No, not all, but I've done a lot of things, but I really get excited by anything. It's just like, uh, normally it's like uh, I had to force myself to do things, but uh, this project was like, uh, it built itself. So, it shows. If he, if he starts talking any slower, we are two minutes from... <laughs> 
modeless prayer. You can flow like you can fast. You, you can take out every uh. <laughs> It takes a long yeah. time for my brain to connect to my yeah, mouth. Yeah. I've heard it. Tracing, I turned him up one point. No, but I know. I, I know a Swedish guy who talks even slower. So, what have you guys seen at the show that really, you know, which is there a single piece you've seen that you were really amazed by that really inspired you? Show? Is there a show? But this show, yeah, yeah. This show? Yeah, yeah. It's you the model. Is there a, is there a model <laughs> show here? Uh, oh. Have you gone to the basement? I thought this, uh. was, <laughs> I thought this was what to come down. Don't go to the basement here. That's where they keep the meat lockers. Uh, I, uh, I would have to say a small piece. Uh, maybe because I've been lately into uh, vintage motorcycles, which which is strange because I don't even have a driver's license. You know, <laughs> uh, I really like the uh, group of track tracers. You know, leave my dust. Pieces colors. Yeah, that that caught my eye. Is that the six models? Five, five. Uh, it makes, eat, uh, eat my dust. What's the this. name of it? No, no, no. Trace no, no. is searching through his phone. <laughs> Who am I showing? Who is this? I don't know. I don't either. What about you, Vic? You haven't said anything. What do you see that's really inspired you? Five. Oh wow, that's lovely. And it's got that sort of early oh, 1900s style and everything. They kind of look a little bit like the earliest American football players. Yeah. Coloured jerseys and funny little things. Yeah. And uh, the body, the body language of the riders is, is lovely. Uh, everybody has some different, different kind uh, of relaxed. attitude. And yeah, it would be really easy to make them look all the same. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Yes. Have you, have you taken a picture of it? Because yes, this promise, is. You promised you wouldn't take it. He has, yeah, he has. <laughs> I have a bad habit of, in, in these shows, I take seven, eight hundred, nine hundred pictures and post them in an album, but this to be time. Fair, I, though, this just should know you're a professional photographer, right? Yeah. If well, you haven't got a camera in your hand, it's not right, is it? Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, I, I promise that I won't, won't do it this year, but. I love your photo dance, please do it. Uh, well. I'm too old for this shit, so let the younger people do it now. It's a lot of work to get around a competition this way. It is, we but need uh, your album. We need it's, your it's album. still lovely to look at the pictures uh, later at home. A lot of people as well did vicariously through these for the show. They could come to the show. Particularly a lot of Americans who really should know what a good show looks like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, need to be, uh, they need to be looking at these photos. Here, here. Yeah. Well, Tracy's alright, he doesn't go to shows in America. Uh -huh. No, I come here. Yeah. Yeah. But you're a wise, yeah. wise man. Yeah. Damn, see, look how the white beard is. Yeah. <laughs> He's cultured. <laughs> no, I'm just like old. an old yogurt. I'm just. <laughs> that's what's smelling here. Like a three-year-old grappa. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what's smelling here. Yes. <laughs> okay. Right. So I have cheese in my pocket. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice. you, you should always have cheese in your pocket. You <laughs> get a little peckish. It's the American way. You put cheese on everything. Okay. <laughs> you have some American spray cheese. Americans put cheese on apple pie. 
<laughs> Canadians put maple syrup on bacon. Oh. You're out of anyway, spray cheese. This is not the International no. Food oh. Channel. Okay. <laughs> this is a model channel. Hang on a minute. What are you guys eating? <laughs> <laughs> I bet it's some like rotten sharks no, testicles. Sa sausage cheese. Sausage cheese. Oh, that's, that's good. Sausage no. But sausage is made of swollen sharks testicles, yeah? Uh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> but it's a sausage, so you don't taste it. Yeah. Basically, we eat uh, nails and shit chain. <laughs> Nails and chains. Disappointment and regret. <laughs> so you were asking what what yeah, you what, liked in really the show. Uh, to you. Me being a, a sculptor myself, I, I love the is it called the green glass? Unpainted, yes. unpainted original. Oh, yeah. uh, That's a special class for for this show, isn't it? For the SF well, show. I've seen the, those in other shows oh, too. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there you can really see the, how it's done because it's not covered in, in paint, and uh, then you realize, okay, this is uh, printed, this is handmade, and, and things like that. And it's very ed educational. I love it. Yeah. Because green stuff is green. It's new, I guess. I don't know. I think with sculpting, like with painting, the good thing about coming to these shows is you can all work really closely. And all these people that you really love, you can see how they've done it because you get to look at it that closely. Yeah, yeah. You can, and it's very different to looking at it online. Yeah. And with the sculpting, you can think, oh, okay, so yeah, they press that. And uh, this year, for instance, really can see the the quantum leap from you know hand sculpt things to you know. Uh, digital stuff. Di 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 digital. I'm going to beat my drum. <laughs> Isn't hand sculpt still got more soul than digital? I don't know. It's, uh, There's room for both, I it's, think. It's the uh, same art, different uh, mediums. Uh, or, yeah. Still need have a vision, still need to use your hands, to, you know, using the computer. But, yeah. You still need to have a feel for it. Yes, yes, And I, I guess uh, the, the most popular uh, programs doing this digital sculpting have kind of same feeling of pushing clay. So I, I think the other yeah, settings where you can set it the way you feel clay pushes yeah, 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 yeah. to do that. It's right. an evolution though, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. They can go side by side. Yeah, this is absolutely, just absolutely. this just uh, is a new uh, entry to the race. Yeah, you know, but there are in the world there are only few people who can, you know, hand sculpt things that they can do in the computer because you can sculpt it this big and yeah. then shrink. We were looking at the new uh, uh, Buka news from Ouroboros um, uh, or miniatures, and I bought one. It's a beautiful sculpture, but. We were talking to David Park about it, and he said the pattern in the background you couldn't get it to repeat that perfectly by hand. So there are, although you can sculpt the figure as well, but, you know, it does have everything has its limitations. I guess. But also, an artist is an artist. Yeah. Yeah. No matter what they're using. And I think maybe some of the 3D figures I don't like is because the guy doing it has got a good eye for anatomy or a good eye for flow. Yeah. Of course. In the early days. Airbrush was a new thing, it was not accepted as a yeah, yeah. Oh, it's changing. changing. <laughs> uh, 
Can you say it on this podcast? <laughs> If it's so no. funny, how come we can't all hear Not it? Not this one. <laughs> <laughs> it's a sort of photo. Yeah, it was a sauna joke and uh, no one else but Prince can get it, so I don't, I'd rather not share it with here. <laughs> David, what have you seen that's really caught your eye? I do not have a favorite because today we went to Oval Museum and the last entries went in today at 12. So, so I'm going to dedicate tomorrow uh, morning and day for that. But there's a lot of cool pieces there. A lot of cool pieces. A lot of ripe today as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think entries always double today from yesterday. Yeah. Which is a big surprise. A full, full bus load of Italians arrived. And oh, yeah, oh, yeah. How could you tell? You could hear it. <laughs> no, no, yes, yes. I, I could smell the pasta. <laughs> the, uh, what's it called? The One disappointing thing is that there were so few airplane yeah, aircraft. I don't know which ones, as they call it here. Aircraft ships and all the women took the dioramas was very strong. Yeah. Standard out armor was, was actually there weren't that many. Yeah. It makes you know things easier to make as uh, build aircraft. So World Expo more, doesn't more middle. Yeah. <laughs> But it still brings the quality where it doesn't bring the quantity. Like the yeah. scratchbook sky crane. Yeah, 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 Because the uh, World Expo doesn't have this tradition of, of tanks or airplanes, because it used to be quite strictly a uh, figurine contest. So that's why everything is locked into. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> How those hard shit. It's just another word that says not figures. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, I have to admit that uh, I kind of think of myself like uh, I speak English pretty okay you know, and you know understand it quite well uh, but I have to admit that I have no idea what ordnance means <laughs> it's called Tukista ah, okay Tukista military stuff okay very hard and noisy everything from bullets to aircraft okay thanks you thanks for educating me so this is my I think fourth or fifth World Expo now. My first was in Girona, in Catalonia. The second was one was in, was it in Italy or Switzerland? Stressa and then Switzerland and now here. Did you wear, no, Chicago, no? No, no, no. How does this compare to the ones you've been to? Well, this is the biggest of them all, I think. Okay. Yeah. The Zirona show was great, also Stressa, no? the Swiss not so much because uh, they were not traders and uh, being a very expensive country not many people came and they for instance they had six tanks. Oh wow! 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 wow. That's so funny because that's how many Switzerland's got. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I had some su success in that That contest, yeah. Maybe. You have to choose your battles. Unheard. Yeah. Yeah. But of course, much of the same friends go every, and that's the most important thing. 
Meeting friends. Yes, yes, it's yes. always the best thing. Meeting yeah. friends and making enemies. Yeah. <laughs> it's the category thing. Uh, why did you, Chris, put your tank in the miscellaneous? Because I didn't read the card. <laughs> <laughs> Chris is on a trophy hunt here. I'm pretty in the sci-fi category, and frankly, yeah. I, I think you know that was a much tougher category than the actual ordnance category, so yeah. I moved it. <laughs> All right. Which is nice that this is now three-day event. Yeah. That's a blessing. So, so yeah. yesterday, uh, I won't mention with, with names <laughs> on nations, but it was the Norwegians who came yesterday because nobody had told them that it's, it's a three-day event, so <laughs> no names. The good thing about it being a three-day event, there was a lot of people can't come on the Friday. So instead of the usual Saturday beginning, and it's just way too hectic for normal oh, yes. It was a nice sort of gentle start to the show, but still very busy. Gentle? You didn't see our picture from the train? There's nothing the, the, gentle about gentle, this. Gentle about You've that. got your own bubble of carnage that you carry with you wherever you go. <laughs> and we started you, pretty you hard. You say that Petri turns up to the show and goes, man, these guys are steeped. <laughs> yeah, our start was really, really uh, hardcore. Uh, then we uh, mellowed a little bit uh, yesterday and now we are back in business. <laughs> Saturday night's the night for party, right? <laughs> yeah. Saturday night, night is the night for fighting. <laughs> <laughs> you can sing that song to the, to the first, to the start, start, of, start of the, you've done it before, come on <laughs> no, He's not the singer, I'm the one who's the pistols. You, think, anyone can sing the pistols. Yeah, I think uh, everybody needs to hear Petri sing. He's got this special no, no. tune. We, we, <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Uh, I reckon he's a crooner. It's a kind of a gold medal song. I've been, I've been known to sing, but only uh, at the <laughs> final, final evening and only for the winners. Yeah. <laughs> only for the Finnish you, you could. Uh, Make no, a no, no, little no, sample, no, little no, sample. No. <laughs> Too early. A couple of tunes. <laughs> we need some beers. Uh, it's only after um, exhausted uh, use of uh, alcohol and uh, only after uh, somebody of our team wins. So oh, okay. no, it's a rare occasion. So. Uh, it's, not, it's not heard every year. It's, it's a special thing for it's us. It's a very special thing. It's, but when it's heard, everybody though, though cries. Everybody for cries. Different reasons. <laughs> <laughs> everybody hurts. <laughs> exactly. Everybody's ears are bleeding. But that's. <laughs> you you no, just yeah, suck it up. And, uh, and there's a bell that I ring all the yeah. We've heard about you ringing this bell, yeah. all with the clapper world into the bell. Yeah. <laughs> all right, well, I think we'll, we'll uh, bring it to a close there because you guys you know, want to get off and, uh, and have some fun. People so, are falling over. Like all right, well, thank you ever so much for talking to us, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Everybody, if you see a fit at a show, go shake their hand. All right, thanks yes. very much. Thank you. Thank you.
Swadhyama is a leading publisher of scale modeling books, and we are now excited to announce that we are also stocking Seals Models 1700 Japanese ships. These are plastic kits of Japanese pre dreadnoughts and exploration vessels. In addition, we are selling Tetra Model PE, Yamashita Hobby, and a range of other exciting and interesting modeling items. Go to www.insidethearmor.com for more. And this is a short interview with Patrick Kamsma, figure painter, which we recorded at the show. You can see a video of this interview on the Sprue Cutters Union Facebook page, uh, but here's the sound of the interview right now. Hi everyone, I'm here with Patrick Kamsma, is that correct? Yes, Patrick Kamsma, yeah. <laughs> I'm terrible with my pronunciation. And uh, Patrick, if you don't know, is a, is a fantastic figure painter. Um, we ran um, an online model contest at the beginning of lockdown. And, um, and Patrick won with his Road Warrior, I think it was. Sorry? Was it the Road Warrior figure? Yeah, it's the Road Girl. Yeah. Road Girl, yeah. that's it, yeah. Who made that one? It's from Journey Miniatures. Journey Miniatures. Yeah, that's English. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, really nice, uh, really nice figure. And uh, you've been doing figures now for about ten years. Yeah. yeah before that, you're an armor modeler, right? Before me, armor modeler. Uh, with tanks, basically. Sometimes we do an airplane in between. But basically, it's ninety percent, ninety percent figure painting. And what made you switch to figures? Uh, basically, the higher level of detail from the Kamka, from the Belgian, uh, the Belgian club with the yeah. blue shirts. They have a huge. Uh, they are usually talented, but they have a, such a high, uh, like you say, commitment to finishing a model. And I was not up to that standard. And basically, I was competing at that time more com based competition, and it was not the, the level of detail I was committed to to make that. To make that quality of work, and basically also the the interest of working on six months or maybe two to six months on a model, lost my interest along the way, which ended up more in shelf queen building yeah. than, uh, than really finishing a model. And basically, your figure painting is is much smaller, and you can finish a miniature in two weeks to four weeks. And yeah, because of the high standard nowadays, maybe also one month to two months. But in the end, it's smaller projects, and you can produce more projects along the year. And it's a huge variety, obviously, as well. Yeah, yeah. I started with uh, also with armor, uh, basically the World War II figures, uh, and then on it was uh, knights, medieval knights, English uh, Civil War. It was very fascinating. Also the American Civil War. Basically, you roll into history and find out there's more and more than just World War Two, yeah. and then you start reading and uh, get, get more interest in other time areas and, and, and uh, from there on it's basically well buying more miniatures and more miniatures even not painting them but if I use stash already also with what normally armor models have with stashes I have with miniatures buying is part of the hobby yeah. that's basically yeah. that is uh, and nowadays well, there's a huge variety also in fantasy you see a large shifting from historical painting to the fantasy. Maybe because also with the Lord of the Rings movies and the Marvel movies, and so we get much more influenced nowadays with with fantasy around us, which is much more appealing, I guess, to the youth. So therefore, 
I think it's a market that's fed itself as well because it's been so popular that it's inspired other young sculptors to, to produce their own lines. Yep. I mean, here there must be at least 20, 30 companies producing really high quality. Yeah, fancy miniatures. Yeah, and it's then also, can... I guess, the same thing with the armor modeling, which is also a little bit uh, what I'm fed up is maybe a big word, but what I'm fed up with is because of the the you have to get the historical correctness, and I I get it, but it also if you want to perceive this as a hobby, then you want to read between the lines and not nitpick or how do you say the with the with the, the with the nails. Uh, oh, rivet count. Rivet count, yeah. like that. And, and it basically is also with historical painting because you have to get the historical correctness right with, say, for instance, the Napoleonic era. Uh, I did my first Napoleonic figure and the first thing was, 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 was I was finished it and the first thing people come up is, oh, you didn't do the, the leopard, the leopard skin on the helmet was wrong. It's like, okay, here we go, here we go again. <laughs> I, I, I guess why people turn to fantasy and destroying maybe part of the hobby on the cell because of the, 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 the detail and the nitpicking about it. Uh, and therefore with fantasy you have much more uh, your own your own view on how you paint and achieve things so I think it can also be more difficult though because you don't have the guide of historical uniform or whatever to to guide you in your choice of colors and so on yeah. it, it yeah. means you have to have a really good concept of color theory and a good eye for yeah, color. Yeah, that's basically what I'm coping with. Uh, because nowadays I buy fantasy figures because of the box art, because of how people finish that model, how people see that. Uh, and therefore it's basically, uh, if you have to get a, a, a new box figure and uh, I always want to wait for something to be painted already to see yeah. what people might do. But for the road girl, it was uh, something I did for the first time. Okay, I'm going to do my own view on it and get some inspiration from. From uh, in this case, it was Mad Max, but basically get some things from movies and what gets you. Uh, maybe some artwork or something I uh, see from that. But basically, it was my first approach to my own. <laughs> view on things and it was also the first journeyman of the first road girl of journeyman who was also painted so also it was already picked up by journeyman itself yeah. apart from the box art which was uh, not finished uh, at that time so i was just maybe at the same time that the box art was released i also had my version released so therefore they had basically they had two versions uh, in, in a short amount of time and even journeyman picked it up so like a from that on, it's uh, it, it was uh, basically, but people saw it in a hobby. That's uh, really nice, isn't yeah. it? To have the, yeah. the sculptor manufacturer be happy with what you've done. Yeah, and it, it was also a miniature that was my first um, publication in Figure Paint International. Mm -hmm. So uh, they also picked it up. So it was uh, yeah, it was something like you got the cover, I think. Uh, no, it was not a cover, no. but they use it. But they use it in their. Uh, but they use it as as their promotion yes. as well. So. But it was it was very nice that it's that it worked out that way. They did it in the cover with the yearly uh, with the yearly special. Yes. That was then was, that was a part of the cover. So, uh, but it was yeah, it was very nice to get noticed for and basically with something you did on your own approach and not by copying a box art. So, yeah. It's a nice to know that when you take that step forward, it's it's worked out and yeah. you're going in the right direction. Yeah. yeah. How many you, you've put some pieces in the show? Which pieces have you put in? I've put uh, three historical pieces, which are busts, uh, which was from uh, Richard Winters from Nuts Planet. 
I did uh, Helmore from Dolman Miniatures, it's basically a smaller company, uh, and uh, Sean Connery from uh, Young Miniatures, oh, yeah. from the Battle of, uh, of the, the Arnhem, from the Arnhem Bridge. Uh, Bridge Too Far, yeah. Bridge Too Far, the movie. And I did three fantasy figures, uh, which is the Road Girl, uh, I did a small, I did a miniature, which was basically a Pirates of the Caribbean figure from one of the, the hookers who were uh, at, the, at, the, at the movie, which I transformed because of the look of her face to a Dracula setting where she was looking very afraid and I had the backdrop with, uh, on the back side with Dracula eyes, so like it's the frightening of like I was inspired by the 80s movie, yeah. uh, movie pictures, movie posters. Christopher Lee, like, and, yeah, yeah, like like the like frightness. Mm. Yeah, you see the house with yeah, the, the ghost yeah. in front. Now that's the same thing I wanted to, to portray with that uh, that setting. And I did uh, a small dwarf, which was basically for me the first time I had non-metal metallics mm. and doing gold. The gold helmet was a very buck part of the of that miniature. Uh, but that was basically just copying the box art yeah. to, to get me more acquainted with the non-metal metallic. Uh, uh, which is very well known in the fantasy hobby, but a lot of people have a problem with it because it doesn't yes. move when you move. Yes. How do you find? How do you try and overcome the fact that it's different from different angles? No, well, basically, it's not. It's not possible. It's 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 a two D effect. Basically, it only works in one angle. Uh, you see a lot of figure paintings uh, when you, they are they are painting beautifully but it works perfectly on picture on photograph yeah. and I notice it now because uh, uh, there was an, uh, an artist uh, Arno Lazaro mm. and I'm doing a workshop with him tomorrow and when I see his pictures online it, it, it blows, blow, blows people away it's perfect but when I see a picture now in real life at the competition table I see there are small things in it that I say okay that's maybe too much too overdone it works perfectly for the picture but when you see it in real life it's basically something okay there's something off Kirill Kaneev is also he's yes. a master of uh, a master of non-metallic metallics but when you see it in real life it's like okay it's just like painting large areas and you get what he's done but in real life there's always something that's off yeah. uh, so you have to look through that to understand his, his theory of painting it's still amazing I can't they're, they're, they're the best of the best uh, he's superb with reflected surfaces yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's uh, no, not, nothing more but respect for the for the for those painters, uh, but it's it's what it is. It is non-metallic metallics, and therefore it only yeah it only works in in some some levels of detail. In with a sword, it's basically you can turn turn and twist it around like a small sword. It's always working. Yeah. But when large areas with helmets, it basically works, especially in, in, from one or two angles maybe at most. So so the the dwarf is, has the same problem. What have you seen here at the show this weekend that's really blown you away? The best thing you've perhaps seen? Ooh, that's difficult because uh, it's so busy at the competition table. Yes, I think um, it's one of those where you'll go home and the photos will be posted and you'll think, I didn't even see that. Yeah. There's so much there. Well, what I've seen at most is, is that, that basically uh, there are a lot of painters who put so much uh, quality of work that it's basically just one blur of color, especially in the fantasy. Uh, I had... I was blown away by the, uh, the work of uh, an historical from Mark Mossad, uh, which is, uh, is, is, is famous for his heraldry. Yeah. Uh, I only took one picture of it uh, until this moment because I said it was too busy, but I took one picture of one soldier and it, it, it was his work. So uh, it's, it, yesterday it, it stood out from, from everything what I saw from there. From the fantasy it's difficult because with the backdrops uh, there's so much and that's what I like because I also did for Road Girl, did my first thing with backdrop. 
is that it's, it's it, it complements the whole scene. Yeah. I mean, normally doing a fantasy figure, if it's historical, there's always some some historical background, and you can relate to what what you see. But with fantasy, there's always the story is not always there. Uh, with a complementary backdrop, backdrop, you can see oh, he's trying to get that. There's feeling. a context. There's a context in it, and. Especially when I and I'm 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 also loving 2D. I like the, uh, I love looking at paintings, especially historical paintings like Rembrandt and Van Gogh and everything. But when you see that that is basically where I better get some sort of context, it's it's, it's mind blowing. Um, what I stood out, but what I like most is I'm also like more of the comics. Uh, I saw a, a Joker figure with a Harlequin, uh, with Harley Quinn. Uh, like like the, in a in a love scene, mm. uh, that was uh, it, it was a very basic setup, but it was okay. This, this, I, I, did, I don't know that miniature. I don't know if it's if it's handmade, sculpted, or if it's, it's, it's something else. But that was something I saw. It was very very nice. Uh, but also uh, figures with with with, with backdrop with backdrops are perfect. There was one flag which has a whole battle scene from. from uh, <laughs> Uh, what is it? It's the Warhammer, Warhammer stuff on it. There's so much. There's not even one piece you can say, okay, that was mind blowing. Especially with a, with uh, when you look at at at, at, at the fantasy figures. Yeah. So, so what's next for you? Uh, well, I I got my painting mojo back because the last couple of months were, especially with the pandemic, were very hard, especially painting wise, because normally I you do a hobby for yourself. But then again, I also realized that you need a platform to portray your miniatures. I guess if you paint a picture, uh, it's no, it's not. It, it, if you only paint a picture and you don't hang it on your wall, it's not. Yeah, uh, it's 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 that. It's then a picture, and okay, it's up onto the next. So um, I had some commissions done last couple of months, which was nice. Which basically were the historical, the historical, uh, the historical pieces. Um, was an uh, world uh, uh, army uh, army enthusiast uh, who is in the army basically is uh, who likes who likes that that, that stuff and um, so that got me that got me going uh, but basically with the show I got my, my my painting mojo I guess I got it back I got some new fancy pics uh, fancy figures uh, as well as with Mindworks the new Patrick J Jones series they have a nice stand they have a huge nice collection with Patrick J Jones I have uh, I have bought his art book uh, so I'm very much inspired by uh, by his work. So uh, I think it's going to be uh, uh, fancy pieces from uh, the, the, the next couple of uh, weeks, months, maybe I guess. So a good show really charges up the inspiration, doesn't it? Really yeah. makes you want to get back on the page. Yeah, yeah. And also meeting the people. Yeah. It's, it's not be, not not even for me showing the miniatures and get feedback from because for me it's still a hobby. Yeah. I don't have to. I don't have to pay the bills with it. Uh, I think it's nice just to. Just to talk about miniatures, or talk about you like uh, models, or about how how the world is, how the modeling world is is evolving. Basically, I like that kind of stuff. From just the energy, the energy from people and and, and like-minded people, uh, whatever that, that works. It's, I think that boosts creativity. Yes, from 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 everyone. So There's a great energy here. There yeah, really is. yeah. I think people have been really needing this for three years. It's yeah, yeah. It's habit. not only this. It's, it's, I think it's, it works with sports. It's with. Yeah. Uh, uh, with, with this, but also museums, 
everything works. Uh, you, I think the, 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 uh, the people are not meant to be uh, distant from each other. Uh, we, we need communities, uh, maybe not, not always like, like what we have here because it's a very close minded. We don't come outside even with nice weather. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it's the first time I've seen daylight today. Yeah, yeah me too. <laughs> so just for me, it's, a, it's the same thing, but uh, I think that's, that's what's, uh, that what's nice about it. And we, and we need that, that interaction. Yeah. So, uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Patrick, thank you. Okay. Take care, everyone. And don't forget, the Sprue Cutters Union is just one of a number of superb scale modelling podcasts. There are too many to list, but go to modelpodcasts.com to find a full list of all these great shows. Uh, so finally, we have uh, a quick interview with Robert Crombaker, who's going to give us all the debrief stats from the show. How are you feeling? Uh, seriously dead. <laughs> I had to go to back to work. What was it? Uh, on Wednesday. Yeah, but uh, man, oh man, <laughs> I'm not getting any younger, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, you've obviously been planning it for three years, but how much? Yeah. How you know? How many weeks have you been actually working on it for this show? All in all, maybe fifty-two. <laughs> I have. Uh, there's been no. I mean, seriously, um, it, it's just a lot of work, and. Uh, yeah. Because you try to, I try to do stupid stuff as well, you know, that really doesn't make any sense <laughs> in the end. But you try to do it, it's just little things, but they take up a lot of your time. And, um, but, but yeah, especially the last couple of weeks was, was really almost just about the show. Everything. But yeah, no, I'm not kidding. If it's, if you, if you count 52 weeks, I mean, I, I do the website, I do, you know, I, I take care of the traders. I uh, took part, t took care of part of the judges, um, well, and the finances. It's a, it's a lot of work, yeah. <laughs> and a lot of people like me contacting you with questions that they could have found out on the website. Well, yes, but on the other hand, um, there's a lot of information on that website, and most people use their telephone. And although the website is um, well, responsive. I I know from because I I work for an online uh, retailer. You know that some stuff on a telephone is just not as clearly visible as it is on a PC. So you get questions that you think, okay, true. That's why I had an FAQ page, but nobody <laughs> nobody reads that one as well. So yeah. <laughs> Ah, uh, yeah, you know, it's and and of course, there's always a lot of new people that never been to SFC before, and they just don't know. I mean, everyone I've spoken to agrees it's the biggest and best show we've ever been to by some margin. Um, you know what? 
I, I once told you that when I started SMC, I wanted to create a show where I wanted to go to because mm-hmm. I never found one that I really, really thought was, uh, well, lived up to my expectations anyway. And um, I think with World Model Expo, without any exaggeration, I think we quite managed to do that, to, to achieve the, just that. I mean, I can be, I can, I can be display some false modesty here, but you know, I think we did a damn good job. So um, yeah, I was happy, and and I, I really, you know, honestly, I thought at, at some points I really thought we lost the momentum because of the we had to postpone the show twice. And I really thought, okay, but that guy's not coming and they are not coming and she's not coming. And, you know, I only saw the people who were not, who were not coming. And there were a good number that weren't there, but the people that turned out, <laughs> that was, that was, uh, that was a huge surprise. And there were a lot, a lot of them. So yeah. Yeah. It was, how, do you know how many people, um, how many people visited the show? Yeah. Um, almost. 6,000 over three days. Wow. Yeah. That's a lot. I, I think that's a lot. You know, so sometimes you see a show advertised that they had 10 or 20,000 visitors, but believe me, I know what 10, 20,000 visitors look like. I have never seen a show with 10 or 20,000 visitors. Maybe maybe you found one in Japan. That that might be different, but um, like the Shitsuoka show or, you know, stuff mm-hmm. like that. That might be, but... Yeah, Europe, Actually, I would Europe. say I've only been to that twice, and it didn't look any bigger than uh, the show. You know, this World Model Expo, possibly smaller in terms of visitor numbers. Telford say they get ten thousand, but uh, I think five thousand of that is the clubs. Well, yeah, but you know, if you, if you have, you know, sometimes I think the the people that shout so loud they are relying on um, local governments and. <laughs> being subsidized by you know because they have a large attendance or whatever so they need to exaggerate a little bit so but that's fine you know i don't care uh i'm honest there were there were it were like 5800 something mm-hmm. uh divided over the three days so it felt very busy yeah and, and still it wasn't as busy as you sometimes had the, the idea at smc actually because we've had Saturdays at SMC that was really so crowded that you couldn't walk through the crowd. And that wasn't the case this time. Because I we had a lot of people that bought a one-day ticket. Yeah. A lot. So they only came on probably the Saturday or the Sunday, even on the, even on the Friday. We had a lot of scanned uh, tickets that came one day. So, yeah, it was a, it was a good turnout. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Friday and the Sunday were both busy. And I expected the Saturday to be the peak and the Sunday to be quite quiet, but it felt more even, really. Um, Saturday was actually Saturday was the busiest day. Yeah, in terms of Usually number so, of visitors, right? it was mm. strange, but strange it is. I can I can tell by the, the the scans that we did on tickets. So, but actually on Friday it was not bad either. So, mm. I, I didn't really expect it. Um, also, uh, I mean, from a trade point of view, Friday was my best day. So there were there were people there spending money. That's for sure. Uh, well, you know, they were the first to get there, so they, 
they probably could find <laughs> everything they still wanted to get. So yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully, yeah. yeah. Did you do well? Now, there were almost as a almost as many models there as visitors. Uh, I've heard various figures between four thousand one hundred and four thousand eight hundred. Do you know how many models were actually entered in the competition? Yes, four thousand eighty-two. Four thousand and eighty-two. Yeah, we had um, yeah. Uh, just before when we closed the pre-registration, we were close to four thousand. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we had a number of people that didn't show up for maybe some were tested positive on COVID. Some cancelled, had their flights cancelled and couldn't make it. Uh, and we had some day registrations as well to compensate for that and, and a little bit more, but obviously unexpected, but I expected not too many because the price of the the day registration was pretty steep, actually. Hmm. And we, we sort of, did, we, we did that on purpose, you know, to get as many pre-registrations as possible uh, for the sake of, uh, you know, speeding things up and trying to estimate space that we would need for the for the for the models which was which was not entirely successful but so because yeah we, we had to improv, improvise a bit but yeah <laughs> do you know how many tables there were in the competition room because they're two meter tables i think yeah the, the, we use stage elements so basically mm-hmm. uh in other weekends uh people dance on it or bands perform on those stages or whatever <laughs> you know uh but we uh, i i rented uh, 98 of them so they are, they are 2 meter by 1 meter by 1 meter wide and 1 meter high because that's what i want 1 meter high and uh for regular tables it's hard to find for that size so we had 96 and um in the course of the event we had to add another six from uh, from the venue itself they had some available Luckily, uh, last minute, because we really had to make space. And then we had uh, a guy who paints superbly, uh, the Sabutio. Uh, I the, saw those, yeah. The table. And he paints them really superbly, really by hand and really in, intricate. It's really fun, wonderful what he makes, but he was taking up so much space that we, we gave him um, some extra tables to, dis- to to put his whole display down there. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, that was uh, was quite a thing, yeah. But the guys from the competition, they, um, they who run our competition, and and I, and I happened to be there uh, as well at the time that we had to make that decision, and we said, okay, we just try to add some tables, and we called uh, the lady that was resp- that is responsible for our event, and we said, listen, can you can you get us a couple of extra tables? <laughs> and <laughs> so yeah, we, we 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 managed to do that as well. Yeah. That was really, uh, that was kind of funny, actually. But yeah, hey, uh, it's good they were there. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> well, in the early, in the early days, Massive C, we always uh, hired them from the from the venue, but mm. they don't have that number. They have, I don't know, maybe they've got twenty or twenty four of those tables. But um, you know, for stuff like that, you have to you have to go to professional company or to to companies that rent that equipment professionally uh, you know and do nothing but that so yeah how many i mean the the categories are a bit different in this competition yeah but how many uh medals were handed out in total i got them uh, there were 178 goals 
313 silvers and 433 bronzes. Yo. And the majority in those went in the, to the figure classes, obviously, because these were the, well, that was the majority of the entries. They, they were massive. They were massive. Yeah. And in both standard and, uh, and masters, there were a lot of, uh, bronzes and silvers. And, uh, also in the painting categories, historical standard at 29 gold medals and fantasy masters had 19 gold medals, which is still quite a lot. Oh yeah. And historical figures open that also had uh, 29 gold medals. That's a lot, but honestly, all the hot shots were there mm. and basically, you know, <laughs> you, you you, you could question the, the number of medals and, you know, if it's all really deserved. But if you look at historical masters, for example, I mean, the people that compete in that class are, I mean, one is not really that much worse than the other. They're all, they're all good. And the idea behind the, the open system, especially as it is used in the, the, uh, the World Model Expo is that you uh, reward excellence, and there was a lot of excellence on the table. I mean, I can't say anything else. It's uh, it's it's a, it's a fact. Don't take this the wrong way, but I thought the standard. I mean, for me, the standard at SMC is was always the highest, but I thought the standard in this competition took it up another couple of notches. Yeah. It was even higher. It's like I said, across the whole there were names there that usually don't uh, or have not yet attended SMC and you know for 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 especially in those two classes the open the open fantasy masters and the open historical masters um those people they especially they really prepare stuff for the world model expo i mean there's uh there are the greeks like uh, like costas cariotelis who uh who took uh uh, uh best of show i think in girona or some other uh world expo before uh people like uh, zapateros and gustavo hill um, um uh, and 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 the winner that we had now uh, obviously uh katachi uh, the winners katachi and uh, mauricio bruno i mean and and there was a lot more that they always uh, prepare stuff especially for world model expo and they they just bring epic stuff i mean that's what it is and those people do not necessarily always come to smc i was surprised how quickly the judging was done because it closed relatively late on the saturday i thought yeah um how many judges did you have 60 judging yeah, it could be six could be 63 but yeah mm. um, yeah yep. especially because like you say the standard was so high i know they they look at a display and they might look for the best thing in the display and, and kind of, you yeah. know, assess it on that. But you still have to look at the display really hard to find the best thing before you could start deciding how good it is. Yeah, but there were, there the, were also a lot of medals rewarded for the entire display. Yeah. Uh, in some classes more than in others, but uh, but yeah, yeah. Um, well, the system is, is uh, in, at the World Model Expo, you, you, you score points right so uh four mm -hmm. points each each uh so there's a team of three judges and each of the judges has to score 
that particular piece from the display that was chosen in the first round that they do. Okay. So first they look at it and they say, okay, that's the one we're going to judge. And then they move on to the next display, next display, next display. And then they come back and then they score individually without mating it into a, a horse trait. You know, that's the basic idea. Practically, some teams may have taken some shortcuts, which is not not bad at all because usually an SMC, for instance, they a team of three people they just discuss if this is a medal and then they say yes it's a medal and then you give it a gold silver or bronze or recommend it highly commend it and you move on to the next and you might come back uh you know to change something um but but and 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 but at this in this uh particular case in the world model expo you you, you score the points and then because uh, what they did they marked the ones that they were going to judge and then they came back for a second round and then they scored and uh, the system that we have uh what that was designed for this world model expo in particular um made it very easy because uh, people scored and if there was too much of a difference like two fours and a one then the system didn't allow you to close the the the, uh, the judging for that particular class so you got a, uh, you, got a you got a rat triangle meaning that you should reconsider this and in the World Model Expo, as Bill Oren explained it in the uh, the judges' briefing, it doesn't mean that the other two judges were asked to, <laughs> to score, mm-hmm. to, uh, to, to take their scores down, but they really asked the, the, the other one that gives a one, for example, to reconsider and look again if it's really a one or not. And then you still can have, you know, they're still entitled to, to their opinion, but I don't think it really happened uh, here at the at the expo that there were such huge uh, differences in the opinions within the judging teams and, and, and the two major classes or oh, in the, in the four, no, in the two major classes, uh, painting, what is it? Historical painting, fantasy painting, and then masters and historical. So that's four classes. Um, we had uh, two judging teams each because you had more than 700 entries in each of them. Mm-hmm. That's a ridiculous amount, isn't it? <laughs> it's impossible to judge that with with only three people. And and, and oh, I don't know how they could do it. And st- well, I even with six. Yeah, even with six. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Uh, well, in the end, they 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 took from five to no, from three o'clock until I think quarter past nine or nine o'clock. They were finished judging. So that's still six hours. That's uh, mm. that's almost a working day. Eh? Yeah. So it's a, a pretty it's, intense, continuous it, work as well. Exactly. Exactly. And they didn't waste a lot of time, really. No. There wasn't uh, a lot of uh, discussion or wasted time on, on on whatever things we had a we had we had some snacks for them and we had uh, sandwiches at around six o'clock and. Uh, that was a welcome break for most of them. So, uh, yeah, they, uh, yeah, it was a hard job. <laughs> and in the meantime, the, 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 the best of shows were chosen as well mm-hmm. before they finished this is the judging. It's just one best of show this time. There was one best of show this time. Yeah. That was the wish of the organization of, mm-hmm. uh, the, the World Model Soldier Federation to have one, uh, one overall, uh, best of show. Um, at SMC, we have one, a separate one for fantasy 
figures for historical figures and for the skill modeling classes but uh, yeah in this case there was one overall and because you know for for the judging for the best of show it was asked to each of the head judges for each each separate category fantasy historical and uh, and uh, uh, what they call ordinance, ordinance skill yeah. modeling yeah uh, to bring forward three pieces from their class from their categories I put them on the table for best of show, and from um, from uh, historical there came three, and for fantasy there came two, and uh, from ordnance there came none, because the judges in that class said no, there's nothing that's valid for a best of show in this competition. So. Uh, that was the judges. Uh, the judges were convinced that that was the case. So, you know, who, who are we? <laughs> who are we to? Uh, well, this is why you have independent judges, right? So, their decisions, their decision. Well, you know, a best of show is something special. I mean, something can be extraordinary good, but it does. It's not necessarily a best of show. But you know, well, you have to believe it's better than anything else you've seen there, don't you? So, yeah, more, yeah, sort of. Uh, so, yeah, and if they think nothing re- stands out. Uh, in this case, for that particular award, then yeah, then that's the case. So, and that voting took some time, and then the, the biggest classes still needed to because you know these best of show pieces they stood out and uh, or the the ones that were candidates for that and they they were they were chosen. Um, I don't know, I, I don't know what time we we selected it. Something like seven thirty in the evening or so. Mm-hmm. So that was still an hour and a half to judge. But then they already found the pieces that were worthy of uh, being voted for. So, um, yeah, so we did, they did that in between. Yeah. Remarkable. I've never seen it like that, but yeah, why not? Why not? Well, not too bad. At least everyone was still there this time. Um, well, some of the some of the, the ordinance judges were gone already because some of them were finished very fairly quickly. And others just... Uh, <laughs> hanging around uh, you know to vote for that best of show but I, I had a discussion with on discussion I had a talk with Bill around after that and he said listen I think for next time we should do it differently that you get that you have the head judges and then the the, the, the five judges from each ca- each category to vote for that uh, best of show as well and I think that, that's something that we could very well adopt for uh, uh, for SMC as well mm-hmm also that earlier vote because the, the the thing always is that ordinance judges usually finish a bit before or way before some of the figure judges do and then when it comes to the, the voting for the um, for the best show the figure judges are always in a majority mm. so it doesn't necessarily always mean that that means that the prize will go to you know a, a figure mm. uh, a figure but you know, chances are pretty big. But that's also one of the reasons why we split it up at SMC that we had, you know, or, uh, skill modeling, historical and fantasy separate for best of show. Anyway, I think that was a good idea. But I guess World Expo is World Expo. So, well, yeah, well, you know, there was the world. There have been World Expos where they had different ones, like in Stressa, they had separate ones. Uh, and Stressa had all, all also a lot more categories than we had. So some of the Italians are, Italians are killing us on the, 
on Facebook at the moment, but yeah. <laughs> I'm going to delete this bit, but yeah, the Italians, Jesus, they've got a real problem. <laughs> well, you can't. Well, you can delete it or don't. I mean, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I saw some complaining. They always seem to complain about something. Always. At every yeah. at every major Italian show, they complain about the judging, and the, every mm-hmm. every judge is corrupt, and uh, yeah, well, benefiting that the the buddies, and uh, and that's 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 that that's that is just nonsense. I haven't seen any of that no. uh, happening at the World Model Expo or at SMC. So, now, talking to judges, yes, uh, obviously it's come up before um from certain quarters the accusation of well how how do you who qualifies them and what have you yes. this year you had a fantastic display from uh, most of the judges everyone that brought something along to show and mm-hmm. i think anyone that in any doubt looking at the work of people like uh, Roman, Roman uh, yeah. ivan and lester and all those guys and bill haran <laughs> they're not going to be in any doubt of what qualifies them and you did ask some pretty uh extremely talented people along mm-hmm. uh doesn't doesn't necessarily make them good judges, by the way. But no. most of them, most of them, no. But most of them have earned their their their, their, their credits uh, as judges in the past. So, were there any rookies? Though, or were they all experienced judges? No, no, no rookies. Not not yeah, exactly. well, maybe for World Model Expo. Yeah, but that's what I did uh, on purpose, and also mm. Francesco Ferrabi did that on purpose to bring some new blood in uh, in the the World Model Expo judging uh, pool. Uh, because otherwise you keep using the same judges over and over again, and you know, get the same results. Surely, like all of us, you know, you, you, we're not getting any younger, and you need some mm. fresh blood as well. And uh, and and, but still, people who've judged before, uh, and it's and it's necessary. But there weren't any people that were there for that judged for the first time. Not one. Mm-hmm. So. Other than the ones you've already mentioned, are there any lessons you would take from World Expo to apply to Scale Model Challenge? <laughs> yeah, never three days again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, it's honest, I thought it was a maybe a day too long. It was great and everything, but you could probably do it in two. Uh, mm, uh, for the contest, no. No. Um, you probably could, but then the award ceremony would have started at five o'clock, and we would have finished at seven thirty. Hmm. So, and that was one of the reasons why we did three days, honestly, um, because the contest team they were very happy with the fact that we spread the the the, the registration part of them. anyway, bringing the bringing the stuff in. We spread it over two days. So, yeah, you know. There's some pros and cons, but three days is is long. But I think everybody got their money's worth, and um, but yeah, that's one of the things. I mean, nice to do it once, but never again. Three days is long. <laughs> Done it now. I, I mean, a real three day show. A lot of shows advertise that that they are that is three days, but usually on Friday, uh, stands are still setting up, uh, vendor mm-hmm. stands are being set up. Uh, you know, people bring their stuff in uh, for the comp- from the competition, but there's not really a lot happening, mm-hmm. uh, and we. I think we had a, a buzz from Friday morning until Sunday afternoon, so that was uh, pretty amazing. Now, you had a few problems along the way, but I only know that because you told me about them. Yeah. You know, from the surface, it was a bit like a swan. You know, there might be lots going on underneath the, the water, but on the yeah. top it looked fantastic. 
Did you have a lot of contingency plans in case? Oh, not really. <laughs> <laughs> you just go along and, and you try to improvise, you know, and you, and you curse a little bit when something goes wrong. But honestly, there wasn't that much really going wrong. It's more mm -hmm. that the, 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 the people from the security that we hired didn't show up. And when I called them, it turned out that the guy made a mistake in the dates whatever lame excuse that may be but that's yeah professional, isn't it? that's not very professional indeed so um but you know they showed up in the end and it, and it was fixed but it was you know we deliberately asked them or we did deliberately hire people from outside mm. so on, on friday a lot of people with backpacks came still came into the uh the, the, the contest area but we we fixed that on uh saturday and sunday um, because that's always an issue, you know, uh, especially in a competition like this where, where yeah. it's so crowded and so many, so much stuff on the table. Um, and another lesson learned is that people who make something that needs electricity have to make sure that they have a power bank with them or a battery or whatever, because nobody is ever going to plug in to our sockets again, because we had, uh, I don't know if you noticed it, but in the uh, diorama section, there were three blocks of lights that uh, that uh, went black. Went, went black, and uh, we tried to fix it, or the people from the NH tried to fix it. And when we were uh, cleaning, oh, breaking down, we found that uh, one of the uh, uh, the extension cord was uh, the, the the plug was um, had melted. Wow! Somebody added. A lot of people add stuff, you know, like adapters and all that stuff for, for, for turning tables or for lights in their boxes or at their, whatever they use it for. And there was a problem in there. And I was thinking afterwards, because one of the guys came to me when we were breaking down, he said, yeah, I found the issue. Yeah. So, oh my God, you know, what would happen, yeah, would have exactly. happened if that caught fire? So, and our stuff for what we do, it's tested, it works, and there's no problem. But I, I did see that a lot of people added, especially in that section, they added a lot of uh, adapters and other plugs and stuff. So, next year, no go. Sorry, guys. Find a way to make it work, but not without, not without our safety first, board. right? Sorry? You've got to have safety first. Exactly. It's not and just, I assume uh, the, the place has got a sprinkler system, but you don't want that going off over the competition. No, you just don't want so. that to happen, period. Whatever you have <laughs> yeah. at hand or, you know, there are fire extinguishers and all that stuff. Mm. But, uh, but uh, just don't do you know, and I, and I don't mind for a tablecloth getting, uh, get, catching fire, but all the, the work that's on there, mm. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't it's not a good look for a show, is it, a fire? No, 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 no. <laughs> well, you know, it, it, it probably, you know, you had a short circuit there. Yeah. And then it melts, and then you know it stops. You, it's fine. But you know, if you come to think of it, you know things that might have happened. You know, but that's that that that's one small lesson learned. And apart from that, I'm not really sure that there were any really big big things that went wrong. There's always the little stuff that goes wrong. But I mean, a lot of it's down to planning, and you planned it so well, and everyone's so well briefed. And I think perhaps experience from the smcs in previous years as well but there's always going to be a lot of moving parts there's always something that you know 
you yeah. can't control it all can you so no you can't and 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 honestly um when we were building up i mean we started on wednesday with the competition area we were building it up and that went pretty fast because honestly uh most of the the competition tables were already done on uh on wednesday on thursday usually the day before the show the smc that would be a friday then we start um you know we we, we finish off the competition area and one of the first things they do is just put these tablecloths on uh, for the for the traders mm. And uh, we had a lot of help actually uh, with that, and f- so with the with that with those tablecloths, and there were a lot more vendor tables than we usually have because we didn't have that huge club area that we normally have at SMC. We were done at ten forty-five in the morning already. Wow! And we started at eight thirty. That's really good, and that's really fast because I remember that at one point I was calling the uh, the company that was supposed to bring the uh, the TV screens. And I called them and I said, why, why, why are you guys? I mean, it's Thursday and you're supposed to bring it. And they said to me, yeah, but you know, we should, you know, we, we, the deal was that we would bring it before 12 o'clock. And I looked at my watch and it was, <laughs> it was only a quarter to 11. And, and I was, okay, right. <laughs> and then you take the next four or five hours to put down four roller banners and, uh, yeah, and, and, and three posters, you know, because the, after that, those two jobs are done, the competition tables and uh, the tablecloths for the trailers. Then everything goes in, 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 in sec- back to second gear mm. and very slowly. So maybe that's another lesson learned that I have to do that a little bit, organize that better than uh, after all that time to, to keep people busy. And then everybody is uh, ready at three o'clock and we can have a beer. Yeah. Did you get a chance to enjoy the show? Not as much as I wanted, but yeah. I was going to say because you made the show you want, but you don't really get a chance to no. enjoy it like anyone else does, do you? That's the no, problem. never, never, no, no. That, that's that's a problem. No, that's a bit of an issue, but yeah. Well, hey, if I'm the only one that misses that, I'm fine. You know, I I organize a show that uh, I hope everybody enjoys, and if that works, then uh, hey, I'm, I'm I'm one happy puppy. How many volunteers do you have to help set up and run the show? I, I think the most we had was on, I think on Saturday, mm-hmm. and we had a little under f- uh, 46 or 48, mm-hmm. which had, which is not the matter. At SMC, we, we once had over 50 or 55, but we had 48, yeah, something like that. That was on a Saturday. Sunday a little bit less, Friday a little bit less, obviously, because it's a working day for normal people. And, uh, uh, yeah, but, uh, and I then and I didn't count the, uh, the people for the, uh, parking, uh, surveillance and, uh, the security because those are all hired. So yeah, it's 48. And where'd you get the volunteers oh. from? The club, mm. family members of club members. Um, and well, if, if you count in the, 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 the contest stewards, we had more, obviously, because then there were, I think, something like 28 per day extra. And those volunteers, they came from everywhere. We had uh, the members from the British Flat Figure Society. They helped us build up. They helped us with uh, the stewarding. Uh, the clubs that were there, they, they we, we said, okay, we, you, you get a club stand. 
but please provide us with some of the contest stewards. And uh, so they all did. Uh, the, the KMK club from Belgium, they, they <laughs> I think they were with 14 or 16 people uh, offered to, to help out with stewarding. So that helped a lot because we had about, we had about 96 slots to fill wow. over the three days, all two hour shifts. We needed eight or nine people every shift. So start counting. So we had, so let's say from, uh, the people from the British Figure Society helped out. We had, uh, from, uh, Lefele in Belgium, where there were a lot of people helping out as well, like, uh, like KMK. Uh, but also from the other clubs, you know, everybody was really helpful to, you know, to, to lend a hand in, uh, for, for two hours. So that worked out pretty well. So the next show then for you to organize <laughs> is going to be scale model challenge in 2023 and you've got yep. a little bit of a break so start work on yep. that next week yeah well maybe i'll wait, <laughs> maybe I'll wait a little bit longer than, than 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 a week this time honestly although i've i already have some ideas so i'm okay yeah. <laughs> no 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 I, I i promised myself i'm not going to do anything about smc uh in the next uh next couple of weeks to start mm. with because we still have to do the uh discuss uh internally uh what what we have to improve uh from this world model expo uh we always we have a our own forum uh where we have uh where every people can throw his <laughs> spill his guts or her guts about the show and uh we'll evaluate that um in a couple of weeks and then uh i think we'll uh i don't know <laughs> after that we'll see i mean i'm not i'm not in a rush uh well model expo has uh taken up a lot of my energy to be honest yeah i think you deserve a break yeah, well you know what on and, and during the during the show and it's the same with smc i sleep about so from wednesday on from wednesday, wednesday evening until sunday I, I sleep about three three to four hours a day which Normally I sleep six hours a day, but those three hours. So it's you at the show. You you go, you just go on on adrenaline. Mm-hmm. That's it. And on Monday, when we brought the stuff back to the um, with the with the four of us, we brought the stuff back to the uh, to the storage. And I was done, and I was sitting at home, and it was uh, let's say one o'clock or twelve. You know, the adrenaline was sinking to my ankles <laughs> it was, it was, and it was gone and I was dead and I slept on the couch until I think a quarter to five and I said to Margot no no cooking I think we're going to get Chinese takeaway or, or pizza or whatever but you know <laughs> screw it. We, were, we were both completely dead yeah but happy happy really happy well, I think the others on the show will agree. We've already spoken about it. We recorded um, the rest of the show yesterday. Uh, yeah. Certainly Tracy and I think it's by far the best show we've ever been to. Yeah, and, I saw uh, it. Yeah. And I'm pretty too. sure it, it might be the best show I ever go to. It was absolutely phenomenal. So well, thank you for that. certainly in terms of numbers. and um, mm. But we had some first-timers at the show that I was trying to get over for a long time to SMC. And... The, I was talking to them outside of the bar on whenever it was. And I said, listen, but SMC is always like this. A yeah. huge vendor area, large competition. 
maybe half the pieces that we have now, but still a significant number of pieces in the contest. Large vendor area, large everything. So basically, it's not that much different. And I think, like I said before, I at one point I really, before way before a couple of weeks before the show, I really thought we lost the momentum until I saw the pre-registrations coming in. Mm-hmm. And I think in hindsight, this whole COVID crap thing made people even more anxious. Uh, to go to the show and meet their friends and everybody else because I think personally that the atmosphere was electric. Yes, it was. Yeah, and it was. And I even think even at the award ceremony, I mean, it was so crowded. People clapped. <laughs> I really, you hard really feel when it. someone wins at SMC, but people were roaring. They were cheering and roaring every and time I, their friends I, went I, up. And and I don't know if you saw it, but. You know, we had the junior categories, and there weren't many entries, but yeah. there was there were just a few, mainly girls actually as well. Um, and then this Italian girl came on stage. I think she, I think she had a silver, and she came on. You know, she had a cap on and a jacket, and she came on stage. And she was all alone there because she was the only silver. And the applause that came, it, it was a, like a rolling thunder that went through the hall. And I was really, I was getting goosebumps. I, that was really so fantastic and everybody you know that was really great and when you have a guy like francesco ferrabi he was head judge of the of the fantasy and he was really animating the whole on stage you know trying to get people you know keep them clapping and keep them going and bill Oran said afterwards that uh he was going to paint fantasy figures just to get an award from Fab for Francesco <laughs> on stage. Get, get a medal, especially from Francesco on stage. So that was, so that's re- that was really remarkable. Yeah. I, I, we just had a, a lot of good laughs and a lot of beer. And, uh, you know, it was just good to see a lot of people again after, you know, two, three years. And, and, and what I already expected to happen in in in, uh, in Moson in Hungary, um, and didn't much happen there as such because there was still a lot of people not daring to come. It was, maybe it was mm. a little bit too early in the year, but uh, finally, uh, yeah, I think everybody was really enthusiastic to see each other. And uh, well, let's see if we uh, if this event has been a super spreader for for COVID because <laughs> I already saw the first people reporting being tested positive on COVID. I tested myself today because I have a sore throat. Yeah. And Mark was, well, we posed, we, we both tested negative. So um, for now, we're, we're, we're safe. So, yeah. I'd, I'd, might be all the talking you've been doing all weekend. My God. Did you do <laughs> the award ceremony? My God. <laughs> All these names. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> actually, actually, at some point, you get a kick out of it. You know that? <laughs> it's actually just funny. <laughs> but there were a couple of classes where there were so many medals and, you know, so many bronzes, yeah. so many silvers that I really thought, okay, I'm, I'm going to need oxygen when I finish this list. <laughs> <laughs> you better be good at pronunciation, too. I do my best, but I screw up sometimes, but who cares? You know, nobody reads it because at one point, hey, actually, this was the first time ever in the history of SMC slash World Model Expo, in my, our World Expo, World Expo, that everything in the award ceremony went flawless. Mm. I mean, absolutely flawless. It was perfect 
until I started to call out the silvers from the next class. <laughs> <laughs> and and, and oh, Bart was standing next to me. He said, uh-uh. <clears throat> listen, stop. What? It's the wrong class. And I said, oh, shit. So I had to turn back the page. And I started reading the names again. But the, the right people were on the stage because nobody listens to me anyway. Just, just look at the names. Just look at the names on the screen. So, uh, yeah. So I was basically the one that screwed up this time. But, yeah. Yeah, it was, that was funny. <laughs> All right. Well, I want to say, Robert, thank you for coming on again and talking to us about yeah, the show. Yeah, thank you very much. And, uh, I know as the podcast, we had a fantastic time. I, so many people I wish we had interviewed that we didn't get around to speaking to, but uh, we'll have to do it at yeah. SMC next year. But your spot was pretty good for the, uh, at the end, your spot at the show was pretty good for the podcast, I think. Yeah, yeah, it was very good. Not, not as busy as the other hole because... It uh, would have been very but, difficult on the other one, yeah. Uh, that's what. That's why I suggested to switch, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Anyway. All right. It's good to talk to you again. And you. Sleep well. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, thanks. Okay, thanks, mate. And I'll wait for you two to come back. They're going for a pee, going for a pee, going for a pee, because they didn't go before. Just like kids in the classroom, put their hand up to pee when they should have gone on recess. Going for a pee, going for a pee, going for a pee, and to fill the bowl. Going for a pee, don't forget to flush, wash your hands and come right back. Dad, I gotta go! We just stopped. <laughs> no, I gotta go. Are we nearly there yet? Going for a pee, pee go. That's the only time I've I went for a pee, now I'm back from a pee. I did a pee, now I'm back. Will is the one taking so damn long. Do, 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 do. That's what Will gets for being so far away from his microphone. Yeah. He can't respond to us talking shit, but he can hear it, and you know we're not going to quit. If we make him laugh, he might piss up the wall. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be happy if that was my <laughs> Okay, I'm back, and I just want to say thank you for this fucking serenade <laughs> while I was in there trying to do my business. <laughs> I was... <clears throat> I was laughing so hard I couldn't. I was like, "God damn it!" <laughs> He's pissed up the wall. Told you. Oh, leaving that in. <laughs> Extremists interrupt us. <laughs> uh.